Do you like exclusive stuff? Yes, yes sir. sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah. If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon. <laughs> That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made. You're listening to the Oz Movies Podcast, only on the Oz Network. Welcome back to the Oz Network. As we conclude our anniversary month, all films from 2002, and today we get to talk about the little movie that could, in 2002, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, the prequel to My Big Fat Greek Life, and My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2, and My Big Fat Greek Wedding 3, um, the original, uh, the at the time, I guess, the, the highest grossing independent movie of all time, the... Uh, greatest moneymaker in movie history in 2002 and a movie that most people forget was that big of a deal in 2002, which is kind of the fun of covering it here today. Um, So let's get into it. My name is Colin and I had to go to podcasting school where I learned valuable lessons such as if Colin had one goat and Ben had nine, how soon will they marry? I've always wondered that. So I look forward (laughs) to an answer. My name is Ben, which comes from the Greek word bend over and... (laughs) Bunt, 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 bunk, 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 bunt, 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 Irma bunt, bunt, not it's ground ice, <laughs> not cake, baklava. Uh, yeah, this is um, this is a movie that I have been it trying is. to come up with an excuse to cover. Yes, <laughs> it uh, definitely is a movie. Before, before it was a canceled tv show it was a movie did anybody know that and then it became a canceled tv show <laughs> yeah. oh you said that joke never mind i listen i think it was a like play one... and then yep over my head never mind we started as a podcast and we're soon to be a canceled podcast that that's how the no, we are a canceled podcast max dawson mr 100 accuracy remember <laughs> sorry max, max dawson is greek for a word that rhymes with bunt Uh, but moving on to the movie that I've been looking for excuse to cover because uh, I guess aside from the fact that this has always been such a fascinating story for me that this movie became as huge as it was. Uh, this is sort of the hometown movie here for my hometown in Winnipeg because this is where Nia Vardalis is from. This is where her family's from. This movie is essentially her story um, doing research, listening to the commentary, reading the trivia, realizing how much this is essentially her biopic, uh, just with names change, is crazy. Uh, but this movie was, I guess, a huge deal everywhere. I mean, the biggest movie that there was in 2002, um, maybe aside from Star Wars and Lord of the Rings, but but it was right up there. And uh, it, it, it was so heavily talked about here. And still to this day, I mean, people love this movie here. Um, just last week, I was at the restaurant, not the actual restaurant from, from this movie, but uh, the family restaurant where they had all the stuff and like 
it still draws people in, you know, to, to look at the, my big fat Greek wedding memorabilia and everything in the restaurant. But um, it, it's funny because I don't think this is a movie that I really watch that often. You know, I, I, I'll, Jamie absolutely loves the movie. I've seen it multiple times. Um, and whenever I do watch, it, I'm always surprised. I'm like, you know, that that's actually better than I remember. Because I think that my memories of this movie is more just the success of the movie and not such the movie itself. But uh, I, I still enjoy this. I still think it holds up. It, it's definitely not what you expect from your typical rom-com. It's not what you expect from your typical 20-year-old comedy. Um, it, it was not old school or Anchorman or any of the other raunchy comedies at the time. It's very clean comedy. So right up my alley and very Winnipegian. Yeah, I saw this once back when it was out. I remember the hype. I remember how big it was. Um, and I think, yeah, as I mentioned, my mum rented it and I watched it. And, I mean, I remember at the time going like, yeah, that was pretty good. You know, there was there was nothing whatever. And I, I'd not watched it since. This was the second time, so I couldn't remember a lot of it. But it's kind of interesting how you said, like, every time you watch it, it goes, that's better than I remember it. It's probably kind of the opposite for me. I was kind of like, <laughs> that was fine uh but maybe not as good as i thought it was um i mean i think you sum it up by saying you're like it's not what you expect from a romantic comedy and i think that to me is maybe the issue because you know this is just a paint by numbers a to b story where it's literally like you said it's like a biopic this is you know basically oh girl meets boy they fall in love get married okay general story but what generally happens in a movie like this is, you know, about two-thirds of the way in, there's got to be some sort of conflict. And, oh, no, the wedding's not going to go ahead. Oh, how are we going to save ourselves? You know, they're going to come back together. That doesn't happen in this movie. This literally is just like almost like a reality show where it's just like let's watch a documentary of how a couple met and got married with no issues. Um, so, like, I mean, I don't know if I'm missing that. Like, I'm just so brainwashed by Hollywood I, that there needs to be, like, something that comes in between them almost getting married. Because I know you are your argument is the family, but, like, the family is like, can I marry your daughter? No! Then five minutes later, okay. Uh, <laughs> so, like, I'm not saying it's a terrible movie. I'm not going to bin this movie. But, like, it's just, it it definitely was like, okay, that wasn't what I remembered, but it was solid. I, I am going to say you're brainwashed. Uh, and actually, I, I, I think I, I, I can understand where you're coming from. Because the first time I saw this movie, I was very caught off guard, especially when you got to the wedding. You're like, wait, so the conflict was, is it? Like, that's it? Uh, mm. And it, it really takes some some sitting down and thinking about it to realize like this isn't a traditional rom-com, which is I think what I like about it now. And listening to the com, God actually did listen to the Nia Verdellis's commentary for this on the from the DVD because she addresses that the the fact that it's not the rom-com. And I think you'll be pleasantly surprised with her response once we get to it. Um, and maybe it'll win oh, you she over. She's on the line, is she? She's just uh, ready she to go is, and yes. answer this uh, question. We You're should say I mean, well I, to get a I guess. Was, well done. Thanks for that, Colin. Yeah, uh. I, I, I was like really determined. I mean, I'm talking like for the last year, I'm like, I bet you we could get Never Dallas or somebody involved in this movie on here. Cause Tom Hanks. Tom Hanks. Well, he's well, he we did get him. Nia was busy, but but uh, you know, I, I really was dedicated. I'm like, you know, I, I'm we're gonna do this. And of course, we decided on we we're doing anniversary month, and there's been talk for months now i mean longer than months but particularly like within the last couple of months nia verdell started posting on instagram here's a picture of the script you know hey we're we're really discussing making this movie and then literally out of nowhere i think it was the week that we announced that this movie was we're going to be doing this as our next month suddenly goes up on instagram hey surprise we started shooting my big fat greek wedding three and everybody's <laughs> back 
and they wrapped shooting within the last seven days. I'm like, there is no possibility we we're going to get anybody uh, for this movie. But I'm still determined. Like before, before part three comes out, we we we're going to get somebody. I I, I want to get Neo for Dallas on the show. I'm not like I mean we'll talk about it at the end. I mean I, I actually watched the second one today as well because I'd never seen the second one and it's it's pretty much the first movie with a John Legend song in it. Um, like <laughs> so I'm I'm just. I'm trying to work out what can they do in a third one. I'm guessing the yeah. daughter's getting married now. Like I don't well, know. Like it's I just I'm confused because again, the second one didn't really do anything different except the parents got married and then she gets married as uh, back to John Corbett again. So it's like, okay, and John Stamos and Rita Wilson are in it. So it's like, okay. <laughs> cool. Yep. It's it, it's 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 something that I'm still trying to wrap my head around part 3 cuz part the big thing is they filmed it in Greece. So oh, the third one will actually be there. It'll be my big fat Greek uh, country. I don't know. Um, maybe it will be. Maybe it will be my big fat Greek di- divorce. Who knows? But uh, well, one of the, or, <laughs> things could have <laughs> exactly things could have changed since then. I mean, there's there's plenty of movies we've covered on here where like, hey, I remember them saying we're definitely not going to. Man of Steel is one of the first ones I remember where it's like, hey, this is not going to be an origin story. We are going to have a movie where he's already Superman, and then it ends up being an origin story. Um, but uh, Nia Vardalos, one of the first things she mentioned when she started talking about this movie or the third one was. People are going to be surprised. It is not just going to be a wedding of the daughter. I'm like, maybe it's going to be something more than that. Superman uh, is an origin Superman. story. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Henry Cavill returns <laughs> to the Greek universe. Um, you keep wondering if Henry Cavill's coming back. Not to DCU. Mamma Mia. But he's- that was in Greece, right? Like, Pierce Brosnan's going to be in there my Big go. Fat Greek. It's, it's a crossover. <laughs> Mamma Mia 3 meets my Big Fat Greek Wedding 3. What we've all been waiting for. Oh yeah, this is this is the Avengers of the rom com universe. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I think uh, I think this is it's a very different movie, and it was intentional that they made it different. Um, you said you saw this the first time when your mom rented it. Um, I I didn't get to see this right away because it's really interesting when we go through the box office at the end, like how slow of a build this movie was before it kind of exploded and it never really exploded exploded it's just one of these movies that made more money each week and each week each each week but i mean i had heard about this movie probably when it was first released in theaters like just the limited release because again it, it is sort of the winnipeg story and you know her family i guess fairly prompt i guess it became mostly prominent because of this movie but uh you know her family is all over the media here all the time and even other places i mean you, you, you most people watching the oscars the the following year yeah, they would recognize the actual family members because they had done so many interviews and everything. People were so curious about the real life family. Uh, but it was such a big deal here, but we didn't get it right away. We didn't get it till it really expanded its release a couple of months later and it had already generated so much buzz. So by the time I even got a chance to see this, I think it was well into the fall in 2002. I mean, it was a huge deal. I still remember when it was like, the movie that everybody's talking about, my big fat Greek wedding, is finally opening and wide release, uh, wide enough release for Winnipeg, uh, and uh, you know that was like the biggest story. And this was, I guess, before Winnipeg really started off. It's really around the time that Winnipeg started offering huge tax incentives for movies to film here. Um, now, this movie didn't film here, uh, but it, it, there was so much interest in a Winnipeg story that I remember this was a movie. Anytime I would go to see something in 2002, it was sold out like every single night. And it took a while before you wouldn't see it sold out. And the, the only time that I remember that happening was probably the following year after this, 
the the first big movie that filmed in Winnipeg was the Jennifer Lopez Richard Gere movie Shall We Dance, and that was the wow. other thing that that movie was like. It, it, it was there. It made some money. It did decent business. But for six months straight, you could not get a seat for Shall We Dance in Winnipeg. Like people love the idea of our hometown is on screen. It's one, sort of the same one, one place in the world went to see that movie. So exactly. You know. $75 million. I think is about that movie made. And it was like 90% from Winnipeg. <laughs> but uh, nowadays, I mean, we still have movies that film here. Like Woody Harrelson's doing uh, this, a true a true sports story, a basketball movie that filmed here. And Liam Neeson did a movie here. Terry Hatcher? Uh, Terry Hatcher, yeah. Well, we have, I think at any given time, there will be a Hallmark movie filming in Winnipeg. And I think uh, it, it's 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 anywhere from like 10 to 15 Hallmark movies film per year in Winnipeg. Victoria, so, yeah. Yeah, Victoria. It, it, those are their two go-to cities, are Winnipeg and, I'm still, and Victoria. I'm still waiting for uh, Airbud 22 or whatever that one was that was filming around the corner from yeah. my house when I was living there. <laughs> I've probably been released. It's been like two years. But, that, I mean, I think that was similar, I want to say, when Lion came out and, you know, because that was the true story of the, the boy who was in Hobart um, and they did a majority of filming in Hobart. I've never seen it. I would still like to see Lion, but... Um, yeah, I mean, the only other one I can think of that was sort of filmed here was that, yeah, the um, uh, the Hunter, the Willem Dafoe one, when I got to interview oh, Willem yeah. Dafoe, uh, which is a great movie. Um, but, yeah, I mean, we're not a hotbed of Hollywood like Winnipeg is, clearly. <laughs> uh, you know, God, Winnipeg, the you know, often confused with Hollywood, the Hollywood of Canada. I mean, I know when <laughs> I went there, God, it was just incredible, the resemblance to Hollywood. Um, it's very close. We got the big sign that says Winnipeg. It's Direct only flights about all of a sudden now. Direct to flights Hollywood. from Los Angeles Jesus, to Winnipeg. <laughs> Come on. Uh, but uh, yeah, we can pretty much just jump straight in the movie. Although I want to give a little bit of the the backstory about how the movie got made. Um, which it really started with. I mean, Nia Vardala. She was a comedian. She had done some acting, and she, by her own admission, she staged a one woman stage play which was essentially her telling the story about how she got married. Uh, and by her admission, she did it so she could get a better agent. That's what her words are. Uh, and what came about it is that there was this huge interest in, hey, we'd love to do this you know, as a movie. And she started meeting with tons of executives. We're talking in the late 90s uh, about making the movie. And one of the objections she always had apparently was that um, – they always wanted to change the story. They wanted to not make it a Greek family. Let's make it something that's more relatable, like a Hispanic family, an Italian family, something that you've seen on screen before. Uh, they wanted to, you know, recast with different actresses and stuff like that. And what it came down to was that uh, Rita Wilson, like you mentioned, Mrs. Tom Hanks, who, by the way, give her her space, people. Don't get yeah, too exactly. close. Tom Hanks will really freak out. He's the one get time, angry. like as we're learning a lot, the nicest guys in Hollywood will protect their wives. The two nicest yeah, exactly. men in Hollywood, you piss their wives off. Woof, they turn into the Hulk. But uh, Rita Wilson saw the play, recommended that Tom Hanks go, and this is um, late '90s. So Tom Hanks had just sort of got into the the actual behind the scenes stuff. I don't. Did you ever see that thing you do? The first movie he wrote and directed. I, I've never seen it, but I've heard nothing but good. I know you, I think you made that in your top 50 movies from yeah. me, maybe. Um, but I think my sister was really into it, but no, I've never seen it. Yeah. I, I'm, I'm like, especially in the nineties, but even now full fledged, like obsessed with that thing. You do. like that movie is one of the most overlooked movies ever. And it has like a huge cult following, but uh, he directed that movie, but he started his own production company, Playtone, which um, 
with the name of the fake record label that the band in that thing you do assigned to. Uh, I think he, after that he did uh, Band of Brothers, so he stepped into television. But I don't think he had produced a lot of other movies at that point. But he really decided to you know use his production company and you know his connections to get my big fat Greek wedding made. And it really was Tom Hanks. I mean, Nia Vardalis and all the interviews is based, even she says on the, the the commentary for the DVD, when she sees that Playtone label, like that's what gives her the joy. Cause she's like, it was Tom Hanks involvement. It was Rita Wilson's involvement uh, and Gary Getzman, the producer who really said, we want this to be your story. We think what works about this is that nobody's really seen a Greek family or Greek culture on screen before. And we want you to do this movie. One quick thing. I didn't realize Brian Cranston was in that thing you do. Um, just yeah. looking at the cast here. Tomorrow. I think the thing that's fascinating about this movie when you explain it like that, and particularly with the whole let's make it a Hispanic family or something that we're used to, obviously from an American or a North American perspective, because I, I don't know if that's a similar thing in Canada. Um, and I think kind of I remember when the press came out over this and how it was like a big thing showing a Greek family and everything. that It never really got that way in Australia because we're very Greek. We've got a very strong Greek um population in australia uh, there was a movie and this this would be a good one to do one year for australia versus canada month uh in the year 2000 called the wog boy which i mean wog is a very derogatory term now uh for a, a person of mediterranean origin basically but it was done <laughs> is this like calling it the, the, the n-word boy <laughs> not not to that extent no but it's it's it was written by a greek australian comedian and in a very similar vein to my big fat greek wedding it was kind of a, a not like a poking fun at Greek culture, but kind of like a story of his childhood and, you know, the Greek sort of culture in Australia. And it it is a very large portion. I think I've mentioned this on air before when we've talked about certain things, but Melbourne has the second largest Greek population in the world behind Athens. Um, you know, so it's got more people, Greek people in Melbourne than the second largest city in Greece. So, like, you know, Australia is very Greek heavy, which that's why it always kind of fascinated me to hear these stories about how in the US, you know, the Greek population isn't that big of a thing. And even watching this tonight, like I, the jokes and everything that's kind of funny about this movie, and maybe this is why it was such a big hit was for many Australians, we're watching this going, yeah, this is just a large portion of our population, the Greek population, like this is normal. Uh, whereas if it's not that common in America or Canada, like I can see maybe why that is, I guess, you know, it's like when we talk about Crocodile Dundee and you've kind of got like this Australian culture, which Americans go, really? And we're going, yeah, this is Australia. This is what we do. So, yeah. Yeah, like like uh, here in Winnipeg, I think one of the reasons why uh, I guess the early stuff in the movie is really showing Neo Vardellis as an outsider is that I don't think the Greek population was that big in Winnipeg. I mean, you, there's definitely like a Greek population. Like when I when she's mentioning in interviews and stuff about, you know, growing up in Winnipeg and the, the different places you go to, I, I can picture neighborhoods where everything you see is Greek. But like here in Winnipeg, I mean, Filipino is the largest section of the population, followed probably by Ukrainians. I mean, I think we have what you were saying about Greeks in, in Melbourne. I mean, that's basically Ukraine. I think Winnipeg is like the highest Ukrainian population um, outside of Ukraine. Uh, okay, but well, the Russians are, are coming. The Russians they're, are coming. They're coming for us next. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but, but like th that's the thing, like growing up here, I, I went to so many schools growing up. We moved almost once a year and every school I went to, I can kind of picture this is what it is. Cause you, you would go to a neighborhood and it would be the, the Portuguese neighborhood and then the Filipino neighborhood and then the Ukrainian neighborhood. Uh, and I'm sure there are Greek neighborhoods, but, uh, but what really I think made this movie such a huge hit, which we'll get into more later on is that 
it, the movie's about, like you said, the family. It is about the culture clash. And so much about this movie, it applies to every ethnicity, every culture out there, you know? Uh, you know, I don't know that many Greek people, but I, I know a ton of uh, Chinese, like the Chinese population uh, here in Canada, uh, specifically in Winnipeg. Like, I know so many Chinese people. I'm like, this is their family too, you know? Jewish families, oh my God, this is the Jewish family. It's like, there are so many similarities that I think if you have... Uh, any type of uh, heritage from another country, you you probably feel like an outsider, but it's like all these other countries identify. And that's one of the things I think that made this movie such a huge hit. It wasn't just the Greek populations coming out to see this movie, which is funny that Nia Vardalis has said that when she did her stage play, one of the reasons it became such a huge hit was that she just went out there flyering and calling and advertising in the Greek communities getting people to come out. So suddenly these executives are showing up at this one woman show and it sold out every night. They didn't realize that it was 90% Greeks who were coming to this. But once you get outside your own population, every other culture is seeing all these similarities and that's what they identify with in the movie. Yeah. I think I, I want to point out that I don't hate this movie, as I said. So like, I, I'm not going to shit on this movie. And I think that what makes this a, a great story is that clash of cultures and it's not, it's done in a natural way. It's not done in a... There are stereotypes in this movie, but I don't think... Like, this holds up 20 years later. This isn't like, oh, 20 years ago, you couldn't, you could do that, but now, no, that's a bit offensive. Like, Cancelled. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's not really that way. And I think that, you know, that's a good thing. And, I mean, I obviously married a Canadian and moved to Canada and, you know, not quite the clash of cultures, Australia and Canada, but there were definitely elements there which are some form like it's different you know like, like i mean we have deep freezes here yeah and, and like and if some, your in-laws store stuff in your deep freeze that's not something you do in australia <laughs> no we we store dead bodies um <laughs> and it's also a case of in canada if you hear the words ah spider you're like that's an ant whereas in australia if you ask spider you call in the swat team so um you know things like that but um and here we're racist there you're nice so it's uh, again it's you know <laughs> subtle differences but i think like for anybody who's married into a different culture or nationality or anything like that, there's always a level of difference, even if you do kind of go from one very, uh, you know, westernised country to another, which are very similar, there are still, you know... I mean, I've, I've lived in three different countries and the three countries I've lived in have been very similar to Australia, mm. but there are still definitely differences to the point where it's like, okay, this is not an Australian thing and this is not something that I would ever experience back home. So... I think you can relate to that if you've been in that situation. Whereas I don't know if the difference between LaSalle, Manitoba and Winnipeg, Manitoba is so big. You're like, oh, <laughs> flushing toilet. And that's enough for you to actually go, oh, massive cultural differences. Uh, I just want to say I'm very excited for the day where you can move to Greece and people can spit on you and it won't be a bad thing for the first time in your life. Exactly. It's there. It's cultural. It's nice, which I've got to say one thing disappointed jumping ahead because I'll forget to say this at the end. At the wedding, no plate smashing. That's very Greek. Where's the plate smashing? So <laughs> just saying, not, not Greek the wedding is Yeah, the wedding is very small section of this movie. But, uh, but which, for uh, a movie called My Big Fat Greek Wedding, false <laughs> advertising. Disappointed, well, Nia. I want to I want to say this like one of the the comparisons like you mentioned the rom com thing and I think that's what even when I first saw this movie and I think every time I watch this movie I'm almost thinking oh isn't it more rom com like it it's really not because the movie that I think this is the most similar to is Father of the Bride with Steve Martin which uh, if you've ever seen that movie it's the exact same thing it's like it's Father of the Bride it's all about this wedding planning and I don't think the wedding even happens on screen I think that they basically cut to hey the wedding's about to start and then all of a sudden you're at the reception. 
So mm. maybe we have a wedding. I mean, weddings are, I'm going to say this. Weddings are boring. Okay. <laughs> whenever I get, whenever somebody gets invited to a wedding, there's a reason why you have more people show up to the reception. I mean, we were just invited to a wedding um, that we, we weren't able to go to because it was uh, slightly out of town and it was on a work day. And so who decides, I don't want to say, I don't even know if you're going to be listening, but who has their wedding on a Friday afternoon mm-hmm. and then invites all their coworkers? Like nobody's going to be able to go to that. Uh, but even, even for that, it's like, well, just come to the reception. Like people don't care. Our wedding I remember I'm like, there's some empty seats there, but like every person RSVP'd. Well, then the reception, there was like way too many people there, but people just want the food. Nobody cares about the ceremony. I mean, to be fair, I haven't been to a wedding since my own and we know how that turned out. So, you know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but there was no spitting. Uh, that, that's what you well, were missing. Afterwards, about if 80 anybody... days later there was. So, yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> it took a while. Slow burn. Spitting, it could go. Um, yeah. ju- jumping into the movie here, uh, or... Um, one of the things I just want to say is this is like so much of the events in this movie, like actually happened, which you wouldn't expect. The, the one part that is very much fictionalized is I guess the meeting of the characters. Her husband and how was they good looking. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. No, no disrespect to uh, Ian Gomez. Ian Gomez. Buddy, I like him, but come on. John Corbett, like, let's be honest. Even Dallas has gone like, okay, I love my husband, but fuck, he's ugly. Yeah. Get somebody hot. <laughs> Like, you're going to cast, well, like, Danny W. Ian Gomez is in the fucking movie. Like, why can't you just play is. each other's, you know, like, partners? In this? Imagine that. Imagine if Jamie's, like, a director or something like that. Like, oh, <laughs> the romantic story of How I Met Colin. Colin, you're going to be in my movie, but you're going to be uh, Keanu Reeves' best man at the wedding. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm sorry. This is why they got divorced, like, 16 years later. Ian Gomez is like, enough, Nia. Stop making these movies. Like, get it. I'm ugly. And Stevie's hotter than I am, John Corbett. So whatever. <laughs> Oh, poor, yeah. poor Ian Gomez. <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm going to say this. I, I'm an Ian Gomez fan from even before this because he 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 wasn't like one of the main cast members, but he Drew Carey made, show. Well, the Drew Carey show and Whose Line Is It Anyway as well because he's a mm. Drew Carey Drew Carey guy. But yeah, I remember watching him on the Drew Carey show and Whose Line Is It Anyway. So when I saw this movie, I think the first time I saw this movie, I didn't even know that that was her real life husband. It wasn't until afterwards. I'm like, hey, it's the guy. <laughs> you know, who's lying? Drew Carey guy. But yes, like <laughs> when you do see them side by side, you're like, wow. Like they 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 really <laughs> wanted to cast against type for this guy here. He but, did uh, well. I like, look, like, you know, she's not Natalie Portman, but she's also not, I don't know, me. Like she's, she's <laughs> a solid Seven and a half, a seven, mate. Yeah. Seven to seven and a half. Like she's she's a she's a good looking woman. Um, and Ian Gomez is probably like a you know, Nile Groves, like you know, decent, like, <laughs> but like does all right to get near Vidalis. You know what I mean? So yeah. you know, at least he's funny, and he knows Drew yeah, Carey. Exactly. So he's got connections. Yeah, he's he's funny. He's charming. He's likable. He's he's divorced now. Sorry, Ian. Um, <laughs> they get to keep the name. That's the important part. He still gets to be Ian in the movie. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, the, the way that the two characters meet and I guess the buildup of the the ugly duckling to the confident woman, that part is the fictionalized part of this movie. Everything once you get to the wedding planning and on is real and everything involved in the family is pretty much all stuff that really happened. Uh, but uh, the way that they kind of rush through this, Nia Verdalis has basically said this is like summing up her entire life up to being an adult, but putting it in like two, three weeks in a movie here. Uh, but this opening scene is actually some interesting trivia about this. So the movie opens just with her and her dad. Tula is who she plays in the movie. We're going to refer to as Which, Nia the entire time. Sorry, I need to jump in here and say this now. 
that name is ruined for me because we had a show in Australia called Fat Pizza. It was kind of like a comedy show, po- poking fun at a lot of Mediterranean stereotypes. And a certain Rebel Wilson started in that show, and her character's name was Tula, where she played like this overweight bogan character. And to this day, I will still argue that Rebel Wilson's comedy has not changed since her days on Fat Pizza, so I don't like her. But like every time I just hear it, I just think of Tula from Fat Pizza. So sorry, Rebel Wilson, here she is. <laughs> But uh, Rebel Wilson here and uh, her dad, Gus. <laughs> Rebel Wilson, are... solid three. <laughs> uh, but th- they're just driving the car early in the morning, I guess going to the restaurant or something. And it's just this very sad looking opening. And, and it, it's, it's it, give Nia Verdalis more credit as an actress. I think she deserves. I mean, She's it is almost actress. unfortunate. Yeah, she, she got into her big break here so late in her career. And then we'll talk a little bit after this about Connie and Carla and what that kind of unfortunately did to her career, which wasn't necessarily fair. Uh, But uh, just the fact that she can look this sad and funny at the same time, like that takes skill to look funny, looking really depressed, but this look was real. So (laughs) this Ben, if anybody can see him right now, this is his look 24 seven and depressed (laughs) and funny, but I look funny. Well, some people would say funny. Uh, not not everybody in the room right now, but some people. No, well, seven. I'm a comedic genius on this show. I'm just <laughs> exactly. The host. When he edits the laugh track in, he's a comedic genius. Uh, no laugh track on this show, so it's a little bit uh, harder. But uh, this look was real. So uh, when this was like the last day of filming, and everybody else had already been sent home. So um, Nia Vardalis and then the guy, I got to find the name of the guy, uh, rest in peace, whoever played her dad here, because he's going to be the only one, Michael Constantine, uh, who plays the dad, who's, you know, unfortunately passed away. And he's the only one who's not going to be in my Big Factory Planning 3. He's not in the movie. We can get him. Now we know somebody who's not filming. <laughs> we can get well, on the did show. Did we kill him first? Um, <laughs> <laughs> what did Ben say about him? <laughs> yeah. But uh, the reason that like, yes, it was part of the script. They're supposed to look sad, but it, it was so much more extra convincing because they legitimately were so depressed. They're like, we just spent like what, two months, you know, with this new family and her real family there and everybody's gone home and we're just filming at five in the morning in a car. So this look is kind of real. Uh, but uh, we get the, the dad saying here, you got to get married soon. You're starting to look old. Which, <laughs> this is a thing I would say that it, you identify with a lot of other cultures. I mean, you know, I, my, I have multicultural background, but none of my family ever really retained the cultural aspect from uh, all the different places that I'm from. So I can't really identify with this, but this is one of these things where I'm like every other culture I know, they will say things where it's like, you're not allowed to say that. I'll say this is one of the funniest things. That, and this isn't a criticism because somebody like Max Dawson is going to criticize me for it. One of the funniest things about the Filipino culture is that they are like very, I, I would say you, they come across very shy and timid reserve. As soon as they get to know you, they will say that like a perfect stranger yeah. Will be yeah. will saying terrible things like this to you, and they're not saying it to be terrible. It's just they're honest. You I know? wouldn't and even so, say it's a perfect. I mean, Mallory's family's Filipino, so her mum's yeah. like halfway <laughs> there. So I mean, you, you know, um, I got a. Yeah, there's a scene in this movie where somebody threatens to kill Ian if he hurt. I, I, <laughs> I, I was very much threatened to be killed if I ever hurt Mallory. So I, I just don't know if it works the other way around. So I mean, maybe yeah, she's you're dead. still waiting for. Your retribution, yes. Yeah. My my family, but, we just they don't give a shit about me. <laughs> Do what you want to Ben. We hate him. <laughs> you know. Uh, but uh, she kind of has a voice over here where she's talking about uh, you know growing up, you're uh, expected to uh, find Greek boys, make Greek babies, and then eat a lot of food for the rest of your life until the day you die. Uh, and then we start getting the actual back 
story stuff showing her growing up and she mentions like uh, all the other girls were blonde and delicate and i was a swarthy six-year-old with sideburns which is probably one of the best lines in the movie swarthy six-year-old with sideburns um this little girl that i don't know if you've ever seen pictures of like young neo Dallas. i've seen pictures uh, of little girls yes yeah, yeah yes <laughs> don't don't seize his Shit, I shouldn't have said anybody. that. The cops are going to come after me. I'm not breaking any laws. <laughs> all right? It's a joke. <laughs> but like uh, Nia Verdalis has said that um, when her family was at the premiere of this movie, like all of her cousins and all of her family basically were in tears laughing just at the sight of this little girl. Because like, this is exactly what she looked like. And if you see pictures of her, this is exactly what she looked like. Uh, she mentions the whole thing about the, the other girls had Wonder Bread sandwiches. And uh, uh, then they show her at the lunch table and people girls are like what is that he goes uh it's, it's moussaka or whatever and it's like moussaka like this is such a little kid thing to do <laughs> moussaka uh but um uh we show her going into greek school here which is again another thing that i know is across different cultures you know you'll have chinese school and stuff like that like you you go to learn your culture Australian not something school. i ever had to go to <laughs> australia is there is there even a proper australia did you even educate regular kids in australia Look at how I've turned out. You know the answer to that. So <laughs> good as education gets in Australia, I'm an example of that. Uh, we had uh, the dad here where he's like, you know, when I was your age, we didn't even have food. Or I can't remember if it was the dad or the mom, uh, which is that that's something that every culture knows. The parents, you know, when I was your kid, I used to, well, we didn't even have food. Yeah. Um, they uh, uh, have the the Parthenon thing in the, the <laughs> front of the, the lawn and everything. Uh, and uh, it, the, I guess the whole early stuff is just trying to set up more the dad character than it is her and the parents to talk about who he, the only thing he really does. Is he wants to educate non-Greek people on everything that is great about Greek people. Uh, and um, this is where they have the scene in the car about, uh, you know, give me any word and I'll show you the Greek origin, you know, astronomy and stuff like that. They do the dinner table thing. Uh, and then with the, the other girls in the car, it's like, they're just like, all right, Mr. Portocalis, how about kimono? And he goes, <laughs> kimono. And then it ends up being some root word of role, which you know he's making it all up. But, you know, that's, I guess, kind of the joke. But um, this is, uh, again, something that Nia Verdell's dad did in real life, although she she will say her dad was very different. And I, I can say from having seen interviews, like her dad is essentially a smart version of this guy. You know, <laughs> what, what, what this character does her dad in real life is the same way, but he has the sense. He, he's like, I'm being funny and doing this. I know not every word is Greek origin, but uh, you know, I'm going to pretend it is. Uh, and then we have the, this is the thing that I, I know I have seen before. So I know I have been in a Greek house because of this, the grandma. Now the grandma is out there, but apparently again, very real. <laughs> what you see in the grandma in this movie all really did happen. So Nia Verdell's real grandma did come to live with them and she had PTSD or something <laughs> you would, would have a vendetta against the Turks, thought the Turks were coming. And even uh, uh, she even told a story about how her grandma would just sometimes be hiding behind the couch and she would say something like the Turks are coming. <laughs> now, whether she is dementia or something, who knows? Or this is, again, that sense of humor, who knows? But it's my, not, my little well, story it's here. It's the truth that the Turks are always coming. Like They're always coming. That. Yeah, the, the, like the rush. that's... They're going to be me with the Russians in a couple of years. Yeah. The Russians are coming. I, I'm Australian. Our most famous battle in any war is the the landing of Gallipoli, where we, you know, got slaughtered by the Turks. So, like, fucking Australia is over 100 years later. Fuck the Turks. Come on. Yeah. Oh, Mel Gibson saved you, though, right? Oh, don't talk to me about that movie. So overrated. Come on. 
<laughs> oh, Hello I to all our Turkish it. friends. Kerem Bay, you're great. I'm reading from Russia with Love right now. Good book. So, you know. <laughs> we have to cover Gallipoli just because, like, I love that movie. That my first, so one of my first overrated. associations with Australia, like, I knew Crocodile Dundee existed, but I was kind of a little bit before, like, I was too young to get it at the time. So for me, when I saw Gallipoli, that was like the first thing, like, oh, this is what Australia is like. But no, yes, I love Gallipoli. I, I remember watching it because, I mean, that's, um, you know, it's it's a very big thing here. That's our biggest uh, sort of data on, a, you know, the military, and that is Anzac Day, April 25th, and that's based on the Gallipoli landing. Um, so, you know, know a lot about it, learn about it. It's what we do and have nothing but respect for the, the, the men who died there. But it's that movie. God, I remember watching it and going, God, doesn't it end on like literally him getting like, fr- like it frozen, like him like jumping and getting shot frame, or something. Yeah. And it's like, what? Which is a great <laughs> ending. I love that ending. Uh, I mean, I look, it's probably been 25 years since I've seen it. So it's been a while, but, um, yeah, no, it wasn't a fan. I remember. Uh, so th- my story for the grandma here. So. I'm going to say that it could even been the same grandma. Now, I don't know the area that, I mean, Nia Verdell's, you know, she's mentioned the schools she went to growing up and they're more in, you know, uh, south end of the city. But uh, I was uh, more south in the side. north end of the city when I was like 10 or 11, I had a, a newspaper route. So I was the paper boy who got to deliver at 6.30 in the morning, which at the time it was great. I'm like, hey, I'm making like $35 every two weeks. This is incredible. <laughs> but then you realize it's child labor. You can <laughs> you retire. Older. It's probably the reason why they don't let kids do that anymore is that it's actually slave labor. But I had a paper of one of the things you had to do it. You had, there's two types of customers. So the customers who would prepay with a credit card or whatever. And then there were the ones you had to collect from. Now the collecting was the worst part of the job because you had to get the people home and your pay was basically whatever you have left over from collecting. So if you go and you collect from all your customers, you've got $78, you know, your pay, they basically say, okay, you owe us. $39 $39 and then you keep the difference. That's how you got paid. Sometimes customers wouldn't pay. Now there was one house, which I didn't know what the culture was. All I knew was that every time I knocked on this door, the only person who answered was an old lady dressed exactly like this. Like we're talking about <laughs> the black, the head covering thing, exactly like this, who would speak in a foreign language, very loud. <laughs> and as the yard identifies yeah, from Wyoming, but as she identifies in this movie, even her cousins, they're just loud and louder, um, very loud. And she would only speak to me in a foreign language. And I would just, I'm, I'm like, I'm collecting for the newspapers. And I'm like, um, okay, so is somebody else, like, all, my, all my impressions. Uh, I'm like, is somebody else home? Like, I'm like an 11 year old kid. She's trying to get through to me. And I remember like one time, like, oh, so is nobody home? And ah, <laughs> like now you're getting it. Like I was terrified of this lady because this is what she was like. I'm like, I know she's going to grab a knife from under Racist. Her, her, her dress or something like that. <laughs> but this terrified scary of foreigners, lady, Colin Hilding, racist. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm going to bet this was Nia Verdalis' real grandma because I was terrified. Of this, But yet, like, she was just like, I don't know what you're saying. I don't, she, that's probably all she was saying. I don't speak English. I don't speak English. You're going to have to come back later. And I'm like, um, okay. <laughs> so one I time think, I'm like, oh, oh, yeah. I, I think I've told this story before, but I remember I had a, a friend in high school. He's from Syria. And um, I went to his house one time and sort of he was all like, oh, yeah, I've just got to get ready, you know, just sit here in the, the living room. So I sit in the living room and he's like, dad was there with like his brother, uh, his dad's brother. And so like, I'm, sort of there, I'm like, oh, hello. And they sort of look at me and they go, hello. And then they just start speaking Arabic to each other and then staring at me the whole time. <laughs> and I'm just going... <laughs> Yep, 
I wish I had learned Arabic maybe in school because they're <laughs> definitely talking about me. So that was very... Five minutes of full-on conversation with two grown men speaking in a foreign language staring at me. And I'm just like, <laughs> yep, this is this is good. Come on, Muhammad. And before you say it, his name actually was Muhammad. I wasn't being racist. <laughs> My friend's name was Muhammad. So it's not me just being a stereotype. His actual name was and still is Muhammad. <laughs> Uh, now, uh, she explains the rest of her family as well, uh, aside from just the grandma here. Uh, one is her older sister, whose only job is basically to produce baby after baby after baby. Uh, and then her so brother Jamie. is Jamie. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> got to cut him off at some point. Uh, and then the brother, whose only goal in life is to marry a Greek virgin. Uh, but she, of course, being the unmarried, approaching 30, you know, woman is uh, working the family restaurant and going to die alone or whatever. Uh, now, uh, Nia Vardalis' real life family, uh, again, very similar to this. Her sister, she makes sure to stress, even in the commentary on the DVD, it's like her real life sister is like the most fictionalized character in this movie because her real life sister is the polar opposite. She's not like the, the naggy sister. The reason that she put the older sister in this movie to be like the nagging, you need to get married, who has a million kids, is because she she wanted just one character to represent, oh, this is why my character is considered a failure, because the other person did everything. I actually have met Nia Vidalis' sister because the restaurant, the family restaurant, uh, which is called Bellamy's, people should go there, like, honestly – Every time we eat there, we're like, yeah, we got to come back like next week. Like, let's come back tomorrow because it is that good. But you better uh, take me there next time I go. Next time I oh, come to Winnipeg, we, we will go absolutely. Uh, my treat. But uh, yeah, her oh, sister mark and that down. Brother. All right, I'm going to play that to you when I get in the car. <laughs> Colin takes a pick him up from the airport. I'm hungry. Remember this? Now, let's go. <laughs> uh, my treat under thirty dollars. I'll say. Uh, but, oh, you uh, fucking cheapskate. <laughs> great you can food. Get a good thirty dollars gets you a lot. Yeah. And this restaurant, it's, it's decently priced. It's one of these restaurants that's like, it's, I wouldn't say it's like fancy, fancy, but it's also not what you see in this movie. It's not like, you know, oh, this is nice little cheap restaurant, but uh, her sister and brother-in-law own and operate the restaurant. So her sister was the hostess. So I have met her sister. Um, and again, very opposite of this character. You know, she is kind of the businesswoman. Uh, and uh, even was involved in the making of this movie as well. But uh, but yeah, like she fictionalized this character, the sister, to show the failure of her character. Uh, the brother is apparently very much like her brother. <laughs> but apparently a lot of the things that the brother did uh, happened as well. Um, but I mean, both of these characters, you know, are, are, are you know, in the movie. Um, one of them I remember, one of them I don't. So I'm going to say I have seen this movie at least five or six times in my life. Every time I watch this movie, talk about the reaction. Every time I watch this movie, like, oh yeah, that was better than I remember. Every time I watch this movie, I'm like, wait, she had an older sister in this movie? Like, I forget this character exists. Like, the most forgettable character in the movie. You know, maybe she just felt so bad that she was portraying her sister as such a nasty character when that wasn't the case. That because she's not the one that keeps pushing the boobs up. That's a cousin. That's right? a cousin. Like, yeah. 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 Okay. We remember her. Yeah. We, well. we definitely remember her. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, but but yeah, like the sister, the most forgettable character in this movie. But you know, she's there for a couple of moments. Uh, I love the brother though. Like this guy's so good. Uh, and, and let's just say, like, what a man. Um, <laughs> he was wow. uh, apparently the topic of conversation on set quite a bit. Uh, <laughs> everybody loved him. But uh, he's poor, hilarious. Poor Mr. Corbett. What about him? He's pretty hot. Well, and let's get to Mr. Corbett here in a second, because uh, I guess one of the most interesting stories that like this is too true to be real, but it actually is real, is John Corbett's casting this. Now, John Corbett, 
he's probably the closest thing to a name in this movie as far as like recognize i guess andrea Marley. joey fatone well for actors <laughs> let's say joey fatone, not joey fatone does all right he's not you know he does all right for his, his three lines of dialogue yeah it's not terrible he's gay but, in the uh, next one you can't say anything bad about him in this one <laughs> but uh but john corbett i mean he was the recognizable actor in this movie. I mean, I I, uh, I don't think I had it on my top 50 list, but I mean, I would totally put it on there now. Northern Exposure is a show that I got into after the show was over. I, I wasn't like a day one fan, but when that show started going to reruns, I became obsessed with the show, watched every day. I actually have it. I can't reach it right now, but I'm uh, currently on season five of Northern Exposure, rewatching it. Uh, and John Corbett was like the... Uh, I guess you could say he was the breakout star from that show, even He's though he Volcano. was. Oh, I remember him in Volcano. Yeah, he was the, doctor, he was the, wasn't the he? douchey doctor. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. But he had, he had also had like a two. I don't know if you ever saw Tombstone, the the western movie with uh, no, uh, Kurt Russell, seen it. No. Val Kilmer. Yeah, like so he he was sort of like the, the one of the first actors to get movie roles. Just funny because he never turned into a massive movie star, but back in the '90s, like. TV actors didn't do good in movies. You know, that was the big thing with the Friends cast for the longest time. All the movies bomb. It's like, yeah, but all TV actors bomb. I mean, Tim Allen was sort of the first one to, uh, I guess, have massive success. But like John Corbett getting like supporting roles in movies during Northern Exposure's run was a big deal. And his character, I, you've never seen Northern Exposure, right? No, I'm just, I haven't. But I'm also saying John Corbett also released albums. He turned into a singer. Just there you go. Oh, did he? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, because I... I um I'll get to in a second the the music stuff in a second but uh yeah so he had um um I guess his character on Northern Exposure he was a supporting character but he was like the Wilson from Home Improvement he was the, the <laughs> was voice the Wilson from Swept uh, Castaway <laughs> yeah he was, he was a the volleyball, volleyball. <laughs> <laughs> that's why to- Tom Hanks knew him already he'd worked yeah, with him two years he prior. played the volleyball <laughs> in Castaway amazing. Just, just, Wipe, wipe the blood stains off his face and then, you know, get his hair grown back and he's Wilson. in. <laughs> but uh, like the way Wilson was in Home Improvement, like the voice of reason, the extremely philosophical, intelligent character. And you but never saw his face. You always saw John Corbett's face, though, because look at that face. Uh, but uh, yeah, like he had um, the, the year prior to this, he had done a movie Serendipity, which is. Another one of those movies like, you know, I shouldn't like this movie, but I do. That's uh, John Cusack and Kate Beckinsale. So he played... Kate Beckinsale's fiance in that. Um, and he had like this weird music. He was like a saxophonist, but he was like a really hipster saxophonist where basically his music videos was just showing off how good looking he was. So imagine if Kenny G was good looking. That's basically what he was in Aww. that movie. But <laughs> Kenny, well, G. Kenny G. I'm not, I guess something wrong. He's no John Corbett, but uh, anyways, wow. John Corbett Speak was making yourself. Seren- <laughs> John Corbett was married, making serendipity in Toronto and uh, Nia Vardalis was meeting with Gary Getzman, the producer of the movie, just you know, going over some details about the movie. And they were trying to cast the movie. And John Corbett, making Serendipity, walked in and didn't know who they were, was talking to somebody else. And they're like, hey, is that John Corbett? And <laughs> they overheard him talking about, I read this script for some movie, My Big Fat Greek Wedding, and I really wish I could do this movie. But like, I'm, I'm booked right now. Like, I, I, I don't think that I can do this. And they overheard it. And they're like, hey, we're... I wrote the script. Hi, <laughs> this is my movie. That's how he got in the movie is they overheard him talking. They're like, John Corbett wants to do the movie. There we go. We got our guy. Um, but John Corbett's like, he's, he's such a, he's such a cool guy in real life uh, because he basically said he took the role in this movie because he, he was never interested in taking 
I want the meatiest role in a, in a movie. I want to have the, the best scenes and everything. He's like, I just want to be a guy in a movie. And he just thought this script was so good. Like, I, he's like, I don't care if, if my character has nothing to do. I don't care that I'm not the star, that I'm not the butt of the jokes and all that. It's like, I just want to be in this movie. And he did it for that. And, you know, I mean, they've made what, like three, four movies together now, even outside of my big fat Greek wedding. So yeah, I wonder why they're now Neva Dallas is divorced. I can see yeah, exactly. why. Exactly. <laughs> you do all these love scenes. Well, and, and other fun story. So Nia Vardalis had never even done an on screen. I mean, she's what, 40 when she makes this movie. She'd never done an on screen kiss in her entire career. So she's doing this movie. She's incredibly nervous about it. So she had asked John Corbett. I just want to get it over and done with. So it's not awkward when we're on camera. Can you just kiss me now? So they did before filming their first scene together. And they're like, great over and done with now let's do the movie. Now they thought nobody knew this story until years later, when they told the story publicly, they found out one of the makeup artists on the movie had walked out and seen this and thought for like four or five years afterwards that they were having an affair. Uh, I can see why like I'm sorry but like I mean if I'm married to an actress and they're like you know I get it on screen all that kind of stuff you're acting but off screen let's practice this like for fuck's sake like I'm going to be a writer well I've written Kill Phil Kill Phil 2 epic movies but I'm going to write like some movie (laughs) and I'm going to be like okay this is going to be played by some hot chick and then I'm going to get it and we're going to have a sex scene oh we have to have sex before we film the sex scene on screen like that's basically what they say if this was the other way around this is a man doing this a woman that's sexual right it's Harvey Weinstein territory, <laughs> Nia. Come on. Well, I, you know, I always remember we're talking about Tim Allen again, successful TV to movie actors. I always remember during the the, um, the time that For Richer or Poor came out, uh, Kirstie Alley was always telling the story that Tim Allen was trying to get them to make out <laughs> before they filmed scenes because the actress, and I don't even remember the name of the actress, the actress who was his love interest in Jungle to Jungle had done that oh, with him. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, that Tim woman. Allen married at the time, but he's like, you know, I want to get some practice in or whatever. Um, and, Sounds like I Daniel mean, Craig, Allen. how he's always like, oh, I worked with them on another movie. I want to make out with you more. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Uh, but Kirstie Alley would always tell the stories that Tim Allen was always trying to get her to do it. He's like, well, come on. The last lady did it with me. She's like, no, I'm not going to kiss you off screen, Tim. Uh, but yeah, Neo Vardalis, I guess, hey, that that could be sexual harassment. Come on, well, sorry, John like, Corbett, seriously. meet you, Neo. I mean, that's exactly if it was the other way around. If it's a man doing it to a woman, that's, you know, but yeah, I mean, Nia Vidalis, the first Harvey Wine scene, just saying. Uh, I will also say they they also uh, played a game where anytime they had kissing scenes, they would try to gross each other out. And apparently they would do like this game, like, oh, what is it was like a food table thing. Okay. What am, what do you, what is the smell of this? And then John Corbett would pull off his socks and make her smell his socks. So I think they, they legitimately real life have like a brother <laughs> I mean, they have great chemistry, but, like, again, maybe oh, too much. Like, I'm sorry, but, like, <laughs> I can see why poor old Ian, he's, uh, you know, left her after all these I years. I really, like, again, nothing against Ian Gomez. Like, and, and, you know, she you know, very much loved her husband and put him in the movie well, and talked glowingly about him for years. I mean, they worked on a lot of other things together. Like, literally, he's in everything that they ever made. But, but yeah, like, I can imagine. an well, again, I can imagine him like he's married to an, you know, if you're married to an actor, like, oh, they're going to have to do some type of love scene. He's been married to her for what, 10 years at this point, almost 10 years. I don't know if he'd done any love scenes. You know, she certainly hadn't. If if, if she just says has. to him one day, all right. I got, <laughs> if she just said to him one day, oh, but well, I'm sure that if you watch Who's On Is It Anyway, they kiss on that show. He was in Cougar Town. I don't know if he got with Courtney Cox, but 
you know. Well, it was probably in the contract. He's like, Nia did this to me with John Corbett. I'm getting mine now. <laughs> but yeah, I, I really can't wrap my head around this. Like, all right, I'm going to have my first first time I've ever kissed somebody that's not you, Ian. But um, guess what? It's John Corbett. Like at that point, he's got to st- he's got to be that sweating meme, yes. you know. The, oh, which button at, do le- I press? at least at least like Daniel Craig has got like Rachel Weiss to go back home. So pretty much most yeah. people are a step down. <laughs> Whereas, like you know, like this is a like this is I'm I'm this worried if I'm married to someone who yeah. I know is above me, and all of a sudden like oh I'm I'm working with Ryan Gosling, well maybe he's a thumb, but like I'm I'm working with Henry Cavill today. Oh, oh yeah. fuck, I'm screwed. This is this is you know the mid two thousands. Are you Team Angelina, Team Jennifer? Like you know, like come on. By the way, Team like, Jennifer Anderson. That's just and that's like John Corp. John Corp is one of these guys like. His entire act is no matter what movie he's in, he's just the handsome guy that women won't leave alone. You know, Sex um, in the City. And it's right? funny because like, like, wasn't he Carrie Paul Shaw's uh, yeah. boyfriend for a while? Yeah, that's the other thing he's famous for. I mean, and that's really all he he plays, and he does it well. Um, you know, but Matthew Broderick like, better though than John Corbett. Just saying, Sarah Sarah had somebody to go home wow. to as well. Back in the <laughs> exactly. Stables. She- she she had he she had a Rachel Vice so um, yeah. not literally but her version but yeah but John John Corbett like this is what he is and it's funny because like I, I tried to bring up the brother to Jamie because I didn't watch this this time with her but like every time I watch him like I don't think Jamie ever mentions the brother but like that guy's like you know shirtless and everything like that's what Jamie would go for I don't think she's aware there's other men in this movie because John Corbett's on screen like that's the power this man has so. Poor Ian Gomez, but uh, good good for you, Nia Vardalos. You, you found a way to kiss John Corbett. Has, hasn't aged hasn't aged that well though, John. Got to say that. John, might be fact, I don't know, I too. Seen him recently. Yeah, but know. I mean, look, uh, he's what 50s, 60s now. Yeah, well, Nia's aged all right. If anything, Nia probably oh, okay. looks better in my big fat Greek wedding too. But, you know, uh, but what, what can I say? She's for- keeping herself beautiful because she's getting divorced in a couple of years because John's been around <laughs> the whole time. Uh, but, uh, yeah, they're their first meeting. Now, I, there's a lot of things that made this movie work. When on paper, I wouldn't even say on paper, even if you watch this movie, you're like, so what is it with this movie that people are so fascinated with? And, yeah, you could say it's a cultural thing. You could say it's uh, um, the, the comedy, like good writing. But, like, so much of it really is the chemistry. And, these two have made a career off making all these other movies together. Uh, and it's, it's obvious right from the beginning here, you know, his introduction scene in the restaurant where he comes in, he does a note of her first, even just the way that she's looking at him. Like she has, she has one of those hilarious awkward stare. Like this is where Nia Verdellis really deserves more credit as a comedian is being able to be funny when she's not supposed to be funny. Like the sad look at the beginning and then just her awkwardly staring at this. And when she's got her real life husband there, like that's what makes this scene even funnier where um, he, uh, Ian Gomez is asking for more coffee and she's like, oh, sure. And she just pours it in <laughs> John yeah. Corbett's cup, doesn't take her eyes, and then just does, doesn't even move, just sits there staring and staring and staring. It's like, it's so funny. They're so good together. Um, and uh, then her ducking behind the counter when he's leaving, it's like, oh, I want him to notice me. Oh, no, he's looking. <laughs> I got to duck behind the counter. And then hilarious moment here from Ian Gomez where he comes up and he's trying to pay his bill. And then she's just like awkwardly, oh, I look really weird behind this counter here and pops something. Just the way he's like, keep the change. Like, you know what? I think you deserve a break here. You're having a hard day. Keep the change. Not acting. Uh, Again, that was just Ian going like, oh, for yeah. fuck's sake, it started. All right. I see you looking at John Corbett over there. <laughs> We're going to discuss this later. I'll let you have your moment. Um, yeah, I, I just, I love this opening scene. Well, kind of stop it there for now. Um, just the all the opening uh backstory stuff and then the first meeting with john corbett they don't they barely say a word to each other but like the like you said the chemistry is so obvious between them has 
it ever been mentioned? Like, like I'm guessing was it to target to an Amer- American audience that this was set in Chicago yeah. and not in Winnipeg? Yeah, exactly. Like the, one of the first things said, okay, we want to sell this to an American audience. When they said they wanted to be placed in an American city, she suggested Chicago um, because a she uh, she had you know family members, and so she even as a child had visited Chicago a lot. But then where she actually you know kind of got into comedy was in the Chicago Second City. Um, there's there's two second cities. There's Toronto and Chicago, which she's been in both cities. But uh, she always looked at Chicago as like if, if Winnipeg's my home, Chicago's my second home. So when they said yes, American city, she's like, all right, then it's gonna be Chicago. I I love Chicago. It's a great city. Uh, you know, probably my second favorite city in America. So uh, yes, great great city. Um, yeah, I think like one thing that I will say about this movie though that maybe it was just around the promotion of it back in the time, but. It is definitely one of these ones where I remember the trailer. So I remember all the scenes from the trailer. So, you know, I remember the whole like, oh, look for some brochures, doink. And like, can I marry your daughter? No. And it's like, Ian. And they all like, you know, like, yeah, I remember all of that. But um, yeah, like I think what works best about this movie is like the family and like the chemistry. Like everyone in this movie just works well with each other. Like it's, it's well cast like the the parents look are, are really good they look the part they act the part um and again it kind of goes back to that point where i said like for australians like we know people like this and we do like i mean i had some you know friends in school with greek heritage and i'm pretty sure i met some of them I, I never like you know had a lot of this sort of thing going on but i was hanging around with syrians basically instead of greek people but um i had a he was from was he from china you know, he was from China because he's dad at a Chinese restaurant. Yeah, he was um in primary school. So like, I was I was racist as a kid. I just had white friends. What can I say? Um, <laughs> just as a kid, just a kid, just Max a- Dawson. <laughs> Come on, Max. Um, although I will say because my my family's Scottish, my grandma's Scottish, and you know, very proud of my Scottish heritage. And um, my my Scottish grandma used to sit me down and do the whole like, oh Ben, when are you going to get yourself a girlfriend? When are you going to when are you going to meet yourself a nice girl? And I'm like 35 and I'm still waiting. Um, but uh, I used to say to her, I'm like, what if I found a nice boy, Nan? And she'd be like, well, that would be okay. But when are you going to find a nice girl? <laughs> See, and Ben tried with a not nice girl and it didn't work out. So more than one. You need to Uh. emphasize you need to emphasize the nice part more than the girl part. Exactly. Exactly, Nan. Um But yeah, I think kind of just like the opening stuff. Like I and I like kind of the setup with it all. And one thing, you know, I said how it kind of holds up like it's sort of fits into some stereotypes without being offensive. And like, this is the thing you can do Mm -hmm. a movie on a culture or a, or a a race even, or like another country and be it pretty accurate and not be offensive. Like, I mean, Crocodile Dundee is very stereotypical over the top, but like large portions of Australia are like that. Like that is how we are. Like it's certain elements of that where it comes to a point. And I think, from what I know of Greek heritage, Greek culture, this is very, very similar. This is how Greek families are. So this is kind of how it is. Um, and But I, I would almost go out on a limb and say, like, here we are again in 2022 and it's strong female leads and this, that and everything else that gets overhyped and overpromoted. This movie, does this movie ever get talked about as being like that? Like, because I yeah. mean... You sort of got Nia Vidalis here kind of standing up to her family. She's going off to, you know, further herself, better herself and almost be like, well, I don't need a man. Um, And then even when she finds a man, it's kind of like, okay, she gets married and everything, but it's still, you know, standing on her own two feet and all that kind of stuff. So I think kind of there's another element of this movie that never gets talked about. But, um, yeah, I, 
I don't really have a whole lot to add that I haven't chimed in with already. Uh, I love the um, the mum who uh, I best know her from getting fucked by Adam Sandler, and you don't mess by the don't mess with the Zohan. Um, Lanny Kazan. Oh, was Kazan? that her? Yeah. So Lady she's the. Yeah, she's the one that like Zohan lives with, and then like ends up like having sex with her and a lot. And I'm I'm looking here at her filmography directly after uh, being in You Don't Mess with the Zohan. She starred in a movie called Oi Vey, My Son Is Gay. Uh, so, <laughs> well, we gotta cover that. Can we please cover Oi Vey, My Son Is Gay? Um, <laughs> sounds like a great movie, but um, yeah, I, I love the parents. I love the the aunt, the 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 mum's yeah. sister. She's great. She's hilarious. Andrea Martin. Is so I, 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 I just want to quickly ask, are you familiar with SCTV? Because that's what she's most well known for. She looks familiar, but no, I don't know what that is. SCTV was, um, it's, it, again, it was before I was born. Well, I think it was still on the air. After, this was around the Saturday Night Live time. Um, SCTV was, uh, I guess, based on Second City, which uh, the Toronto version of it. Uh, it's it's kind of a Saturday Night Live type sketch comedy show, but it was a Canadian version that became like, I think, arguably bigger in America than it ever was even in Canada. And this is the show that really launched uh, John Candy and Martin Short, Eugene Levy, Catherine O'Hara. Uh, all these people came out. She Justin was one Bieber. of the original cast members from and Justin Bieber. Yes, she was one of the original cast members of SCTV. I, so I, I never really the thought. Disease. <laughs> We all caught a disease from Justin Bieber in Canada, <laughs> but uh, I never really got into SCTV, but like you couldn't avoid this show. I think probably still to this day, everybody knows about SCTV and uh, you know, she's most well known for that. The most interesting thing about her though, is that she's not originally Canadian, uh, but she got her Canadian citizenship because once she got SCTV, she basically never left Canada and still is here to this day. They, they kidnapped her, basically, and was like, you need Yeah, we're holding her. <laughs> when you said Catherine O'Hara, for some reason I had a um a mind blank and I was thinking of um the main woman from JAG. And I'm like, was she such a big deal that you oh, got to, yeah. like, <laughs> not from Home Alone? What's her name? Catherine, her name's Catherine Bell, something, isn't it? Yeah. Catherine Bell. Yeah. Whatever happened Bruce, to Alma- Bruce Almighty and every Hallmark movie ever made. <laughs> I like Catherine with JAG. Now, there's, like... Gotta say, as a kid, you're a, you're a Jag fanboy, right? I love Jag. Like I like I love how NCIS is the big show, which is like what a spinoff of Jag, isn't it? But yeah. was it Harm, the main guy? He was good. Um, but and you occasionally I, got to see airplanes in Jag, which is an important aspect, indeed. Uh, but I also like here we go. He's Ben and his weird love of shit shows, but. Um, <laughs> Uh, Joey, the so-called terrible spin-off of Friends, which again, not as oh, yeah. bad as people say it is. It was not great, but it also wasn't that bad. Um, but uh, Joey's sister in that, um, who, what's her name? She's gone on to be, she was in Sopranos, whatever her name is. She was like obsessed with Jag. So that was like the, you know, like in The <laughs> Simpsons, how it's like the Patty in that love uh, MacGyver. MacGyver. Yeah. It was kind of like her obsession was Jag. So anyway, uh, Catherine Bell, bring her back. Where is she? What's she doing? Sure, she's married to Ian Gomez now. That's gonna be my guess. I think there was actually I, I read somewhere again. Like I, I've never watched an episode of NCIS in my life, but I think they did. Like um, in the last few years, didn't they do like a big like reunion episode where they brought back like Harm and like Catherine Bell and the I've other guy like that episode? So yeah, now Jack was good. Jack was harmless, shitty television yeah, from the I'm- late nineties, early two thousands. It's one of those shows that I would watch every once in a while. I wasn't like you know ever that into it, but yeah. I like that era of TV, you know, the, yeah. 
like you said, it's harmless. She's still looking good, old Catherine, but she's only 54. Um, and Again, all I know is like every no, time you see the Christmas season come around, she's in about 16 movies, 16 nights in a row on the Hallmark Channel or whatever, oh. Lifetime. And David is David James Elliott. He was harm. Yeah, what happened to him? He's Canadian. There you go. Um, what is what did happen to him? Um, still alive. There's a well, at least the time <laughs> recording this. Uh, his latest. Uh, he was just uh, in a TV series called Hills. Uh, a movie called Zoe's Extraordinary Christmas. <laughs> um, he's filming a short film called The Coxmen. So, um, yeah. Looks like he's in a lot of crap shit. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> poor David Jane. Yeah, he was a god. No, I'm, I'm with you. Like, that's that, like, period of television. Like, you know, like, I was talking about how ER was, like, the first adult show. But, like, I remember, like, that that innocent period where, like, Jag and, like, I know you laugh at me for watching Judging Amy and Providence, <laughs> but, like, they were good shows. Like, there was that. Mm. I remember when Cold Case started. That was kind of cool. We all oh, yeah. Like, Swept away in freaking CSI hype when that started, um, you know, without a trace, all those kind of oh, shows. Yeah. You know, the Innocent one that the, the, this reminded me of, I really loved this show. Um, it was actually Kyle Chandler. This was his first big break was early oh. edition. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, where he gets the one. next day's newspaper. Yeah. Oh, and I love that, that show. I always got that confused with um, The Pretender. That was oh, yeah. uh, that one. And what and we've talked about, we talked about this recently. There was that one which was like three different versions of the same crime. It was like told by like the cops, the journalists, and like the courtroom all in the one episode. You saw the same perspective of a crime. Did you ever figure out what sh- that show was? I did look at <laughs> it. I think we, I, we did this on an episode recently, but um, I mean, that's all we knew back then. That was before like HBO yeah. and, you know, the golden age of TV and you watch it now and it's shit. But like, I mean, back then that was, that was some good shit. Um, the getting to the next section of the movie here more introduced to the other family members. Nick, the brother, uh, is drawing a new logo for the menu, which is going to come up at least one more time in this movie. <laughs> He's got a subplot. Uh, this is another thing I always forget is even part of the movie. And uh, Nia Verdalis wants to take a computer class. She's pitching it to her mom. Uh, she's very excited, very animated. And um, when uh, this is brought up to the the dad, you have a breakdown in tears. Why you want to leave me? Just <laughs> overreacting completely. Which uh, one of the things I like about this movie is that nobody's villainizing the movie. And this is what you were talking about, no conflict. One of the reasons I think this movie works is because it's such a realistic portrayal. Because maybe because this is based on real life, you know, you're able to have uh, Neo Verdalis write these characters that... Even if you're frustrated with something your parents do or a decision your parents make, you're never going to hold it against your parents. And most people won't hold it against their parents for the rest of their life. So even if you do have the dad who's like nervous and this didn't happen in her real life. I mean, in reality, she basically went off and left and became a comedian, became a actress and nobody cared about it. But just that type of culture of like, oh, why you want to leave like overreacting? You know, I don't want you to do this. Any other movie, this would be portrayed as like, no, you're you're going to be the woman and you're going to work for me and you're going to find a man and you're going to obey your husband and you're going to uh, make a lot of babies and make a lot of food. That would be a villainized thing. But here it's like, hey, this is his culture. And if anything, he's trying to protect her, you know, so they don't villainize the dad, which is fantastic. But we still get that hilarious. Well, why do you want to leave me? Um, and uh, what did I write? Woman in the neck. Well, woman is the neck. There we go. Like, did the grandma stab somebody in the neck? 24, no, getting shot in the neck. Tony got <laughs> woman in the neck. 
<laughs> well, that, that's that's the ant. That's ant uh, Tula or whatever. I've got a woman in my neck. <laughs> got there, a woman in my neck. Find yes. everything. <laughs> Only we had uh, titles of the episodes. I got a woman in my neck. Uh, but yeah, this is where you get the line about the woman is the neck. Now, Nia Vardell like is explaining. Well, and Nia Vardell is explaining this. She's like, again, it's portrayed differently in this movie. The, the dumb version of the dad. She's like, in reality, her mom would do this all the time. Her aunts would do this all the time. It's like woman is the neck we can make the head turn any way you want uh and they would do this we got to make him think it was his idea or whatever uh but in reality she says the way that her dad was that her dad would go along with it but like the second the mom would walk out of the room he'd kind of give everybody else a look as like i know what she just did there but i'm winning the next round you know i will give her her moment so but the, the this this whole play about woman is the neck is just hilarious and again this is again such a cultural thing where it's like you may have these families where the dad is like, you know, I'm the one who needs to provide for them. But again, they're doing it from a position of, I want to protect. I want to, you know, be strong. They're not doing it from a position of holding anybody down. But then you have the mothers who are like, yeah, but you know what? I got a lot of power too. Just watch this. <laughs> there, job well done. Pat myself on the I, back. I, I see I how Jamie and Colin work. Trust me, it's very well, true. And, like this, and this is the way it is, I think, in, in, in a lot of relationships is that you have the one person who's like, you know, I don't need to argue to get what I want. I can manipulate to get the way I want. And uh, it's not even necessarily bad. Anyway, this, I mean, Jamie and I both do this with each other. Like Jamie will always make fun of me. She's like, there's sometimes if if you want something, you just ask in a certain way where you seem a little bit helpless, but you seem stressed about being helpless. So it's not like, Oh, Oh, I'm so weak. I need you to do this. It's more like, you know, I've had such a hard day. I really just, Oh, I wish I could go lie down for a bit and I didn't have to watch these kids. And then she's like, well, why don't you go lie down for a bit? I'll watch the kids. I'm like, oh, thanks. You know, you do stuff like that. It's fun. <laughs> you know the other person. Communication, people. You yeah, don't well, just it's, go it's, out and do it anyway. Yeah, but but yeah, it's it's such a realistic thing. Um, but the, the way they pull one over on the dad here is so brilliant. Um, uh, later on, when they have the the her getting um into the, the ants business but going through this montage uh now neo vardalis is very offended when people call this the makeover sequence because she's like that's not what this is uh she says what the intention of the scene is, is it's not that she's like i'm gonna start making myself look beautiful and then i'm gonna get everything i want she's like, it's actually the opposite when she goes to school she's finally having a life of her own and she's finally succeeding in something she's not the failure who can't make babies and can't you know, talk to a man. So when she finally starts doing something good in school, she's very subtly feeling better about herself. So it's not that she's making herself over to change her life. She's like, she's making, you know, herself look differently without even realizing it, uh, which is kind of nice to get explained. I don't know if you can really communicate that in the movie that well, uh, but the, the moment with her putting the contacts in is the best part there. <laughs> Again, it's just, it, I, I don't wear contacts, but I've seen people, Jamie have, has gotten contacts in the past and I've seen her do this and she's never gotten them since. With someone who, who I've only been wearing glasses for like two years now, three years. And I was always told that the type of vision I have does not suit contacts until about, just when I got back from New York, I had an eye test and they were basically like, oh, have you tried contacts? I'm like, you guys told me I couldn't have them. Oh, but we could always just try them if you want to. And I'm like, mm, okay. So I went in and had the appointment of the how to put contacts in appointment. And oh God, like I, I, I'm still getting used to them every now and then and they're trial and error and they've got to order me new ones, whatever. But like, yeah, this is me because like I'm still, I've only done it like twice and it's it's a weird thing to have to try and do. So it's um I, I'm sure I will get used to it, but it's not something I recommend if you've not done it. 
yeah, I, I, I couldn't imagine having to do this, but uh, she makes it look funny. And I'm sure you look just as funny when you put your contacts in. <laughs> I look funny, even if I'm not doing it funny right now. <laughs> um, now, when she's making her pitch about the uh, I could work for you, like to the aunt, and I, I called her Tula. This is, I think, a very confusing thing. We have Tula and Vula here, but Aunt Vula. That's the Andrea Martin character. Because I could come work for you in your travel agency because I want to get out of the restaurant. I want to do something with my career. And uh, but that'll never go for it. And this is when they hash the plan. It's like, yes, we can we can convince him of something. So when they're meeting with the dad and he's just asking, it's like, so how are things going? I love Vula's over-the-top reaction here. It's like, woe to me. Things are not good. <laughs> I am very upset. That, that's and how then, I get shit done on this show. Colin's like, oh, how's your day? I mean, oh, it is terrible. I have got so much editing to do. I wish someone would help me. And I'm like, well, see you later. <laughs> Why don't you, you call Ron? He loves doing out. that. Yeah, I've had a really long day. I got to go rest for a bit. (laughs) But uh, her very over the top, you know, I want to spend more time with my husband, but I have to work at the travel agency and I can't be at the dry cleaners where he is. And then the dad here just going, well, why don't your kids work at the travel agency? And then you can work at the dry cleaners. And she's pausing. That's actually a really good idea. <laughs> Nia Bartels and the mom's like, no, no, it's not a good idea. Like, this isn't the plan. Uh, it's like, but you you forget. You don't know how to use it. That's right. I don't know how to use the computer. Hmm. And then the dad's like, why doesn't uh, Tula go work there? She knows computers. Why, that's a brilliant idea. <laughs> I love the way that they play the dad here and his response to it. But the best part is really that, like, well, that's a good idea. <laughs> Never thought about it that way. Um, we get a little bit of her working at the travel agency and um, uh, she's again, all energetic and confident. Yes, I will get you your flight here. And I'll do this, this. And uh, John Corbett walks by and he's checking her out a little bit. And she's at first not awkward and like, hi. <laughs> and then he, he looks away. <laughs> <laughs> That's how Colin and Jamie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Michael Jackson. <And> then, <laughs> <laughs> then you get her hiding behind the uh the water cooler again kind of doing like the shy hiding thing um and uh uh john corbett um uh, uh is it the immediate scene next uh where uh oh we, we get the quick thing with um the uh the the grandmother on the lawn which is one of the funniest shots in the movie where she's going out of the lawn and the sprinklers come on like ah running back inside uh and um the the old the, the i guess the older neighbor who comes by and is like for the last time keep your mother off my lawn out of my basement and off of my roof <laughs> just the adding the off a roof is hilarious uh john corbett coming back again when she's at the travel agency this time he's actually come to check her out and they're kind of doing the flirting through the window while she's taking a call and then you get John Corbett doing like the, the weird, like, hey, look, I'm funny. Walking down the stairs. And this is probably the hardest. I always laugh in the movie. Bumping into the old lady. And then the old lady viciously attacking. With the physically yeah. assaults John Corbett. I wanted to go to jail. <laughs> Come on now. And John Corbett apparently did not want to film this scene either. He wasn't yeah, I can imagine why. <laughs> <laughs> um. And then we, we get the moment with uh, Neo Dallas when he comes inside. Now, she actually saw this, which is going to come up later. When he comes inside and he's like, you know, oh, do you have any like brochures or anything? And this is that headset shot, like you talked about, that everybody knows where she just falls. And Neo Verdalis's mom was on set when they filmed this and uh, apparently was very stressed out and lecturing everybody. about the, She's going to get hurt. You need to do more for her to get hurt. 
probably exactly the same as the character in this movie would do. Uh, and then they, I like that they just immediately cut. They don't show after she gets hurt. They just immediately cut. They're kind of laughing behind the desk. So you get they've kind of been talking and flirting for a while. And I like the moment where he's got the bump on his nose, obviously from the old lady assaulting him. And she's like, oh, you know, uh, what happened? Oh, you don't want to ask about that. And she mentioned, oh, yeah, I saw you with the old lady. Uh, he asks her out for dinner. She answers very quickly. Yes. He goes, I know this place. It's called Zorba's something or other. Um, oh no, that, that, I think that's in the next scene. Yeah. So when they go out to dinner in the next scene, he's like, we should do this again. And I know this restaurant Zorba's something. And she goes, yeah, let's not go to that place. And it's like, why, what's wrong with it? And, and she basically says, yeah. So my family kind of owns the restaurant. This is where you have the moment where he's like, you know, wait a second. I remember you. And her reaction is like, don't let him remember who I was, or, uh, don't, don't let, uh, uh, don't give in if you are that person lie or whatever. And it's like, I remember you, you were that waitress. She goes, I was kind of going through an awkward stage for 30 years. <laughs> and then, uh, uh, she says, I was like Frump girl or whatever. Like, I don't remember Frump girl, but I remember you. This is like, a, you know, again, I don't really care for romance at all. In fact, I kind of hate it. <laughs> ben is very aware. Hello, Jamie. <laughs> but in this scene, I think it's just, it's, it's the way that he's like, yeah, you weren't frumpy. Like he's not like, oh no, I'm just trying to be nice. You have to write this in just the right way, and you have to perform it just in the right way. Because Nia Vardalos has always said that so many people, when they watch this movie, they assume again going into it expecting your typical rom com, they expect it's going to be that conflict. You're going to have that that you know very over the top drama where the, the plot of this movie was going to be she's denying this is her, and at some point he's going to find out. No, you were the frumpy waitress. You lied to me. But it's never that part of the movie. But you still have to write this in a way where his character is endearing. But yet it's not like, oh, I don't want you to be embarrassed. You're frumpy. Like him's just saying, I don't remember Frump Girl. He's like, no, I, I thought you were funny, you know? Yeah, I think it's the it goes against expectations because it is kind of almost that element of what was popular a lot of that time was the whole makeover. I mean, it's you know been around for a while, but like what was like all those like, what was that um, Freddie Prince Jr. one where he has to take the ugly girl to the prom and she's all hot. Oh yeah. She's all that. Yeah. She's all that. Yeah, um, that, that, that. I'm glad that people have finally come around to that. It's like, so she was the ugly girl because she looked exactly the same with glasses. <laughs> yeah. If only she had contacts. It's, um, and what was the can't buy me love. Uh, it was kind of the opposite from the eighties with Patrick Dempsey. That was some, ra- oh, that's yeah. a good movie. I remember my dad. I've never was- seen it. It was. I told the story when we did Ferris Bueller's Day Off about the whole like dad would just get a random movie and I'd be like, oh, I don't want to watch this. Um, and I think Can't Buy Me Love came after seeing Ferris Bueller's Day Off. I'm like, oh, dad, you were, you did all right with Ferris Bueller. And I remember watching Can't Buy Me Love. I'm like, that was pretty good because he's like what a geeky rich sort of geek who buys the yeah and falls in love. Patrick, I can't believe that's Patrick Dempsey. God, <laughs> the guy can actually that do old? things. Well, it was like, he would have been like 17, 18. That was like late 80s. So I guess, you know, like. Oh, so I guess yeah. he wouldn't be that old. Yeah. He's uh, the thing with Pat, like I hate Grey's Anatomy because the whole thing was like based on the looks of him. I mean, he's a good looking guy, but like, um, what's that random one he did, Maid of Honor? That was a pretty weirdly good movie. Yeah. Uh, which, you know, in hindsight, uh, I feel really bad for the, the guy that he's getting. What that's Maid of Honor coming soon to the Oz Network, but um, <laughs> I, was, I was confused. Made and I know they're completed from movies. I was confused. Maid of Honor and the, what was the one that Deborah Messing made where she was like the best man uh, or something? Yeah, 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 yep, that one. That yeah, that, that. basically the same. Another one, basically the same movie. Um, I don't know where I was going with this. The point is, it, yeah, like you're kind of thinking that, yeah, like he's going to be like, oh, you were the ugly one. No, that wasn't me. And then it's kind of just forgotten about. But like, I think that's what's good about this is that. 
you can tell in that initial scene when they meet in the diner that he's still like, oh, yeah, how you doing? Like, you know, he's got a bit of attraction to to her. So, um, and that's kind of going back to my point at the beginning, how this is kind of just like a paint-by-numbers I mean, I don't think there's any conflict in this movie. It's just kind of like <laughs> this is just a documentary of how she met her husband and then got married. So even when you think there's going to be a bit of conflict, it's just, no, there's not. It's it's over with. And, um, I mean, there is great chemistry between these two. Um, but it's just, yeah. So I'm like, And I don't know, like, as I said, I think Hollywood just brainwashed me that I'm expecting something. And this may be mm. why... Secretly, I don't love this movie as much as I maybe should <laughs> because I want there to be Patrick Dempsey going to Scotland to have to, like, steal his best friend away from the poor guy who ends up getting left at the altar. Poor man. Um, who is it? We've talked about that woman before, haven't we, the one in that one? Because she was in something we covered. Or was I doing that was with she- somebody else? The main woman in that was, like, in something else and we were talking about her not being that great of an actress or she was a director. <laughs> Wasn't she a director? We talked about this. She ended up being, I swear it was with you, the main woman in that, who was like a director but was an actress in uh, that. I've, I've had a really long day. I, I, yeah. I really wish I could just take a nap and <laughs> you can finish this episode of your own. <laughs> um, anyway, um, whatever. The point is, uh, I don't know where I'm going with this. Michelle Monaghan, we totally talked about her in something. Oh, yeah, well, she's a Mission Impossible. Um, you know what's yeah, funny? I, you just yeah, mentioned that. We talked about her in that, but she didn't she yeah. become a director or something? I don't know if she directed, but I actually just, it was yesterday. I uh, Another one of these situations where I, I had like barely slept. I had gotten up like four in the morning and couldn't get back to sleep. And Jamie was like, you know what? Why don't you try to go back to sleep before you have to start work? It's my last day before vacation. It's like, go get some rest. And I couldn't sleep. So Michelle Monaghan had a new um, TV show that I guess apparently an Australian show, although you wouldn't know from watching it because everybody has American accents where she plays like twins of herself. I got like halfway into the first episode and couldn't watch anymore, but it may sound like an interesting premise. Maybe show I'll check out that. It's, it's called, it, uh, what is it? It's a, it's like she plays twins of herself. Um, I have to look it up on my Netflix thing. Is it now. new, old? I mean, I'm seeing like, here. It just got added to Netflix yesterday. Bad Monkey Echo Echoes. Echoes an Australian yeah. Like none of the actors are Australian, but it's if you look it up, they say it's an Australian show. So I don't know if it was produced, made in Australia, directed. Never heard of it. So yeah, well, it's brand yeah. new. Um, one thing I just also quickly add randomly because I'm going to forget to say this: John Corbett married to Bo Derek. There you yeah. go. Did not know. There's a couple. Wow. 50 <laughs> years ago, they were both hot. Um, now, <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at Bo Derek. She's not the perfect 10 anymore. Let's just say that. Uh, <laughs> that's all I'm going to add. Oh, you have nothing else to add. Did, okay, was hey, I meant yeah. to? Was there we, anything well, else? Think, uh, no, we actually <laughs> got sidetracked. I was in the middle of this. Yes, you're right. It's my turn. Um, so, yeah, we get the the... Uh, I guess after date scene here uh, where she has her bit of a meltdown, which again, like very subtly funny, the way that she's just getting very amped up explaining about uh, her family. He goes, you know, my family dinners are, are basically uh, my aunt chase stabbing an eyeball with a fork and chasing me around the house with it. And uh, my cousins are just loud and obnoxious and uh, big and loud and, uh, what's the other thing here? Yeah, and uh, having a fight over who's going to eat the lamb brains because it'll make you smarter, like going over all this elaborate thing. is like, you have two cousins. I have 27 first cousins alone. Like, <laughs> she's getting like very worked up about this. And he's just like, 
all right, you done now? <laughs> uh, and then we get the montage of all their different dates, um, uh, which uh, I'm sure Nia Vardalis was really fighting <laughs> these kissing scenes, John Corbett. <laughs> we need more practice, John. This is where they didn't realize the camera was rolling. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, it's just one after the other, after the other. And each time it's just, all right, good night, good night, good night, et cetera, et cetera. They're trying uh, to have sex, Colin. That's what they're trying it, well, to Well, yeah, do. but again, Nia Vardalis, this is, I'm going to say this is, a Winnipeg thing because Nia Vardalis describes herself as like a complete prude where she's like, like, I was uncomfortable. Jamie. Well, (laughs) yes, Jamie, but Jamie's Ukrainian background. They're different from Greek and Georgian, Russian, Swedish, whatever I am. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) The Ukrainians, they got balls. Uh, Even the women. (laughs) Wow. Jamie's got balls. (laughs) The revelations on this show. Your wife has testicles. All right. Okay. But, but yet Nia Vardalis was like very uncomfortable. Which she's like, I wrote the script and then immediately regretted that I'd have to do all this until we cast John Corbett, I guess. Uh, but <laughs> even the, the sex scene, like she's like, her mom was constantly visiting the set. All of her family members are constantly flying in and out of the set. And that's one of the cool things at the restaurant. Uh, I'd shown you a couple pictures, which if you zoom in, you kind of see, but like the restaurant, the Bellamy's restaurant is just filled with all these pictures from on set. And it's, it's pictures of the real family literally sitting next to the characters that are playing them. Um, but she basically would forbid her mom for visiting the set when they were doing any type of kissing scene or, or sex scene. But the sex why. scene here, <laughs> the sex scene here was even more uncomfortable for Nia Vardalis because she's like, I don't know what we're supposed to do here. And then at one point they wanted her to basically be in her bra. And she's like, I'm not going to be in my bra. I'm not going to do this. Like she was very uncomfortable with this entire thing, even though she wrote it. Uh, this is where her regret comes in. But uh, yeah, you go through the montage and, and basically when she's going out, she's saying, I'm taking a pottery class pornography i'm going to look at pornography (laughs) anything other than i'm on a date with a non-greek man uh and uh you get her cousin nikki this is i guess the first really big thing that nikki has in the movie uh coming in to uh interrupt them like hey i saw it because she sees him in the office aha this isn't is this mr pottery or whatever and then I love that she's basically checking out his bulge while propping her boobs up. Like, even though it's like, oh, this is the first real boyfriend my cousin's ever had. It's like, I'm not above trying to steal this man. Now, uh, the actress, uh, Gia Caridis, from everything that's described and everything you see of her in interviews, she is this character. She is literally the exact same person, which, funny enough, is also very much Nia Vardalis' real cousin. Nia Vardalis describes this character in real life as being exactly the same to the point where when she married Ian Gomez, her real cousin would do stuff like this just for fun, just for a laugh. But even after they're married, would be like, you know that growing up, Nia and I literally shared everything and would check out Ian Gomez's bulge. <laughs> so <laughs> this character, which you would think is one of the more exaggerated characters in the movie, very real. Uh, but she's got to be one of the more fun characters of this movie as well, right? I mean, anybody who accentuates their breasts is... Um... <laughs> okay by me she reminds me of um she's got a bit of molly shannon like young molly shannon like uh yeah just good looking not not ro- ah <laughs> that's a bit I'm nothing cool. against molly shannon but i mean she's he's a five and a half maybe oh she's at least a six 90s <laughs> molly shannon not um what was she she was in a couple of the scary movies yeah no she hasn't aged great but molly, molly shannon's humor Makes her more attractive. I love Molly. I'll agree Shannon. with that, yeah. Like, I mean, you know, if she was just not funny, if she was, I don't know, Colin, then she'd like be <laughs> like a three. But because she's more of a Ben, she's at least a six. So 
I yeah. Um, no, I like I like the cousin. She's fine. Although boobs, yeah, overrated. <laughs> Her boobs are overrated, or just boobs in general. <laughs> Hers? God, not you. <laughs> my wife doesn't have testicles. I mean, she might. I don't know. It's been a while since I've seen my wife, so she probably grew them. I have no idea. <laughs> Uh, so now she basically breaks the bombshell. Hey, it, I, this isn't just me walking in on you. Everybody in the family knows about this. So then we get the scene where they're all meeting and you get the dad arguing with uh, John Corbett in the background. He's like, you're supposed to come and ask me permission. He goes, all right, fine. May I have your permission to date your daughter? And he's like, no. And he goes, I love that. All right. <laughs> yeah. And then he just walks no. in. He's like, <laughs> and he's like, all right, see you tomorrow. <laughs> he's like, I'm not even going to bother with this guy. Um, and, uh, the, we get a montage now of the dad trying to set her up with all these different guys. Uh, and <laughs> these guys are all like <laughs> basically the dad's age and very much not the type of guys you would want to, uh, eat dinner with, <laughs> go out with, do anything with, have sex with. This is being intercut with her continuing to see John Corbett. And this is where we get the, the sex scene and, um, it's a her not a, meeting. It's not a fight, Colin. Just to clarify, they're not. That's fighting. right. Well, it, it is because she tackles them, right? So this is a, this is where Canadians get confused. Sex fighting. Which one is it? We Colin don't know. Colin gets confused. I'm sure your wife knows <laughs> the difference between fighting and sex. Maybe. Uh, but uh, this is where we meet Ian's parents for the first time. And uh, now these actors, uh, I know the guy for sure. The, the guy here, Bruce Gray. There's a TV show. It was basically, it's nothing like ER. It's not a medical show, but you would call it, it was Canada's version of ER. It came out, I think, the same time as ER too. It was, um, but like the first real gritty, we're going to go adult drama, you know? Uh, what are you laughing at? It's, it's not a medical show, but it's kind of like ER. No, but, but, but like what we were talking about ER being like, this is adult TV. It's not those harmless shows. You know what I mean? I just love the comparison. I just love the comparison. It's like ER it's without like any of the medicine. It's Star Trek, but it's not it's set in space. <laughs> How is it like ER if it's not a medical show? You know, it's kind of like the Mighty Ducks, just with no kids, no hockey, <laughs> no Gordon Bombay. It's like it's like when people describe the Oz Network. It's like it's kind of entertaining, but it's not <laughs> without, the, without the humor and professionalism, or the listenability, <laughs> or the engaging hosts, or Max or Dawson the endorsements, inf- inf- information that you need. Um, <laughs> kind of good point, point being though came out at the same time it was what well uh er uh, the canadian network was carried by um uh what is it ctv global our other network which is the one that has survivor and everything else uh decided to launch traders opposite er as we have our own realistic drama uh, except but it was not a medical like, show. It's not a medical show, yes, but it, it's it's basically uh, a stock trading show. Oh, uh, often so, confused. <laughs> but it, that was the show. Give me David those stock market stats. <laughs> <laughs> David Hewlett, the guy from Treed Murray, who was like the scene stealer on Traders, uh, he was uh, this guy who plays Ian's dad in the movie. It was the main guy who ran, I don't think he ran the bank or rang the stock trading firm or whatever. So he was, I knew him from that. Uh, he was the surgeon of the bank. Yes. Uh, and then the lady, if I look up her filmography, she was on a very famous show that was probably something my mom would remember. It was called a not Tia like Kenzie. AR though. No, not even. Well, it was, it was kind was of a show like called ER. PR. Sorry. <laughs> but uh, yeah. Yeah. 
King of Kensington was like the big Canadian sitcom of the seventies. And oh, she was on well. that show. Now I've never seen an episode of my life, but uh, I know my mom and I guess everybody's parents grew up watching that show in my the seventies. Definitely so. loved King of. They Kings loved the King of Kensington. It's just it's like, like over, over here didn't have over here. We it. loved that Rebel Wilson's Tula Pizza show. We were big fans <laughs> of Tula Pizza growing up, <laughs> but not like AR. So. Um... <laughs> You see that 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 Rebel Wilson pizza show was kind of like Gallipoli, just without the war. <laughs> Mel Gibson. It's, it's, it's like Max Dawson Guns. was kind of like a Survivor player, but shit. <laughs> um, yes. Anyways, these are famous Canadian actors. I mean, the movie—it's funny. Like we have mostly American cast, which is weird because this movie is filmed in Canada. You think you would have a lot more Canadian actors, but you know you got a handful. These are basically like the Canadian representations. These two in Nia Vardalis. So, well, well Canada um, is kind of like America, kind of like, like America, kind of like how this is like <laughs> ER, but just not medical. Yes, exactly. Um, so, the, the meeting with the family here. Now, there's something very clever, which again I didn't pick up on until I heard Nia Vardalis talk about it. The way that Ian's parents are represented here in the show, uh, the, they 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 don't really say anything rude to her, but you get the, those looks where it's like, oh, you're Greek, right? And then later on when they start getting introduced to the family. But if you actually notice in the movie, they never say anything mean. It's just sort of like very subtle looks. And the reason she wrote this is because like all of this stuff really happened, meeting her future in-laws, like Ian Gomez's family. But... The difference was they were very polite about it. And she just sort of had this perception of this is the way they're looking at me. They think I'm weird. They think I'm weird. So she wanted to write and have these characters in the movie appear to the audience. Like, again, if you're looking at it from Mia Verdell's point of view, like they think I'm weird. They're uncomfortable with this. But like, if you actually pay attention, they never say anything. So when you get to the final scene with them, you're actually seeing the way they really were the whole time. But it's like, oh, you have the wool over your eyes, which is kind of clever. I mean, I don't know if you how it was like when you met Jamie's parents or anything along those lines. But I, I like, I remember when um, I remember meeting Mallory's mum for the first time. That was fun. But um, I remember when we were living in New Zealand and we were going back to Australia for Christmas and Mallory's mum was also flying from Canada to Australia to spend Christmas with us. But she got to Australia before we did. So my dad had to meet Mallory's mum like a day before oh, we were awkward. there. So, well, yeah, because... <laughs> My dad is very Australian, a little bit more inappropriate than me and just kind of <laughs> just that laid-back, loose Aussie who kind of will say things that to people outside of Australia is probably kind of racist. So, um, and Mallory's mum, quite conservative, bit religious, you know, very much like when I first... Very Canadian. Sta- ..stayed at Mallory's mum's house when we first went there to Victoria. We had to sleep in separate rooms, all that kind of fun stuff. So we're like... And even Mallory's going like, oh, God, I don't know what she's going to be like meeting your dad because my and Mallory and my dad like the day after I met Mallory. Like, I mean, that was great. The walk of shame. Hi, Dad. Kind of had a girl over last night. Uh, by the way, here she is. Uh, obviously she's a Canadian. Thing. Obviously a common thing for her later on, but we won't get to that. But, like, the thing is, is that... <laughs> She'll never listen. Um, but I don't give a shit if she listens anyway. Fuck you. Um, but I'm losing it. You weren't the, the only is, one to say that either. Uh, so I say it. She acts on it. So there's a difference. Um, exactly. 
Remember that time when I was like really upset and I said, one day we'll joke about this. Um, yeah, <laughs> we're almost joking there. Joking helps the pain. Um, but <laughs> the point is uh, that the, like, but like, I remember like being like sort of, you warned Mallory's mom. And I was like, what are you talking about? Your dad's great. But like, she had a mannerism and look about her, which you could sort of tell was like, who is this guy? I'm in yeah. an awkward situation. Like, it's kind of like, it's that uncomfortableness where somebody's being nice. And in hindsight, if I know anything about her family, it kind of all makes sense now. But, like, I get this is my whole point. Yeah, yeah uh, I don't really, like, uh, Jamie has so much family. Jamie's family, again, I mean, it's a Ukrainian thing. I don't know. Uh, not even just Ukrainian, um, but her family is like huge. <laughs> she has seven brothers. So she's one of eight children, you know, and then she's got all the aunts and uncles and everything like that, which is funny. We'll get to the end of this. I'll talk a little bit about our wedding and you know, the very much staggering one side versus the other. But um, with, uh, with Jamie's parents, I mean, I, I don't think there was anything awkward. I don't even know if it was the same with mine, but it was more getting the families together. I think that uh, we had some re- reservations. Uh, I would say about our moms, because our moms are very similar, like very similar type people, but very different personalities. So it's basically like if they meet, they're either going to be best friends or they will want to kill each other. And I don't know which way it's going to go. So like we're very specific, like, all right, let's make sure that the mothers can meet once before the wedding. And that's like, you know, let, let's just leave it there. I don't think they, they ever had any issues with each other. But again, we were very careful, like, all right, let's go to a public setting. <laughs> it's like this could go one way or the other. We with don't witnesses. know again. Could be best friends, could be mortal enemies. Let's not let's not run the risk here. Did you ever uh, have yeah. the fact, given that Jamie is the only girl out of like five hundred brothers, did like <laughs> they all just kind of like corner you in a room? It's like if you fucking touch our sister, if yeah. you like, you know, like no, they look it, at you and go, oh, it's Colin, he's fine. The <laughs> funny thing there. you would you would think that, but like not at all. <laughs> like I, and with that many brothers, you know, surely one of them is going to, they're just like, Oh, Jamie's getting married. Okay. <laughs> just like, oh, all right, there we go. Yeah, my, my, my two series, like both, you know, Louise and Mallory had a brother, but if I'm being completely honest, I don't think each of their brothers was all there. So um, I don't think they gave a shit. So <laughs> they're still trying to remember your name. I can say this stuff now, like it's fine. Hey, this is a good thing about not having. Le- <laughs> I was with them for a combined total of like twelve years of my life, and they never listened to a show when I was with them. I don't think they've gone all of a yeah. sudden wake up one time and gone, "Oh, that Ben guy." <laughs> should really listen to one of the shows. My big fat Greek wedding. I like that lesson. episode. <laughs> Fucking let's listen to it right now. Fucking didn't listen. I used to be breakfast radio host five days a week in Hobart, to which I'd get home and Louise would be like, oh, so I was listening to blah, 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 other station here. I'm like, so you weren't listening to me? Oh, I forgot you are on. <laughs> yeah, that thing that I wake up early think- every morning to for the last three years, you just forgot I was doing that? Okay. Yeah, you 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 think that you would get people more interested. I mean, maybe this is maybe this is why Nia and Ian Gomez got divorced because <laughs> you, you never Ian you never watch any of my movies. And he's like, well, you never watched me on Drew Carey, and then it's like, all right, fine, then we're just done. <laughs> but but like, yeah, just the same thing with Jamie. Like, we have what three podcasts? We put out probably three or more episodes per week that we're involved in. And you think that she'd be listening and stuff like that. It's like, I don't know if she's ever listened to the Oz Network. She listens to the episode she's on. If she's on, she's listened to it. But she did start listening to Off the Podium because maybe because I was interviewing people she had watched we with me in the award. Olympics. So. All of a sudden we won an award. You. And she's like, ooh, this is a big enough deal. I'm going to listen to this now. But My what's good is me. that Casper is listening to the show because what Jamie listens to he's Off a winner. the Podium. He is a winner. Yes. He, he wants to listen to winners too. But when she, she listens to Off the Podium, she listens to it when she 
drives him to school when she picks him up. And usually he wants to listen to his own music playlist, which is typically the theme songs to Peppa Pig or whatever else. <laughs> uh, but wow, he will I listen. I had to be in a car with you all of a sudden. <laughs> But he will listen. He will give up his own music if he's like, we're listening to daddy's radio show. And I'm like, yes, we'll put on daddy's radio show. So I've got a child who supports me. That's all that matters. Well, I will say in all fairness, I really didn't give a shit about what each of them did either. I mean, wow, Louise looked after kids and Mallory <laughs> fucked people at work Wait, anyway. So I, I don't know what she did. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on. Well, I know looked who after- she did. I don't know what she did. So well, Looked after know, kids. It's different. Looked after kids, didn't care. care or weren't legally allowed to care. She worked, Wesley, well, she worked in a bakery, which was great because I got a lot of free baked goods and I was fat for a while, that's why. And then she <laughs> looked after kids. So I was never allowed to visit her at work for legal reasons. So. <laughs> There's restraining orders, yes. Um, anyways, moving on. Uh, yeah, so. The private life of Ben and Colin <laughs> will continue after this brief interlude into My Big Fat Greek Wedding. <laughs> But yes, Ian's parents, that, that kind of awkwardness is great, especially when they're like, oh, Greek, I uh, I, I think we know somebody who's Greek. Isn't your receptionist Greek? And it's like, um, no, I don't think she was Greek. She was and then, Armenian. Uh, Armenian. Oh, is that close to Greece? Uh, which I don't know. It's, it's I guess, sort close of. enough to Greece. But kind of in yeah, the Falklands, Mediterranean. It's east this of, is a- It's east of Paris. Yeah, the, the reason I like this, the, <laughs> look at the map. It's east of Paris. <laughs> it's it's kind of like Greece, although we don't have the Parthenon or the <laughs> Olympics. It's closer or to like- Greece than Winnipeg. <laughs> Uh, but that's on, yeah, that's, the, that's the, on the slogan for Armenia. It's closer <laughs> to Greece than Winnipeg. <laughs> But what, one thing I do like about this too is like, it, you're going to be called racist if you say this and the person is of a different color, right? But it's like, this is your showing, this is the way people are. If you don't know something, you don't know the difference. It's the way that people are like, Chinese, you know? Oh, okay. So you guys just hosted the Summer Olympics, right? In Tokyo, like you're going to get people who just don't know any better, right? You're going to mix up Chinese and Japanese. Here, the fact that you have a white woman and you don't know the difference between Armenian and Greek, and that's just the way you're going to get this in every culture, which is, I, I like that they have that. Um, and then at the end, I love that the punchline is like, no, it was Guatemala. That yeah. was like, <laughs> furthest you can get from Armenian Greece. Armenia um, is actually east of Greece, by the way. So you've, you've got Paris, then Greece is in the middle, <laughs> and then you keep going. For, so Greece is like the Mediterranean, then you have Turkey, and then Armenia. So it's kind of like it's on near the Black Sea. It's kind of north of Iraq. You know, so. <laughs> there's a movie. I don't know if we would do it for Cannabis Australia Month, um, but it's it's one of my favorite Canadian movies called Air Rat, which is uh, our most famous director, Adam Agoyan. Uh, he made a movie about the Armenian genocide, but he didn't make a movie. He made a movie about the making of a movie about the Armani- Armenian genocide, which is a fantastic movie. So now that you said Armenia, I almost want to add that because that's coming up a few months from now. But we'll see if we I knew an Armenian girl once. She was nice. It seems like a nice country. Good flag. I like the flag. Sure, she wasn't Guatemalan. Uh, she might have been Dutch, uh, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> Freaky dicky Dutch. Uh, we'll just go through a couple of other things here. We get the proposal scene. Um, we get uh, the dad upset because of the proposal. And I love the scene between the dad and the mom here. And it's like, you know, uh, this is just like a couple who've been together forever and they just know exactly what to say to each other. Uh, we get the classroom visit here 
where Niverdell shows up at John Corbett's classroom. He did mention he was a teacher earlier. And there is like a passing comment about all my family are lawyers. And I'm guessing the reason for that is to kind of show like, hey, he doesn't have this perfect life. He kind of understands being the outsider in a family or, or being the person who's not doing what the family wants you to do. But him being a school teacher is, you know, him going against his family's wishes here. Um, and uh, the, the, I guess the last thing we'll kind of add here is the, the, the first meeting with uh, the whole family. Uh, she, she says they want to elope. We get a nice scene in the classroom of uh, him saying, no, we're not going to elope. You know, you, everybody's family's crazy, basically. Uh, we'll deal with it. Uh, and uh, when they have the, the meeting in the restaurant, the whole family gathering, uh, this uh, moment where he's like, uh, all right, you're going to be baptized uh, Greek Orthodox because that's the only way you're allowed to get married. Nikki will be your godmother. And they just cut to a shot of Nikki propping up her boobs, which is what she does through most of this movie. Uh, <laughs> an awkward shot of that. Uh, and um, uh, the, we get the baptism scene here. Uh, we're him in the little kiddie pool, which was another one of those famous shots that everybody saw from the movie before the movie. Another thing that Ian Gomez did in real life, I don't know if it literally was a kiddie pool like this, but he had to get baptized Greek Orthodox in Winnipeg, one of the churches before they were able to get married. Uh, and uh, there's the the meeting here where uh, the first trick they kind of, uh, this isn't the trick, sorry. This is where they're trying to practice the phrase. And I don't even know how to pronounce this. I'll pronounce it the way John Corbett did, where he's trying to impress the dad. Chistro Onassi, <laughs> where he yeah. just bad pronunciation and uh the dad just sort of looks at him and grumbles walking away it's like i does think he likes titles like because mine doesn't have subtitles so i don't know if that's you well know they what say he what says, this or... phrase meant yeah i like there are subtitles for the other phrases later on which i'm guessing I, next, but my version this one, doesn't she, have subtitles as always so yeah know. like this one didn't need to be subtitled. she was she was just telling him this is the phrase you use so they say what it meant here but yeah the later ones oh if you didn't know what those mean that you're gonna have you're gonna like the ones later uh, that's why you didn't have them as your opening line because the two ones that are coming up later you would have had your opening line here um uh so uh yeah, there, there's a scene with the brother here. The only thing the sister really does in the movie, other than the fact that they show she's pregnant, is where uh, the the brother-in-law comes in and, uh, during this restaurant, a whole family gathering, and he says to Ian, he's like, you know, one thing you have to know about these women, it's like, if they're not nagging, they're not happy, and they will nag you until the day they die. And then I just love Neverdale's just staring at him blankly and just out of nowhere, bursting out laughing. He's like, oh, I'm going to have so much fun telling my sister what you just said. He's like, what did you just say? Nothing, nothing. Um and uh, the, the moment where the uh, the aunt comes up to talk to John Corbett and she just starts fondling his hair and talking and everything. You got to come and cook for me. Andrea Martin forgot her line and basically improvised <laughs> by fondling John Corbett. So again, well, he has one role in this movie and it's to be fondled and stared at by women. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, this is where the, the revelation comes out about, uh, I'd say, like, when are you going to come so I can cook for you? And uh He's like, well, you see, he's a vegetarian. He's like, he don't eat meat? What do you mean he don't eat meat? <laughs> Everybody just stops silently. It's like, don't worry. What is it? What is she says she's going to make for him? I've got lamb. That's all right. If you yeah, can don't have worry. Lamb, I'll make you yeah. lamb. Yeah, it's like, oh, that solves the problem. Um, I don't think Ian Gomez was vegetarian, but Nia Verdell's put this in the movie because she was vegetarian for a certain number of years, you know, not obviously anymore, but uh, this was, she kind of wanted to put the thing in there because she had all these conversations with her family. It's like, don't worry, we'll have lamb. Does that mean... I can identify this for the whole gluten thing. Like I can't eat gluten. And I don't know how many times people be like, so does that mean you, how are you going to have your protein? You can't have beef or chicken. 
Well, there's no wheat in beef or chicken, so I think I'm okay. <laughs> but just people not understanding, it's still funny. Um, the one thing I wanted to add with this uh, scene here with the, the family dinner is uh, the whole eating thing with the culture. Now, I have a friend whose What's family like? is Italian. It's great. <laughs> you get fed. Can't, but, can't wait till I have a friend. <laughs> Uh, his family's Italian. <laughs> his family's Italian, and I mean like full-blooded Italian, like accent, you know, uh, loud, <laughs> uh, lots pizza, of food. Ferrari, and <laughs> use your hands a lot. He, <laughs> uh, his uh, his family is Italian, and his Plumbers. wife's family is um, Chinese. So before their wedding, you can imagine I attended a lot of these things because I was one of his groomsmen. And they had dinners for everything. Like they literally had, it's an engagement party, which was the Italian family hosting the party, which was so much food. And I basically was like, I'm, I'm eating authentic Italian food. I just kept eating and eating and eating. And the family's like, I guess, used to these non-Italian people being like, you know what? I've had too much. That's fine. And I'm like, they're offering me food. I don't want to be rude. I'm going to eat more. And then when I'm eventually full, they're like, well, do you want to take it home then? And I'm like, Sure. I'm like, I was at this point, I'm living on my own. I'm, I'm, you know, trying to save money. And I'm like, I'll take all your food. I, I filled my entire fridge with leftovers. Like I had enough, I had enough that I was sharing with my family that night. Do you guys want some Italian leftovers? And basically my friend told me, he's like, yeah, so my family officially wants to adopt you. And it all came down to the fact that I ate their food. So this thing with the yeah. aunt saying like, we got to eat. That's the, and it's the same thing with the, the his wife. I mean, before the wedding, we got a giant massive dinner and it's, they basically rented an entire restaurant entire chinese restaurant for one day um i can't even tell you what their wedding was like it was crazy but this is that such when a i cultural- remember going to victoria for the first time and yeah you three different barbecues and meet and greets with mallory's friends and families and yeah yeah all the filipino food i yeah it was oh it filipinos was, are big on barbecue yeah right <laughs> although i i also brought the australian food to the table where i made uh lamingtons and fairy bread <laughs> Very culturally appropriate. <laughs> I don't know if you know what fairy bread is, but no, um, it, it is white. Sound bre- good? It's white bread with butter and sprinkles on top. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like child party food that you would bring to a party. It's fucking amazing. It's so good. But because um, we call sprinkles hundreds and thousands in Australia, but um, and Lamington is basically sponge cake with chocolate uh, and coconut on top, which is a very Australian sort of. The uh, <laughs> just the image of you walking there. See, I'm thinking about the next scene here where they're the where the brother comes up and he's like, you know, I'm very happy for you. You know, uh, you finally got married. Everybody else finally got married. When the brother's like, but you know what? If you hurt her, I'm gonna kill you. <laughs> I'm imagining you getting that response. He's like, you bring a food like this before and we'll kill you. <laughs> you don't bring I, I butter made, bread with sprinkles. <laughs> I did that. I, one of the times I stayed with T-Bird, I made it. But T-Bird only had sourdough. So, like, um, oh, and yeah. I love sourdough, but, like, sourdough and fairy bread doesn't make, like, sense. Like, it's got to be, like, plain white bread, like your basic bitch white bread. The sourdough tasted like crap. And T-Bird, the nicest woman on the planet, is like, Ben, I don't know if I like this. And, like, just like being very T birdish. It's like you can say it's shit. Like it's all good. I don't know if you've ever saw it in your life, but um, no, I recommend seriously get if you've got sprinkles in your house, get white bread, put butter on it, sprinkle on it. It's the most basic sounding thing in the world. It's actually all kinds of amazing. You obviously can't eat it because of the whole gluten yeah, thing, but Jamie could enjoy it. The butter and the sprinkles. Which I'm sure when you snack, has your snack box arrived yet? My uh, the two I sent to America have arrived. Oh, Is Canada post slow or? 
of Canada Post. <laughs> you know anything about Canada Post, you know we're very well, slow. Well, Winnipeg's closer than New York, and I've got sent <laughs> two to New York, and they got it yesterday. So where the fuck's they, yours? Uh, I think that they are officially changing the slogan for Canada Post to Canada Post, we are slow. <laughs> <laughs> Canada Post, we're trying, people. <laughs> we're kind of like US Post, but slow. <laughs> you can get one of those direct flights to Los Angeles. <laughs> I mean, you might be halfway. Well, that direct flight to Los Angeles is run by Canada Post. So, I mean, I'll be there yeah. by 2028 Olympics. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. The, the, I, I like this whole brother scene here. Uh, the the back and forth stuff they have. Or, you know, I'm going to kill you. And then it's like, uh, no, no, no. I'm just joking. Don't worry about it. Uh, and what does he sell them? Light, lighten up. And he goes, lighten. You're going to be lightened when I take out your kidneys. <laughs> and it just keeps going on and on like this. And what's the other one here? Uh, uh, yeah, it's like, oh, yeah, good one. You're going to kill me. He's like, yeah, good one is uh, I have a gun. <laughs> I'll jam it right up your. And then he's like, oh, I got you again. And then this is the, the one Joey Fatone line. And we're like, Joey Fatone is in this movie because they wanted some type of name, I think. Because, A, he's the only actor in this movie is not Greek. I mean, he's obviously very Italian. Uh, but, again, it's this movie is all about culture. But, like, it, it, does he do anything else in this movie? Other have this one line, hey, we're going to kill you, Ian. <laughs> They literally, they get there and they're like, okay, who we, we can get someone from NSYNC. All right, Justin Timberlake. No, not available. Lance Bass. No, not available. Who have we got? Joey Fatone. Ah, he'll do. He's better <laughs> He's than Chris Greek Kirkpatrick. Enough. Like, that's good. <laughs> but, like, this was all those NSYNC guys. Who was the, the other guy? Um, the guy who did the one movie, and he, he, he's the one who's gay now. Uh, was it Lance Bass? Lance Bass. Probably was uh, gay then too, Colin. Probably um, was, yes. But I mean, he was doing the, he's going, he was yeah, doing back the, then completely I brought that, straight. I brought that up because he was doing the rom-com thing and and then all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm, I'm gay or whatever. Uh, but uh, yeah, all three of those guys tried acting. Does Justin Timberlake even act anymore? I mean, he had a oh, couple he's a movies good actor. for a he's while. Actually a, but yeah, he's, he's, he's not Justin bad. Timberlake is a great actor. Uh, what, like Social Network? He was in the... Alpha Dog. The um, non-Natalie Portman Friends with Benefits one. Yeah. And then that sci-fi one in time he was really good in. And he was at the the one where like time was a currency, right? Or like yeah. that's how you, yeah. He's like, he's actually like he's a good actor. Yeah, I mean, Joy Fatone does good with this one line. I don't know what else he's in the movie for, but it well, got I mean, him a lot of boy bands. Donnie Wahlberg, yeah, it, like you know, like it, it, I mean, Blue Bloods. Come on, <laughs> you know, none of the, is the Backstreet Boys the only boy band that nobody acted. They are the only boy band who I think are still together and like do well. So um, <laughs> somebody was telling me. Didn't Nick Carter act? No, I don't think seconds? so. But, I mean, yeah. somebody somebody told me the other day they look in a book of vacation. They, they go, I was thinking of taking 29th off because the Backstreet Boys are here. Like, I was thinking of taking the 29th off to see the Backstreet Boys. And I'm like, not that like I'm, I'm in love with the Backstreet Boys or anything, but, like, you know, I was just curious to see what they're like now. I'm like, they're older now. That's what they're like. I'll save they're, you the price. <laughs> they're, um, Louise was obsessed. She went and saw them. But uh, I could have seen them for free. One of the Malaysian Grand Prix I went to, they used to do, like, the big outdoor free concerts. And I think it was... Selena Gomez and the Backstreet Boys are doing a free concert, but like it was at midnight. You had to go in the middle of like go to the Patronus Towers when we do freaking um, uh, uh, entrapment. Um, but it was just like, nah, too much effort. But um, that was like when I went to the American Grand Prix, they had free concert uh, after the race. Uh, the year I went, Taylor Swift. I then went home and stabbed myself instead. Uh, the year before, <laughs> Justin Timberlake. The year after, Britney Spears. Great concerts on the either, either year that I went. The year I went, fucking Taylor Swift. Fuck off. I, for free, I wouldn't even go and see her. And I didn't because fuck her. If you get, if you get tickets She's this the time, Max hear- Dawson of singing. <laughs> Well, if you get tickets this time, I hear Joey Fatone's going to be headlining. So 
You're yeah. in luck. <laughs> I guess it. Like, I, I wish I, I kind of regret not saying that because I like the Backstreet Boys. They're great. Are you a back? Were you a Backstreet Boys I'm, or an NSYNC guy? I'm neither. <laughs> like, I, here's the here's the funny thing. Here, if you were growing up during that era, like you hated boy bands if you were a guy, and the reason you hated boy bands was was because they were the little girls band, you know. Um, but uh, for me, the bigger problem I always had with the, uh, or I guess the reason reason I had a bigger problem with NSYNC is because to me, they were a lot duller. The Backstreet Boys, at least their songs were kind of catchy. The one thing I'll say about the Backstreet Boys is they became huge. They were like the biggest band in Canada for a year. They're American. And yet when they first came out, nobody was listening to them in America and they exploded first in Quebec and then they exploded across Canada. So the Backstreet Boys were everything in Canada, like the biggest thing there was. And only a year later, they start to catch on anywhere else. So the Backstreet Boys were always kind of claimed as like, this is Canada's boy band, even though they're not I, I definitely remember like, it was in that period, like late primary school when I actually like started to like discover music. Oh, music, this is cool. And then I, yeah, I remember all the girls, like they they were either like Backstreet Boys, NSYNC, Hanson, uh, oh, yeah, the Spice Girls. And I think like all of them I hated because I'm like, oh God, this is girl music. So I listened to Ricky Martin. Um, so, you yeah. know. Uh, I'll say like <laughs> Hanson I was okay with because they played instruments. But like, I, I think I also just had a hang up about pop stars at this time, just in general, you know, outside of TLC. TLC is the one. <laughs> it, But the thing is, I will say though, like, it ages well. And now it's kind of cool to listen to the Backstreet Boys. And I think it's yeah. it's... If I had to choose, I would definitely be Backstreet Boys over NSYNC. But I mean, I I'm a big Justin Timberlake fan. I I don't dislike NSYNC. I think they've got some good stuff as well. I was obsessed with they did um a song called Pop. Like I think it was like off their last album. And I remember like they did a I think it was the MTV uh, Music Awards one year. They were performing it live, and they kind of like the music stops and everything. Like oh, what's going on? And all of a sudden, it comes up with this giant etcher sketch, and it's like says start saying the words king of pop and then michael jackson comes and joins him out on stage and everyone goes like loses their shit and does this amazing like dance move it's such a great performance but um yeah no nsync and backstreet boys get like i know the backstreet boys and uh, new kids on the block did a big tour together let's break break the rivalries nsync and backstreet boys come together beatles style come together <laughs> right now yeah make it happen jive for uh, tone come I'll on be- I'll be skipping it, but Ben will be happy and Jamie will be happy. <laughs> That's what matters. Did you, oh, speaking of being happy, did you get Madonna's new remix album this week? Great. I've been listening to it. It's pretty good. I saw that there was a Madonna album. I was going to ask you, I'm like, so, like, is this a thing? Or I, It's I have like no a greatest hits of, like, uh, her dance. Like, it's got it's got a remix of Die Another Day on it. So, um, it's... Oh. There's, there's two versions if you want to the original. <laughs> there's like a 20-track version or I've got the 50-track version. So, um, you know, but it's, it's also got like an older stuff where it's kind of like, like it's got, you know, Into the Groove, which is just like an extended version, which sounds like you like that song, you know? Good song. I don't know. Well, I'll, I'll skip it. I'll, I'll take a word for it. Um, is there anything you want to cover up to this point? Um, one thing I wanted to mention, we've not mentioned at all. I fucking love the Windex in this movie yeah. that Windex does everything. Um, <laughs> which, random thing, I don't know if this is, like, bad, because, like, you know when you're a kid and you smell petrol for the first time? You're like, that's kind of, a like, an interesting smell. Mm-hmm. And then your parents are like, don't smell it, you'll die. Um, yeah. Windex, the smell of Windex. I love the smell of Windex. <laughs> like, I just, it's just one of those smells which you go, I shouldn't like the smell of this, but, oh, this smells good. Uh, so I've always loved this movie. If anything, I take out of it, like Windex. Well, yeah, Windex sprayed on myself. Uh, you know, uh, go that way. You know, the, really- the best thing to do is you take white bread, 
You put yeah. Windex and sprinkles on. <laughs> I want delicacy. you like. I want Jamie to like. I want her to try this. Do Do you think you've got sprinkles in the house? Like, do you? Oh, I guarantee you, we have sprinkles in the house. Does Jamie eat white bread? Um, I'm not right now. She's doing keto right now, but no, oh, well, bloody hell! But, I, like, I've got gluten. I could try it with gluten free white bread. There's some gluten free that are closed, so just. Butter? Do you have to melt the butter, or you just no, no, no? Like, I mean, I've never had gluten-free white bread. Does it just taste like white bread? I'm sure you know what white bread tastes like. So, like, I don't remember white bread anymore. But let's say it's close. (laughs) No, you literally you just get a slice of white bread. You spread butter or margarine, whatever you've got, and then you just get the sprinkles or the hundreds and thousands we call it. You just literally sprinkle it. I'll send you like I'll send you a link for a picture of it. And like generally, what you would do as a kid is you would then. chop it in triangles like little triangles and it would be like on a little uh, plate like it's just it was the basic bitch party food you'd bring to your friend's house when you got invited to a party and again like it's it's one of these weird like the box of stuff i've sent you there are things in it which you look on it and go like what is this like why do australians eat this but then you eat it like this candy <laughs> snack things that i've got and it's amazing and like I'm pretty sure you won't be able to have milo i don't know if milo will have gluten in it like i mean there's like Nesquik, like chocolate flavored drink. Does that have gluten in it? I don't know how it works. No, but... there, there's one kind that does, but not not typically. Well, like Milo is just one of these weird chocolate drinks that like it's acquired taste. But anyway, the point is fairy bread is like it shouldn't work, but it's amazing. <laughs> um, I sent you a Google image search so you can see the pictures of it. Um, and it's just, it's just this batshit crazy food which it's just amazing. Apparently there's a Nutella fairy bread version, but um, I love how it says fairy bread recipe. It is bread, butter, <laughs> and you sprinkle sprinkles on it. That's oh, it. So you, so you put, I, I was picturing just a couple of, like when you get a, a donut with sprinkles, there's like a couple on top. No. You fully cover this thing with that. Hell sprinkles. yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. It is just I weirdly, will get my kids I really to want some it. now and I'm keto. I can't have this right now, but yeah. Um, yeah, the, the Windex thing, I'll talk about a little bit in this next scene here, too. I, first, we get the scene Ooh, where... Fairy bread they're... lamington. Sorry, that's just Australian <laughs> orgasm. That sounds amazing. Wow. Uh, but the, the next scene with Ian's parents, which is, again, just sort of the awkward scene where... Uh, oh, is this where the she's wedding. like, ah, oh, silence. Like, is that... Yeah, no, that's... Uh, we missed that scene, I think, but I like that scene. But yeah, the, the, the one where they're like, don't worry, we'll have it at the country club. It's actually, we're getting married at church. And again, now hearing Nia Vardellis explain this, where you're watching it like, oh, you think that this scene is awkward. They're being judgy, but like, they're actually not. She just feels that's the way they are. But they're just like, okay, fine. Um, and then the brochure thing is the best. It's like, oh, this, like the cousin made it or something like that. It's an extremely elaborate brochure. Uh, and then they're looking at pictures of where they're going to get married. It's like, uh, the Parthon background is optional. <laughs> uh, and, um, uh, oh yeah, I, I had another line here. I'm like, I hate when you, you take notes and 24 hours later, you're like, what did it mean? Punching Nico's nads. I'm like, okay, this was a scene. So when they're now at the, her parents' house the next day, you have the brother come in and all the kids are swarming around him. And it's like, all right, enough, no more punching Nico's nads. That's, that's one of the best lines in the movie. Uh, but um, I can't remember if this is the scene he comes in. Oh, time to make some money. Oh, Colin's getting money, I guess. Wow. He'll get money. And we'll just skip ahead to what happens after the money. So uh, let's say a word. Donkey. Donkey. Yes, donkey. <laughs> donkey. Yes. <laughs> donkey. 
Uh, I was telling Jamie last night, this is complete. So I'm going to say it's not a sidebar. This is on topic because we talk about a lot of food in this movie, but Gordon Ramsay, I'm like, I'm a huge Gordon Ramsay fan. Uh, mostly for the TV show, he has Kitchen Nightmares, which the American version is terrible, but his original British version, where he just goes into restaurants that are like failing and tells him this is everything you're doing wrong. One of his favorite things to say is to call a person a donkey. Uh, he'll get like really angry. He'll be like, stop doing it. Do it the way I tell you to donkey <laughs> just screaming at them nobody else uses the phrase donkey but like it's a great word uh yeah does. donkey 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 that's where gordon ramsay got it from um all right so yes meeting with uh her family this is the other windex scene i was gonna show the, the, the shirtless scene with the brother so um when he came in <laughs> why are you this, talking so much shirt- shirtless men for once you, you jamie you, well nobody you married to your wife is- for too long I, I, I listened to Neil Bradell's commentary, and trust me, he is a big topic of conversation. His commentary. Yeah, I bet he is. Uh, She's probably making out <laughs> with him too. Well, apparently he came into the makeup trailer one day without his shirt on, and Neil Bradell and the actress that plays her cousin, Nikki, were just sort of looking at him and basically commented, it's like, all right, so why is this man wearing a shirt in any scene in this movie? So he's shirtless in this scene because they legitimately were checking him out shirtless getting dressed behind the scenes and said, you're going to be shirtless in this movie. Um, but uh, the, the, the other part of the scene, the Windex that you mentioned. So uh, where um, uh, the dad just casually sprays the Windex when Ian touches the hot plate. Ah, and then he just, without missing a beat, sprays it on Windex. Uh, the, the Windex thing was one of the most famous things about this movie. Like you mentioned, everybody kind of knows the Windex thing. Uh, so much so that if you have this movie on DVD or Blu-ray, it opens with an actual commercial for Windex. Like you press play to play the movie and you get a 60 second Windex commercial and then you get the movie. So, I mean, I I don't think they obviously have to get permission to use product placement in this, but this wasn't a situation of product. We want a product in the movie because in reality, Nia Verdalis' dad one time had a wart sprayed Windex on it and it was gone like in no time and basically decided he was going to swear by this for the rest of his life. It's like, Anybody had a problem? It's like put Windex on it. This was a real thing where he's like, "You got to put Windex on it. Put Windex on it." Uh, so this moment where he just somebody just threw something down the stairs. Don't know what that is. <laughs> Windex. It's Windex. Put Windex <laughs> That's on a it. Problem. That's some Windex. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, this thing with the Windex is something that he, he would really happen in real life. But I just love the way that it's just like very quickly just sprays the Windex. This is sort of a running gag in the movie. Um, this is the other thing mentioning about like all these different cultures. It's just food, 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 food. You know, like, are you, are you hungry? It's like, oh, no, I already had something to eat. It's like, no, I'm not really hungry. I'll make you somebody eat. He basically doesn't have a say in it. And then presents the biggest plate you have ever seen before him. <laughs> Uh, everybody's Which probably been in this situation. I, I love Greek food, so I don't. Know oh if yeah, you're a, amazing. You know, like that's I, actually the reason we checked out the restaurant wasn't even because of my big fat Greek wedding connections. Because there was another Greek restaurant we used to go to here in Winnipeg that closed, and we're like, well, this one's closer. Let's check this out. Good to know. I can't wait for my thirty dollar voucher that I can use at that <laughs> restaurant when I'm next in Winnipeg. Um. Yeah, the food is amazing. And in this movie, all I want to do is eat the food. Uh, so if we get Nia Dallas on the show, she's got to invite us to dinner or something. Um, next Span- time Span- she's in Winnipeg. Spanakotta or whatever it is, like that's that's a food that I always forget how amazing it is. Like good food. And you know, John Corbett's first scene where he's eating the potatoes and he's like, what do they put on these potatoes? I love Ian Gomez is like the least interested person in this movie. Like every time he's like, yeah, whatever, right? Oh, you're be- I'm best not man. Acting. All right, I'm he's so over this. He's like, oh, for fuck's sake, Greek. I get it. 
Why am I in this movie? <laughs> but uh, but even John Corbett commented the potatoes. Like one of my favorite thing is Greek style potatoes. And mm. a they're not oily. Like we talked about potatoes on a past episode. You know, do you like mashed potatoes, roast potatoes? Like just regular Greek potatoes. Just the seasoning. It's just the most amazing thing ever. So anytime we go to a Greek restaurant, I'm always like, oh. what do you have the potatoes? Greek yogurt, Greek um, a hummus dip. I don't, is that Greek or is that just Mediterranean? Like, oh, I think so it's good. Mediterranean. I'll, I'll tell you this ahead of time here. Talking about the restaurant. So it was just last week, just that literally after we recorded our Panic Room episode, I think I even mentioned we're going to be going to the Bellamy's restaurant, uh, which sad story, uh, Nia Verdell's sister actually just sold the restaurant. So they have new owners now. But nice story. She sold the restaurant and was literally out in Greece at the time we were there. <laughs> but but the the hostess we were talking to there was like oh yeah the old owner you know her sister is actually in greece right now where they're filming the movie so she sold a restaurant to go to greece maybe i don't know <laughs> that's what it costs for a flight nowadays to greece but uh but yeah we went there and um jamie got uh i don't even know what it is it's basically a chicken imagine a beef wellington but with chicken so it's like a chicken with a pastry wrapped around it yeah jamie kind of made a passing comment it's like this chicken is bringing tears to my eyes. And I'm like, oh, that's funny. And then I look at her and she actually has tears rolling down her cheek. I'm like, are you crying? She goes, it's like, I've never reacted to this food this way in my life. This has actually brought tears to my eyes. So the food at Bellamy's restaurant that Jamie ordered cry. literally brought tears to her eyes. Well, she's eating she something with pastry in it. That's why she's keto. She shouldn't exactly. be eating that. Her body <laughs> that was, was reacting to the, the, to the pastry. <laughs> Jamie, that's not yeah. keto. All Greek food, amazing. Um, yeah, this massive plate. And this is where the, the wedding invitations comes up. But this, this is another one of the jokes that I always forget is in the movie where uh, the dad, of course, we got a deal. Don't worry, we already got your invitations covered. And they present it. And it's like uh, the the wedding of whatever. And then you just have John Corbett go, my mom's name is Harriet. This is Harry. <laughs> <laughs> and then it's like, oh, oh okay. Uh, and then it's like, well, I, I didn't notice. Maybe they won't either. Yeah. <laughs> um, this is another thing that I don't know if Neverdale said that this literally happened with like, they just took it upon themselves with the wedding invitations, got the name wrong, but like, this is basically her dad was a businessman. He was a very famous businessman in Winnipeg, like lots of different businesses. And I'm sure this is how you get by in business. Like I got, don't wear, I got a deal on it. Right. <laughs> uh, this is your wedding invitations. Um, and, uh, what else we have here? Uh, yeah. Rodney and Harry, uh, the bridesmaid, this is where the cousin comes in. It's like, don't worry. I already got the bridesmaids. Just, this is basically the wedding's running away from you. Everybody's making their own calls. It's like, uh, I didn't decide on bridesmaid dress. Yeah. We were looking at this. You said you go for us. So, no, I said, I, that's nice. I'll think about it. Not I'll do this. Um, I don't know if you want to go into stories or if you have the horror stories, I mean, you, you plan for a wedding that ended up being much scale, more scaled down. Uh, we didn't really have like things like this. Like we had mostly control over our wedding. Um, I one day will tell the horror stories of funeral planning for my mom, which was <laughs> very much more that frustrating than wedding planning. <laughs> but, I was planning. You I thought you were going with like I was planning Jamie's funeral while we were planning our. <laughs> wow. Like we 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 had a lot of control over our own wedding. We didn't have a lot of family interference. Uh, mostly because we told the family don't. The the family members we trusted. My brother, my sister very involved everybody else no you're not even a part of it. but when you have families involved at a funeral we had a lot of this with funeral planning but the, the one thing is having to deal with like these things I, I i know i won't go into the story because who knows one day they may be listening but like jamie definitely had some issues with a bridesmaid who wanted it her way um and was very polite about wanting it her way but it became a stressful situation i 
we did a lot of planning because we were still in New Zealand, uh, moved around a bit. So when we, yeah, our wedding ended up being a COVID wedding, but um, no, it was mainly pretty straightforward. I remember, I mean, I, I was it. I had nobody there for me. I had the guy who was like the boss of the hockey club I was working for as my one witness. I mean, we were allowed... 10 people at the ceremony outside of myself, Mallory, the celebrant, and the photographer. So, like, there was six other people there, basically. But I remember being there when, like, Mallory was, like, shopping with, like, bridesmaids dress for, like, the two people that could come for her. Um, the only thing that I – there was any sort of conflict, it was, like, the day before we were trying to arrange some flowers. And I basically remember Mallory's mum, like, just cutting me off at some point was basically, like, this is what we're doing, blah, 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 blah. And I'm just like, yeah, hi, I'm getting married too. It's not just like I have a say here and I was just basically yeah. shut down as if to like, you're a man, you don't get to say in this. And I was just like, okay, well, fuck you. Um, mm-hmm. So it, look, it was pretty straightforward for what we had, but from the other planning that we were doing, you know, like we did venue visits because we were obviously going to get married at Hatley Castle and all that kind of fun stuff before everything got, changed because of covid but um no it was my version of a wedding was pretty easy so um yeah the, the the only thing that i remember from our wedding it being like both of us were like we really wish there was no interference in this the only thing there's no cultural thing i don't think there's any cultural thing about it but uh it was in, it wasn't insisted it was forced upon us that you don't drive yourselves away from the wedding. Like we, we basically, we were flying out the next day. So we had, you know, a hotel for the night. We had a rental yeah, car. You did. That's where you lost your virginity. <laughs> but <laughs> congratulations, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> then came Casper and that one and done or two and done three and done. I don't know. Uh, but uh, three, yeah, oh, we, three. Oh, 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 what's happening. Uh, there was, there was at least one time where we didn't, we got twins on the second time. There was one third time. Just for the fun of it. <laughs> well, well done. Colin had sex that didn't breathe. Well done. You're not 100 percent. That conversation we had the other day. Then you're only 66 percent, Mister. I'm 100. Yeah, it was all. I didn't want or to set the bar Jamie too high. Or is Jamie pregnant again? What are you trying to say? <laughs> but uh, but yeah, like it was it was like very much forced upon us. Like no, so you guys are going to leave the reception, and your best man is going to drive you. And I'm like, is this a thing? Like the best man drives. And I know I knew of another wedding where it's not like that happened, but like the best man's job was all right. You have to take this the tuxes back, and you got to do this, and you got to do all the that I get. But like basically, it was insisted. Okay, the best man drives you, and I'm thinking like, listen, we're gonna be leaving the reception. It's gonna be a long day. I I was like, as the week leading up to our wedding was the sickest I've ever gotten in my life. Jamie was the sickest she's ever gotten, and then we were basically barely better enough to get re- wet or wed ready oh, wedded wed. wedding. Married. Don't know about the first night, <laughs> and so we're like, we want to just get in the car and drive and be done with it. And I'm thinking you're complicating even further because we have a rental car. You're taking our van back to my place. So how is this going to work? But like, no, is this just that? Even afterwards, like, nice gesture, but like, I think we would rather just driven ourselves. We, I yeah, I remember that being a bit of a complication with certain things because um you know, we may do with certain things. Like I really wanted to leave the ceremony in a Ferrari, but you tried finding a Ferrari on Vancouver <laughs> Island. They don't exist. But, um, and we didn't have time to like get someone from Vancouver to whatever. So the point is like, you know, so obviously the night before you don't spend the night. So like, I think Mallory went and stayed with a friend. 
yeah, I wonder who she was saying with that night, but whatever. Um, and then I was at home. <laughs> <laughs> Stop it, Ben. Um, <laughs> but um, so yeah, like we had to work out um a car situation because my boss at the job that I was at had some sort of Mercedes, which he was the fanciest car we get. So anyway, I think like I drove my car to the reception place. Then I got driven there in a Mercedes by my boss. We got married and then we got in the Mercedes and then Mallory's mum had planned for all these people who couldn't come to the ceremony to line the streets with big, like, I bang my microphone, sorry about that, uh, bang, big giant, big bang, big bang theory. <laughs> Penny was there, Sheldon was there, Len- Leonard, it was, it was a huge surprise. Kaylee, how you doing? Didn't know you were there. Um... But, like, they had people lining the streets with, like, signs, congratulations. There was, like, a sunroof. It felt like a celebrity. It was great. And then when we left the reception, which was, again, just people who were at the wedding plus, like, an extra person at this restaurant that one of Mallory's uncles owned, um, we then had to swap cars because we borrowed her mum's car because, yeah, we drove then to our hotel for the night and then the next morning we were driving up Island for our honeymoon and we weren't taking our car because our car was a piece of shit at the time. So all of that, <laughs> there was like, uh, we'll take this, take the car, borrowed a mum's car for like a week and can I just point this out on air? Probably a bit of an overshare, but this is just something that I want to put out there in the universe as a stick it to their family. We fucked in that car. So um, Mallory's <laughs> mum, I hope you're still driving that car and I hope there's stains on the seat. Um <laughs> Felt like putting that out into the universe in case this is a one episode that she's listening to. <laughs> You're welcome. Um, anyway, and uh, you know what? He's done it on be- my bed, and I have to live with that. So you we know, I'm not the only one who's going to suffer. We, we, I remember we had the conversation because we had we had been staying at Mallory's mum's house for like three weeks. And I think we were able to do it once when she went out of the home, even though her brother was home. This is very much overshare. And then we stayed at her friend's house where we were able to do it. And then again, it had been like a week or two since we were able to do it. So we're thinking like, oh, at Colin's house, we could probably get away with it. But then we were like, because <laughs> we didn't realize the sleeping arrangements, we were going to be in your bed and all that kind of stuff. So we, we sort of looked at each other like, yeah, no, this is a bit weird. We shouldn't do this. We didn't. We did not have sex in your bed. I, I can promise you that. So the, the next time you and Noah talk about sex juices, if I discover anything, I'm like, no, that was Ben's. That one no, definitely wasn't mine. <laughs> did not have sex in. I have never had sex in Winnipeg. That is my guarantee. Nobody Neither has ever you. had sex in Winnipeg. That's what you don't realize. <laughs> Our motto: Winnipeg. Nobody's ever had sex here. <laughs> Literally, no one's horny in Winnipeg. You just arrive in this, you're like, oh, Winnipeg. Oh God, not horny. Okay. That's why Nia Vardalis moved away from here. I mean, I gotta find a man. I'm never gonna have sex here. <laughs> I gotta go. Exactly. And we now, um, we end this next segment of Ben and Colin's personal life to return back to my big, my big fat Greek wedding. Finally, a movie we can identify with, and it's for the wrong reasons. Uh, Why anyways, you didn't a stare of- at people's boobs when you met Mallory for the first time? Oh, no, yeah, I didn't no, do anything. Uh- I still like Jamie's reaction when I told Jamie the story. It's like, yeah, so this was the story when Noah met Mallory for the first time. It's like, apparently he was just staring at her boobs the whole time. Jamie's reaction like, well, they were very big and distracting. I'm like, okay. But I mean, in hindsight, that's probably just Mallory's way of saying that she would have fucked Noah. So, I mean, like, it's probably like. Well, because Noah had no recollection of it whatsoever. I remember like. He's always drunk, though. We had a. Was that the same night that we, like, because he ended up having, like, an American friend who we all had like some dinner with and he's all no one of these days like oh yeah that's my american friend she's weird I'm like well why did you bring her to this like dinner that we had 
She wasn't that weird. She was kind of cute. I can say that now. But, like, it was just, it was, it was odd. I'm like, why did Noah bring this girl who, I like, I don't know Noah and girls, what happens there. You know, this friend Emily that I was trying to hook up with for ages and he goes off at me about. It's, it's <laughs> Noah and girls. He's still waiting for something to happen. That's what happens. Yeah, I just, I don't, I don't. I don't get Noah. That guy's weird. Why do we associate <laughs> with weird. him? <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Max Dawson? The real problem. We don't associate with him. Now that's a virgin, Max Dawson. Yeah. <laughs> um, a couple other things in this scene. This is a loaded scene. I didn't realize how much is in this one scene here. Uh, we get the um, invite the system, uh, the system, the sister. This is the other thing the sister does in the movie, inviting random people. Or she's like, I don't even know this person. This one I have a story about as well. Uh, so, we, I think I even mentioned this to you. It might've been off air or a completely different episode. Um, we had like a very, the venue, we can fit 140 people. I think like maximum is what we can fit. We figured different ways we could lay it out. And like 140 is our max. Um, we tried to fill out as much as we can for both sides, <laughs> but Jamie definitely had um, somebody who insisted that somebody else had to come that she had, I think never met had to come to the wedding and it was an Keanu insult Reeves. if they weren't invited. Keanu Reeves, yes. <laughs> and Henry Cavill as a couple together. Uh, but uh, we had two extra people. We we're like, well, this is causing a huge drama. They, they, they need to bring extra people. I'm like, okay, so who are you going to cut from the guest list? I'm like, I guess I'll cut my cousin. <laughs> so my, my cousin was not invited to my wedding. Uh, and I think in the end, we, we end up having space. And I tried to invite my cousin, but they didn't get the message at the time. But my cousin, my oldest oh, cousin, who shitty. basically was... <laughs> basically was an uncle growing up to me uh was scratched from my guest list because jamie needed to bring something else now the, the funny thing is when we get to the ceremony the fact that in, in the uh the actual chapel you see like 16 people on ian's side and the entire side filled on tula's side um ours was kind of the opposite like in the reception because all all the people on jamie's side definitely more people who had to come on jamie's side they all showed up for the reception didn't bother for the ceremony my side it was all my side for the ceremony. <laughs> my side was packed and Jamie's side was small. And then the reception, it flipped. Which, because let's be honest, Jamie's family are just freeloaders. They want free food. Uh, <laughs> exactly. Your, your family are well fed. Uh <laughs> and reception story. I'll get, I'll get some of these out of the way. Reception story. So we basically had like a, a um, perfect way of money saving. You look for ways to save money. We got married in between Thanksgiving and Christmas. So it was like a month before Christmas we had Christmas trees as part of our ceremony and everything, right? Because I'm like a huge Christmas fan. I'm like, I'm going to put this in here. Like you can get turkeys the day after Thanksgiving for really cheap, but they're going to go up in price within two or three weeks. That's so what fucking, you do- <laughs> fucking leftovers in Colin's wedding ceremony. Well, well, we, no, we're talking like not leftover. We're talking about like we, we basically stockpiled about six or seven turkeys and then asked <laughs> for volunteers to each cook a turkey. And we basically had like a Thanksgiving Christmas dinner for our reception. Uh, now, ceremony, the only time we could get it in, I think, was like four o'clock or something like that, which is regular time. But then it's the same venue that we got married in. We had to take all the chairs down, take the stage down and then turn it into the reception. So that took some time. Now we're getting our pictures taken. Jamie had family members who were so impatient. They didn't wait until the serving started. We had servers and everything. They didn't wait till the serving started. They just went up and started picking food and eating before the reception, before we were even there. So yes, definitely there were freeloaders who wanted a meal. I When we were like, if things had gone to plan for, I mean, yeah, when we wrote the guest list, like God, I was very outnumbered. And I think when we were initially arranging our wedding parties, like Mallory was like, oh, I've got this person, this person. She, I think at one point had like eight people 
And I'm like, yeah, I know like three people. Does this mean I have to have like Noah and Colin in my thing? Like it was kind of like, <laughs> which um, we were obligations. I was honored, and here we were obligations. You were you were default best man by the end. I of was. It all. I uh, kept moving up in the rankings. Um, which I mean, in all seriousness, I'm not even making this as a joke. Like, if lo and behold, I ever get married again, which will never happen. Um, I know nobody now. Like, it's like you know, great. Um, but. Yeah, we, like, would have been very one-sided. Because, obviously, you've also got the issue of we were getting married in Canada, so, like, a lot of my family and friends probably yeah. wouldn't have been able to come to Canada. Um, but, yeah, our reception was going to... So, we were going to get married at Hatley. We wanted to have the reception at Hatley, but, I mean, it was expensive enough for the ceremony. There was no way we could afford the reception there. So, we were going to have a reception at someplace downtown Victoria, which I want to say, to this day... Can't remember the name of it, but fuck you. They stole our money um, because we put a big deposit down for it and we got all of our other deposits back because of COVID. This place that took our deposit basically uh, took our money and never re- responded to anything and basically I think like shut up shop and did a runner. So <laughs> we lost like a 1000 or $2,000 deposit because dodgy dealings in COVID, but cool. But um, we had actually paid for, which was very us, uh, it was going to be a barbecue-like buffet. So if you had to come, you and Jamie had to come, it would have been just like a buffet, but it would have been like burgers and like just a barbecue. And like was like, well, that's very us, like, you know, whatever. Whereas, yeah, this restaurant we ended up having it as, it was it was a nice restaurant. Again, I think Mallory's uncle owned it. And it was literally, I think her dad was just like, look, everything is on me. Like, you know, I'll pay for everything. So like we just had it was just literally ordered off a menu. What do you want? And like, I was like, fuck, there's poutine on the menu. I've been keto for however long. And I've been living in Canada. For long. I'm like, oh, poutine at my wedding reception and all this stuff. The only thing we sort of had traditionally, we got like a cake made. And it's funny you mentioned the cultural thing. My, my thing that I always wanted for like our tables was on each of the tables, like the decorations I wanted an Australian and a Canadian flag kind of put together. So our wedding cake had uh, an Australian and a Canadian flag on it, which I liked. Um, so... Yeah, I don't know where we're going with this story. The point is, I, uh, I was the only one representing cake. my family. <laughs> <laughs> no, you mentioned cake. This is another memory. It's probably going to be very boring for people listening. <laughs> it's an episode um, about a movie about a wedding. Let's share like, our wedding no, but story. Like, here's the thing. You can still identify with a lot of stuff in this movie, like even everybody yeah. pitching in. For us, we were happy. Like We basically... Our entire. Oh, I'm glad you were happy. You got wedding. married. I was happy too, and then, <laughs> and we stayed fuck. happy. <laughs> that's, that's Ten trick. years later, you're still happy. It took me eighty days, and then not so happy. So um, weddings fifty fifty on the Oz Network. Uh, but uh, yeah, like we we everybody was pitching in to help. Like we didn't have to pay any type of servers or anything. Like all the servers were just friends of ours. It was like, yeah, I'd, I'd love to you know serve food or I'd love to do cleanup. Um, when we were picking, you mentioned the wedding parties. I, I was at, I wasn't in this wedding party. My brother was, my brother was in a wedding party for a friend of ours uh, where he had f- like a best man and a five groomsmen or four groomsmen. And when I was watching the, um, uh, the, the ceremony start uh, his wife comes out and she has a maid of honor and one bridesmaid. <laughs> That's it. I'm like, you have a five to two split there. And basically what it came down to is that, you know, he, the, the groom didn't want to say no to any of the people he wanted. Uh, we, I kind of had to make cuts like that too. Like we, we came up with a number and we came up with people and like, okay, what can match that people? I'm like, okay, I'm going to include my brother. I should include my brother-in-law, my sister's husband, because Jamie's maid of honor was my sister, because Jamie had no sister, right? Uh, And then I'm like, all right, I've got my friend, my Italian friend, whose family feeds me. I'm like, I have to include him, because I was in his wedding party. 
And then I'm like, we got one more spot to fill. And I had two people that I wanted to put in there. Um, one uh, of which I ended up making the MC because I didn't, because I ended up picking Jamie's youngest brother. I'm like, okay, Jamie has my sister and sister-in-law on her wedding party because she's got no girls. I'm like, I've got to put somebody from her family. So I put her youngest brother in there who was like 17 or 18 at the time. Uh, but he bumped our MC out. So yeah, there's tricky things like that. But then our MC, his wife was really big into baking at the time. I mean, like she was like not a professional baker, but like she was like really hobby baking. So once a week she was coming up and like, okay, I'm thinking about doing this for your wedding cake. And I'm like, all right, we got another cake, Jamie. <laughs> we had to pick out. We were probably put on weight before our wedding just because we were trying did, out so many cakes. Did you do the tradition where you like keep the cake and you freeze it and you have it on your anniversary? Like the whole like. Yeah. Although I think we just had it a week later. <laughs> we didn't wait for we, that. Well, we're not big on traditions. Cause I know like our sort of was like a, cause it wasn't made huge. Cause obviously we didn't have that many people, but I know there was like half of it that was like fake, but um we had a lot left over and i know for a fact we put it in our freezer to have it on our one year anniversary and clearly that never happened so i'm just i'm i'm wondering if that's still sitting in our freezer like getting whatever but um yeah i like again it was a tricky thing with the people i wanted because again people located in different parts of the world and and i was actually going to have a female best man um and you know she had lived in canada before so that was an issue but you're, like, you're going to have Deborah messing she was going to live out her movie. She she really was. It was it was going to be an honor to have Deborah Messing there. We, we became good friends. And then that's why I went and saw her personally on Broadway. Um, and but she also was going to bake your cake. She, she was. That's she, what she does now. Like <laughs> she got all that practice to do in that Broadway show. Um, but, like, obviously, like, say, like, for example, like, an old seriousist, Colin and Noah were both going to be part of my wedding party. Not so hard for Colin to fly a little bit to the left, whereas Noah <laughs> lived in uh, Korea and can't just easily take a couple of weeks off. So it kind of was a balancing act of who can come, who can't come. And then you talk about the MC, like one of my very good friends who lived in Australia, uh, easily would have been part of my wedding party. I He's Mormon. And I like, he was like, to me, he's like, when he got married, he was like, I want you to be my best man, but you can't because we're getting married in them and non-Mormon can't go into a Mormon church. So I never got to be that way anyway. But he was like perfect MC. He used to be my co-host on radio. So I was kind of like, well, you can be my MC or be in the party. Cause you can't really be both. But then eventually when he couldn't come, John Carroll was going to be my MC. If all things had have gone to plan. Oh, that would have been great. So that's how it was. I, I've only ever, I was 14 and I was in like my dad's friend's, party i was a groomsman because we were like good family friends with his and i was tempted to put him in my wedding party but i don't think he could have made it to canada and then i was the mc at my sister's wedding that's all i've, I've i don't I, know enough people to i'm not people don't like me enough to invite me to wedding so you know colin didn't know me when he got you know, married that's why i never you know, got funny, the invitation I've, <laughs> I've i've been an mc um at a wedding where i was also a best man my brother's wedding uh, was it was very small and they were like, you know, we don't need to do anything by tradition. Like they basically had, we're going to have a buffet of finger food. So like veggie platter, you know, like they're like, we're just going to get this over and done with. But uh, my brother's wedding, uh, I was the best man. My brother-in-law was one of the groomsmen. And then the friend who had the staggered wedding party of five versus two, he was the other groomsman. So we all grew up together. So we, we, we you know, knew each other well, but when we were getting to the, um, uh, after the ceremony, before the reception, uh, suddenly somebody came up and was like, so uh, it's the same lady, the same lady who made our wedding cake was planning the reception for my brother's wedding. And she's like, so I've got a couple things for the reception here. Cause you know, Ian and Jen didn't do anything, but like, 
we don't have an MC. And then she just asked if me and our, our friend, the other groomsmen could be the MCs. They're like, yeah, sure. We'll wing it. We were up there. We were having fun and everything, but she gave us a heads up. She's like, okay, so there's a game, like instead of doing the clink the glasses thing, like there's a game that we have where people will, you know, basically roll a wheel or something like that, or they pull something out of a hat and it says, you have to do this. And then the bride yeah. and groom will kiss. Yeah. So she's like, I'm going to warn you. One of the things in there is the MC has to kiss his wife first to show the bride and groom how it's yeah. done. She goes, you guys aren't married. I don't want you kissing each other. <laughs> Somebody pulled that card and we read it out. Like, we're not going to demonstrate this for you guys. You just show us how it's done. <laughs> there was, I remember that was at, um, yeah, I went to like Mallory's cousin's wedding with her and they had a wheel. Yeah, it was like a thing and you span it. And then like, if you, yeah. you I think you had to like pay $5 that went into like the bride and groom's thing. And like one of the things was like, if it got on there, you had to like kiss the bride. I'm thinking like, <laughs> and like I'll be honest, like Mallory's cousin, Quite attractive. I would have gladly. I thought that would be a bit awkward. Like, <laughs> Mallory, do you mind if I put some money in for this? Like, I should, should have done it. Um, <laughs> you can't be the only one getting actions, marriage. <laughs> maybe it runs in the family. So, um, don't know. You know what? Uh, yeah, the, the game thing's really big here too. Uh, I actually, we got our idea. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be. I'm going to be perfectly honest here. I, I am. I am not like a greedy person. Uh, I am not a capitalist, but I, I like money and I like making money and I have fun making money, you know, clever yeah. ways. I, I will do, I will do dares. We've talked about how I will, you know, yeah. I will you get eat paid the spiciest eat food. things. Yeah. The, what's the worst thing you can come up with? People pay me money. So anything I can do to make money, I'm all for it. It's fun for me. Uh, Jamie one pays wedding, you to have sex. That's the only way you do it. <laughs> Another wedding that I was in, um, uh, the wedding party of, they had it where they're like, okay, instead of doing a game or instead of the clink the glasses thing, we want to help pay for this wedding. So we're going to get donations. So you guys go around, you collect money. And then when people pay, we'll do bride and groom kiss for the reception. Right. So I was one of the people tasked. It was me. And then the bride's brother, uh, I think were, were the ones tasked with actually collecting the money. And that was so much fun. Just running around table to table, basically with a collection plate. And I was basically saying, it's like, listen, you know, Cam, it's like, he doesn't make a lot of money. He's not going to be very successful in life. It's like, you guys need to pitch. Like I'm basically slamming the groom and people are giving me money for it. We did a similar thing, but people had to come up and give a donation. And, uh, you know, I, I remember somebody would come up and they'd give like a quarter and you're like, all right, peck on the cheek, you know? And then here's a $20 bill. I remember my mom saying afterwards, she'd given like a $20 bill. And she said when she was leaving the reception, it's like, you guys didn't give me my $20 or <laughs> you could have done better than that. <laughs> well, I remember the one that was like, um, like, I think Mallory's, because yeah, Mallory's dad paid for like the food and everything at reception, which, you know, obviously was a bit of money with the drinks and everything as well. But then Mallory's mum was like, okay, I've got a couple thousand dollars I'm going to give you guys, but I need to get a few things done for the wedding, which I didn't realize. So like by the end of it, she was like, well, I spent $972 on things for your wedding. So you only get an extra 800 and whatever. I'm thinking like, oh, I have known this. <laughs> bill. That I would like we like Mal and I saved up a fair bit of money for our wedding, and obviously because we saved a fair bit of money because it was a quite a last minute sort of you know COVID sort of wedding, so we ended up pocketing a fair bit. Which, if I'm being completely honest, I got to pocket most of that after everything that happened. So winning, winner, winner, chicken dinner, because the majority of it was my money anyway. Not that I'm bitter, but um, I'm thinking like God, if I'd have known that, like God, you can pay for the napkins and the rest will have the money. Thank you very much. Like sure, but um. It's a fun thing when you get to sit there and, like, I remember our for our wedding night, like, um, you know, in between other actions that happened that night, like sitting on the bed and opening <laughs> up presents and cards, and that's kind of fun. So, yeah. you know, 
<laughs> and then also you're a bit like, oh God, they're rich and they only gave us 50 bucks. Fuck off. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I'm, I'm going to say, I, I'm not unthankful to anybody, but you do after a while, you think to yourself like, all right, so this person didn't give me anything. I remember giving for their wedding. You, know? <laughs> you don't take offense to it, but it all is, we, we got Jamie's dad, who is not one of these involved dads. I mean, the, the most hilarious thing about him is I don't think that, I, I think I had met him once before the wedding. And when we were doing like the, um, the, the, the rehearsal the night before, he, his job is basically walking down the aisle. He went on like a 10 minute thing being, I'm not going to sit in this chair. I, can I bring a chair from home? We're like, no, we're going to have different chairs tomorrow. This is just, this is the, the venue's chair. We have different chairs. Okay. Cause this chair is very uncomfortable. So if I need to, I can bring a chair from home. He's going on and on. Uh, but he gave us like a thousand dollar check. I mean, most people's like 20, 50 bucks or whatever. Yeah. He gave us a thousand dollar check for ours. And we, we opened it. Like we, we, cause he basically didn't give it in the basket. He had to leave. And he's like, I, I'm going to give this to you guys. I want you guys to open it after I leave. And then he left and we opened it while we were still in the wedding. So we knew it was a thousand dollar check. And then we're panicking when we're going back to hotels. Like where's the thousand dollar check? We hope we didn't leave it there. <laughs> I'm going to be honest. It's, it's a pretty lucrative business, the whole like getting married thing in a weird way. Cause I've, I've had two engagement parties. Well, I guess my sort of engagement party the second time around, but I first time with Louise engaged made quite a bit of coin off that engagement party. Second one with Mallory. Yeah, made quite a bit. The whole wedding made quite a bit. So maybe this could be my job. Maybe I just need to keep getting engaged. <laughs> Nia's, you know? Nia's single now. And you well, know what? She's got a wealthy family. They just sold a very successful restaurant. Academy Award nominee. Um, yeah, you know, there you go. A couple of third movie coming out. Um, and you can both come to Winnipeg then. Yeah, but then she's going to, like, I mean, I'm trying to avoid the whole woman, like, wants to fuck other men thing. So, like, I mean, she's probably... <laughs> yeah, she's still got John Corbett on the side. That might you know, be a I've got to say, not as good as it might seem. So, uh, you know, causes some emotional baggage. So, uh, might might avoid Nia. Sorry, Nia. <laughs> um, I don't know. Do you just want me to go straight to the end, or do you have Please do. You wanna... We're two and a half hours yeah. in, and I thought this I movie was not going to take long at Every all. Every single... Like... You know what's funny? We've got four weeks in a row, and each time, we're legitimately... We always joke about... This shouldn't take us long. Four weeks in a row, we're like, this shouldn't take us long. And I think and we're going to three And the next four weeks, we're, we're committing to one-hour recaps. Wow, yeah. Okay. We are not allowed to That'll talk about happen. ourselves, all right? It's like, exactly. I don't, I don't want you to go on a tangent about how you knew a love guru, <laughs> and I can't talk about how much I like cats, and you can't talk about glitter, and then whatever happens in movie 43, spoiler and, alert, we, yeah. you know, we can't do that. No. Not, none of us are the age 43 yet, so we're not going to talk well, about 43. You are. Well, I'm getting there. I'm not there yet. Really? You're only like a year or two away, aren't you? Yeah, two more to go. I'll savor those two years. Um, Yeah, you know, (laughs) Jamie actually jokes about that. She'll say like, oh, you're old. I'm like, Jamie, I'm not the one who's grunting when she's getting out of chairs. And she's like, yeah, fair point. (laughs) Grunting in what way are you talking about there? Oh, I actually have this thing, John which I've noticed. This is I'm kind of overshare, but not really. Talking about granite chairs, I have this thing, right? Like I, I have a morning tradition. I do a morning poo. It's great. I love my morning poo. <laughs> but every time I go to sit down on the toilet, I notice I do this. Ugh, like before I even like, I'm pulling my pants down. I'm like, Ugh, and I sit down. I'm like, oh my god, I'm getting old. So my morning poo is always met with a. Ugh, so I've got to stop doing that. I don't know why. See, that's, but morning, morning that's, poos. I, I, my favorite part of my day. 
It's funny because you you say that, but like I always associate age is when you start groaning and grunting when you move. And I'm like, I'm not there yet. I'm still doing okay. <laughs> and I've always associated age with turning on the radio and not getting any of the music on the radio. And I'm 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 not there yet. I'm still I'm I'm down with the music. Still so, clinging. You know, You're still clinging. <laughs> whereas Colin's still listening to TLC. So uh, TLC and the, and the, the go go. So he's well and truly old. Um. Yeah, okay, so let's breeze through a couple other things. So Nick wants to they go to art married. school. All right, that was a movie. Yeah, they yeah. get married. <laughs> <laughs> they have a kid. Part two now. Um, the mom's peeling a bunch of potatoes. Uh, this is the next stressful thing that happens uh, is that um, the, the, the families are going to meet. These are the in-laws meeting. And Ian's parents are going to come for dinner. And uh, Nia Verdell's like, yeah, you know, I already peeled potatoes for dinner. What do you need to do? Oh, I'm just going to peel more because there's going to be more people. Well, how many people? It's like, oh, just the family. Okay, like the immediate family? No, all the family. And she's stressing out about this. Now, here's another one of the scenes in the movie that 100% happened in real life. Uh, showing up uh, with the, the, the roasted lamb on the front lawn. So Nia Vardalis has said she, when they were getting married, her husband had to get baptized, Greek Orthodox, when his family was flown into Winnipeg for the wedding or, or just to meet the family or whatever, she said, I picked them up at the airport. We drove up. And as we came down the street, I saw a crowd of 30 people roasting a lamb on my front lawn and just cowered and basically turned around, looked at her future in-laws and the in-laws had a smile on their faces. Like, don't worry. We see this every day when you know that they didn't. <laughs> so this 100% happened. Uh, as as some of the things here with um, the 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 family's meeting scene. Now the bunt cake is the highlight here, uh, which this didn't happen. But Nia Verdalis sort of thought this would be funny. But in real life, after seeing this movie, Nia Verdalis's mom does this in real life now. She will make a bunt cake and then put a plant in the middle. So she's like, "That looks like a good idea." I didn't think of that, but you now you're giving me stuff to do. Um, <laughs> does it the, does the bun- this not remind you of the replacement? Oh look, bun cake! Oh yeah, the bun cake. Yep, yeah. <laughs> bun cake. <laughs> I'm a cop. I mean, oh look, bun cake. <laughs> I still, I may, I may have never eaten a bun cake in my life. My associate with bun cake is the replacements of my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> but I, I get watched that, that when like, I was in New York. It was on. I know it was on TV or something like that. But I just that scene is like one of the funniest, <laughs> most random scenes in a movie. Oh look, bun cake. <laughs> 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 um, I, I love though the way that the mom keeps mispronouncing it. Oh, bunt. And it's like, bunt. And then the other one's like getting testy about it. Bunk, bunk, bunt, bunt, bun. And then there's the pause. You're like, bun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then just the, the it's a it's a winner it's a winner um and then i just love the, the the talking like all of a sudden it's like thank you very much like does she know it has a hole in it <laughs> they just don't realize this um the dad introducing everybody here this is another one of the best parts of the whole movie uh where he goes this, this is my cousin nick and it's like and these are his kids uh, what is it? Diane, Nick, and um, what's the third name here? Um, Jenny. Jenny, yes. Uh, Anita, <laughs> Diane, and Nick. Yeah, because and then this is my cousin, whoever, and their children. Anita, Diane, and Nick. Um, this as well is Nia Bardalis's real family names being read one at a time. She literally has that many cousins named Nick. Where when the dad's going Nick, 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 Nicky. <laughs> She actually decided to write all of her family and extended family's names into the script. So these are the real names. It's amazing that you think this is a joke, but it's like she has that many Anita, Diane's and Nick's in her family. Uh, They just all use the same name. 
Um, when they're inside the house, this is everybody knows an aunt Vula here who will just be friendly as you can be and come up and say the most, this is probably Ben's dad. Friendly as you can be and then say the most inappropriate thing imaginable. It's like, oh, so nice to meet you. I had a lump in the back of my neck. <laughs> that lump, and, and this as well, This I don't know whether this was, uh, Nia Vardell said that this was something from her real aunt or if this was actually Andrea Martin, but this was, uh, again, a real thing. And and they found that was my twin sister. Like, this is an awkward story. You got to know somebody. My dad is, is, is definitely, dad this, uh, he is uh, this type of awkward? Yeah, my dad, my dad will definitely tell stories like this. And like, like, I think my dad, my dad's more of a, he will tell jokes, which like, you know, he'll tell me jokes and then you're like, all right, dad, ha ha, funny. But like, he will sometimes then like, he'll start to tell it when we're around certain people and I'll be like, oh God, dad, don't tell that joke in front of that person. Like that just doesn't like, no, like that doesn't work. <laughs> um, and you're just like, oh God. He's like, no, what? What's you. wrong? And I was like, it's, it's not like, it's not embarrassment. Like I don't really get embarrassed. It's more just of like, oh dad, really like that? Like, <laughs> come on. It's more of a, like the, the, this sounds horrible. I love my dad. I love, love, love my dad. But like my dad, I guess, grew up in a sort of a, a, a rougher area, you know, a bit of a, you know, area of, mm-hmm. of Tasmania. Whereas my mum you know, it was the opposite. Like I always hear the story about when my mum and dad met that my grandma, my Scottish grandma sort of looked at my dad as if like, Oh, he's from that part of the city. Like, yeah. okay, like you know, whatever. <laughs> the wrong and, side and, of the track. And so like, I I've always been more of my mum's son than my dad's son. I've definitely got Ellen's my dad, but like now that, you know, my mum is, you know, no longer here. And my dad, I think slips more back into that childhood nature of what he used mm-hmm. to be versus what, you know, I grew up with him. So now that I've been away for a bit, you come back and kind of, and my sister's very much like my dad too. So it's kind of like, I love my family. I have a very small family. I, you know, I don't have the Greek family, but there are definitely elements when I've got like my dad or my sister talking and all that kind of stuff. And I'm just going like, wow. Like, you know, I, I'm not Bogan. Uh, (laughs) And again, I'm not trying to be like snooty and whatever, but it's just like, it's different. Oh, everybody's got, family like this that's one of the reasons this movie was so popular is because like everybody you don't even have to be of a different culture everybody's got weird family like this you know yeah and you can you like it's it's you can love and like whatever your family but like i mean you know like this is a very close big family they're all like together and like this is like a you know like i have never really had a big close family the people i've had my family who sort of you're close to like like always close to my mum's side of the family and it was literally Mm -hmm. my mum my mum has a sister and my grandma, my my mum's dad lived in Sydney, uh, see him once a year, that family kind of, you know, and I'll, every now and then you sort of talk to them, but you go a long time. My dad's side of the family, very rarely talk to them. Literally, it's mm-hmm. like he's got like six brothers and a sister, but like it's it's literally you will see them at a funeral. Like I didn't even remotely think about inviting any of them to my wedding because it was a case of you never yeah. see them, you know, so it's yeah. like why would I? Whereas my dad's mum I did. You know, she she passed away this year, but like you know, it wasn't as close to my nan on that side of the family as I am to my other nan. So it's kind of like different. And you love your family, like you you know whatever and everything along those lines. But I don't know where I'm going with this. We now go back That's to it. my big fat Greek wedding. It's been part three of Ben's personal well, life. It's the same thing with me. And again, that's why I kind of like that you have the whole one-sided family thing. Cause like Jamie's family's huge. And, and it's funny because they'll always complain. It's like, yeah, this person never talks to me. Like uh, uh, some of the brothers or Jamie will be like, yeah, my one brother doesn't really talk to me. I'm like, Jamie, you've, you've, you've talked to him like three, four times this year. 
I'm like, I've got family members that I haven't talked to in three, four years, you know? Yeah. And, but when you have that big of a family, it feels like, oh, I'm not that connected to this person because I only talk to them three or four times a year for our wedding. Uh, you know, I had my brother in my wedding party. My sister was Jamie's maid of honor. My mom was there. It's like, I was, you know, I, I hadn't talked to my mom for a year. I just started talking to my mom again because we were getting married. My grandparents and cousins on my dad's side were invited almost as obligation. I'm like, I should have somebody from my dad's side of the family. I hadn't seen most of them in 15 years. You know, I didn't invite any of my mom's sisters. I'm like, literally most of the family that I had showing up at my wedding, which was only a handful of people. I, saw them for the first time in like a decade. <laughs> I think it's, it's a case. Yeah. Like I, the family members who I'm close, like, like I would talk to my mum every day, even when I didn't live at home, I would literally, and like, if my mum was still alive when I was living overseas, I would have talked to her every single day. When I lived overseas, I would talk to my dad probably once a week with FaceTime, whatever. And that, um, but that was kind of really it. My sister and I are not, close i love my sister like i talk to my sister like she'll come over for sunday night dinner or talk to her but Does she like, listen to the show not at all uh <laughs> <laughs> but like it's it, but it just comes from a place where we're very different people and it's like generally we'd only contact each other if like one of us wanted something um mm. so but it doesn't just say that yeah like whatever but like um like since i've been back in hobart at the moment like I still see my auntie a fair bit. Like I saw her yesterday. I went and had lunch with her yesterday. You know, my auntie, my, one of my cats that I own lives with my auntie. It's my mum's sister. So, you know, close to my aunt and my nan. And I don't know where I'm going with this. Like, this is like fucking, no wonder we're going for three fucking hours on my big <laughs> factory wedding. We're just, it's, it's the Ben and Colin talk about their family show. Cut out this out. This episode's gone for an hour. Shut me up, please. But yes, none of our relatives have lumps in the back of their neck. That's the important no, part. Uh, exactly. I, I do love the way that Andrew, Andrea Martin can't pronounce the biopsy. She's a bias, a bias, a, a, a bobopsy. <laughs> she completely butchers it. Um, uh, yeah, they come in with a bunt cake with the flowers. And again, I love the, the background uh, chatter sometimes you get when she comes in the flower pots in the middle of the bunt cake and you hear somebody just quietly say in the background, you fixed it. <laughs> it was a problem. Good job. Um, you get the, the grandma running into the sprinklers here. Yeah. I think this is the scene where she runs into the sprinklers and uh, comes back. Uh, Ian makes, uh, Ian, Ian makes Ian his best man. Uh, guess, guess what? I got a great role for you in the movie here. Husband. <laughs> when I marry handsome John Corbett, you get to be the best man because he has no other friends. <laughs> great, yeah. great role. Thanks, Nia. Uh, yeah. I do like the joke here. But I was like, Oh wow. I'm honored. And, uh, really surprised you don't have more friends. Than that. <laughs> um, I, I, I've never That's been me. invited to a, I have, I've never been invited to a wedding where it wasn't somebody I, I like, okay, I could see why you put me in the wedding party, you know, but I've definitely seen wedding parties where I'm like, you barely talk to that person. Like they're in your wedding party. Like, do you know this person's last name? Um, I think I've but- been to like five wedding. I could probably count the weddings. And, yeah. But, um, I remember like I had a friend who got, you know, sort of close. And I didn't get invited to the wedding, but I got invited to the reception. There was another friend who I worked with who, the only reason I got to both because she wanted me to film and I would never do that in my life. Oh, crap. I will never film a wedding again in my life, even though she paid me. Like, fucking right. hell, that was torture. Um, and, yeah, the only time I think I've been to a wedding where it's, I lit, like, it was when I was went to Mallory's cousin's wedding. And I was like, I know, like, four people here. And we had yeah. to drive, like... <laughs> We went to Kelowna, so it was like four hours inland in BC and great car trip I had with Mallory's mum by myself after barely knowing the woman four hours from Vancouver Island into, you know, inland of BC. 
Uh, home of Evangeline Lilly, though, so great to go to uh, Colin. Yeah, there were no masks. <laughs> no, there wasn't. There was, well, wasn't. It was 2018, <laughs> Colin. God, get with it. Um, but I don't know where I'm going with this. The point is, nowadays, like unless Noah gets married... Um, I'm never getting invited to a wedding again in the rest of my <laughs> life. Like, I'd, everyone I know has already been married or doesn't like me enough to invite me to their wedding. <laughs> yeah, you. I mean, I'm married. Uh, you, you sister is married. I'm thinking, right? Yeah. Yeah. Matt I Dyson's married. Who else you got? <laughs> Three is people. Billy I Garcia going to get married? Who would be more likely to get married? Me, Billy, me again, Billy Garcia or Noah? There's a tough one. <laughs> Billy. <laughs> no, I'd say Noah. <laughs> By the way, if Billy Garcia, if you're listening, because I know he occasionally does listen to episodes that are not Survivor and he's not on. Thank you for listening, Billy, if you are. Uh, the other day I stumbled across Billy's band on YouTube music and I know that they get paid by stream. I'm like, I'm just going to leave all of his music playing all day, even though I can't listen to it with the volume down, just to put a couple of dollars I'm, in Billy's I'm pocket. I'm still waiting for that porn film to come out because he apparently said it hasn't come out yet, but um, I, wanna, I can't wait to recap the porn film with Forsaken <laughs> playing in the background. Um, We're going to interview enjoyed. him for that. Thanks to Billy, by the way, for the ticket to the Red Sox game and the, the pizza in Times Square with Rocky. That was nice. It was a good day. Did you get to see his band play? I didn't know, but I got to see the Yankees beat the Red Sox. So that was just as good. Yeah. Billy's band forsaken kind of like the Yankees, just without the baseball and the uniforms. (laughs) I got the joke. I remember that ER joke from an hour ago. A lot has happened since then. We've covered about six minutes. Open up a lot uh, about personal (laughs) details here. And oh, the ER joke. That was right. Ah, wash up on a beach somewhere. Of course, we get to the wedding. Gets everywhere. Max Dawson is shit. Ah. Uh, Tanya Roberts still alive. Good news. Um, and H dead though. Did Anne H actually end up dying? I still don't know. Like every story was like she's dead, and then you look it up and like she's not dead yet. They're just saying she's not going to recover. Like when has she died? Has she died? According to a Wikipedia page, she's was an American actress. Twelfth of August, apparently. Oh, uh, yeah, she's dead. Oh, that's sad. Uh, well, oh, but she'll be back, just like Tanya Roberts. Um, <laughs> yeah, but the, the wedding stuff. So this is where I can imagine you're like, this isn't like typical rom-com because you don't get the, the conflict is as it, you know? And uh, hearing the Everett Ellis' explanation for this, again, I think it, it really it really makes me appreciate it more, which it, it comes down to two things. One, you don't want to have the fake drama because that's what every rom-com does. And if we're going to be honest, rom-coms are one of the lower forms of entertainment because they are, so, they're like, like the Oz films. Network. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Oz Network kind of like rom-coms just without the comedy part. Or the romance. <laughs> or the romance. <laughs> well, no, no, I'm getting there. Yeah, there's some chemistry. There's Corbett, Neverdale style chemistry there. They just haven't done the practice kiss yet. Once they get there, then yeah. we'll, you don't know what happened on our little road trip around Tasmania. Oh, the, the finale of Lost. What else are you guys doing for three hours? Uh, A lot can be done in soon. three hours. Colin, ask your wife. She might understand that. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, especially with the John Corbett character, like Neverdale's actually said that. Uh, some people kind of like, I don't know whether complain or just comment. It's like, yeah, there's no real conflict. It's just sort of a wedding and that's it. And she sort of said like, she's tired of romantic comedies that create this fake drama and particularly with the male characters. And this is why I really appreciate it because Jamie and I covered 13 going on 30 a couple months ago. And I've always said one of the reasons why I love that movie is because of Mark Ruffalo's character. Because whenever you get a romantic comedy, one of two things happens. Either the guy is a complete douche 
or he is the most flawlessly perfect human being that's just totally unrealistic and bland and boring. And you know, it, to me, rom-coms are often like boy bands. It's like you are targeted towards teenage girls. I am not a teenage girl. Therefore, like, yeah. it's it, it's like kind of like he are. Yes. But it's like it, it's it's not I'm not supposed to like this movie. You know, you're not making it for me. And when you get I'll say particularly Matthew McConaughey romantic comedies, it's like you can't identify with this guy at all. Whereas you get characters like John Corbett in this or Mark Ruffalo in 13 Gone 30. They're just regular guys and they're nice guys. And, and she specifically said she didn't want to continue to feed into this stereotype that all men are evil, especially in romantic comedies. It's like, there are nice guys out there. Like let's, let's start showing nice guys in movies again, which is why she didn't want any of this fake drama with like, Oh, the wedding's not going to happen. And Oh, I found out that, you know, or uh, that she lied to me about who she was. She was that waitress and everything. Just like women can also be evil bitches. Um, <laughs> There's evidence of that on the show. <laughs> yeah. Just, that's um, all I've got to say. That's all you've got to say. But anyways. But yeah, the, I, I will definitely say I'm still always sort of caught off guard with, with it's the wedding day. You got a brief thing. You got the wedding. Like this movie, the movie's climax is basically the meeting of the families in a weird way. It's That's the last big scene. Uh, she wakes up, she has a zit. Best bit of trivia about this movie, as far as real life uh, um, being uh, redone in a movie, is uh, not the fact that like Mia Verdalis on her real wedding day woke up with a zit. That happened. When she married Ian Gomez, she woke up with a zit. She wrote that into her script and specifically wrote it that the zit was going to be on the, whatever the opposite side is in this movie. So I think it's on, it was supposed to be on the right-hand side of her face. So they staged this entire scene they blocked the scene out beforehand so that it was all going to be we're going to have a zit on the right side of her face she woke up the day of filming and had a real zit on the left hand side of her face so suddenly like we got a real zit here we might as well use it but we planned our scene to shoot the other side so now we got to change everything we shot on so the zit not only happened in real life on her wedding day but it was real um one of the last stories i'll tell about our real wedding day I got like, as I said, the sickest I've ever been, which uh, I know I've told this on double Oz seven because it was, uh, it was the day that Skyfall came out. I started to get sick and we got like the biggest blizzard we'd ever had. And I had to, at the time I was having to work outdoors and I couldn't get away from work. And I was working, well, I was working part-time outdoors. So I would basically work an office job and then I had to work outdoors during the biggest blizzard for three days straight while I was as sick as I've ever been. So this is probably everybody's nightmare. Jamie, I think, got the worst stomach flu she ever had a day or two before our wedding. So, yeah, the worst things will happen. As far as, like, bad things happening on the wedding day, um, the worst thing that happened to me is I, I, our, my shoes. Uh, I think I told the server about my shoes getting forgotten at home. So yeah. I had to do all of our wedding pictures standing on my tiptoes because I was already shorter than everybody at my wedding party. Uh, yeah, that's that's as bad as anything that happened on the wedding day to me. I mean, for you, you got married to somebody uh, on your wedding day. That was the worst thing. <laughs> I was going to say that, that makes sense now that nothing went wrong on the wedding day. So yeah, exactly. There's your problem. You needed a zit. If you had a zit, yeah. it all would be okay. Like nothing went wrong. Um, oh, actually, no, that's not true. I went and got a haircut in the morning and it was shit. So I tipped the bitch like fifty cents. Um, <laughs> just to make a point but other than that no it was a, it was a great day <laughs> warning signs right there if you have a good wedding 
Um, so the thing with uh, the brother coming in with the Polaroid camera, that again actually happened, which that's hilarious. She was, hey, ladies, and just takes the picture. Uh, and I love what they're asking the, the dad when he sees it. What's that in her face? I'm like, it's a mosquito bite. Put some Windex on. <laughs> you think that's going to be the last punchline of Windex, but it's not going to be. Um, the, uh, the mom gives her the speech here. Another thing that you think is too crazy, but it actually happened. Mia Verdalis' real mom, before she got married, told her this story about, you know, Greek women. We may be lambs in the kitchen, but we're tigers in the bedroom. And Mia Verdalis' real mom told her that, uh, which is as awkward as you can get. Uh, and then even her reaction, you please <laughs> uh, let that be the end of the story. Uh, you have like the, the the one line where I'm like, you know, I, I'm like, I don't know if this like completely works, but like, I know a lot of people really love this moment where they, they finally see her in the wedding dress and she just looks herself like I'm a snow beast. I'm like, mm. I don't really get that line. I mean, is it just, is, cause it doesn't look like a bad wedding dress to me. I, I guess that's supposed to be the idea is like this really big elaborate wedding dress it doesn't look bad to me, but like, I know a lot of people like Jamie says she absolutely loves that part. Um, when they're coming down the aisle, the spitting on the bride. Now, another thing that really happened on Nia Verdalis's wedding day, it wasn't everybody spitting, but she was walking down the aisle and she did have like some relative who spat on her wedding dress and she had like a gob of spit during the ceremony. So this is something that I guess is a real Greek tradition. You spit on the bride. Um, I definitely didn't get spat on, but, uh, one of the last stories I'll give here. Uh, this is a, this is one of these good like, hey, cultures are different, but the, it actually played out to be fairly uh, fairly uh, fun. Um, typically, when you walk down the aisle, I mean, everybody just is quiet, right? When you walk back down the aisle, I always found that to be the most awkward thing because they play like music as you're leaving, you know. And Not another day. Well, I had a friend who actually used the um, the Pirates of the Caribbean theme when he was walking down the aisle. Uh, I did another one. March. I should have gotten the signs. <laughs> we had Ode to Joy. Uh, you know, duh, 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 I can which, play that which, on the piano. I, I, I should oh, have played good. it for you. Well, that's basically the theme music to Die Hard. So I'm like, hmm. I am walking down the aisle to John McClane's theme music. Like that was how I'm going to, because I, I, I could not fight hard. I did not get James Bond, which I tried for. Cause I'm like, I want to just walk out to the James Bond theme. I know I mentioned, but we not do the good Bond omen and- in previous Bond. The only time that's happened. For in weddings, Bond yes, I can see that now. I can see that now. So good, good job learned. vetoing that Jamie. Yes. <laughs> but, but yeah, like we, we are walking back down the aisle and even that's awkward because like, People, they don't really applaud. I mean, I guess some weddings you do, but like they usually applaud when like, I now pronounce you husband and wife and then people applaud. And then when you walk down the aisle, it's just silence, you know? But uh, when we're coming down the aisle, my, my friend who uh, I mentioned, um, we talked about cricket in a recent episode. What was that? Or was that just on Off a podium? Days? Off the podium. There you go. An award-winning podcast we do. Um, the Casper endorses Daddy's Radio Show. It's a but, winner! <laughs> it's a winner! <laughs> But uh, uh, we're walking down the aisle and my my friend who uh, is originally from India, like he moved here 2005, I think. So he'd been in Canada like six, seven years at this point. Um, He is basically like a living, walking game show host. (laughs) Imagine a Sikh man as a game show host. That's him. And he's coming down the aisle. And again, my side's packed and he's basically sitting at the back. And he, 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 you get people are looking and they're pointing, they're taking pictures and He's sitting right on the aisle seat. As I'm coming up, he extends his hand out like this, like, hey, high five, right? Good job, bro. (laughs) And I come by, I'm like, all right, I'll go for it. So whereas it's usually supposed to be very formal walking down the aisle, he's going for a high five. And then he basically grabs my hand. He's like, yeah, fist bump and (laughs) doing like the the bro hug and stuff. And there's a hilarious picture as we're coming down the aisle. And basically I've like 
let go of Jamie as my friend <laughs> fist bumping, which is maybe completely normal in his culture. He didn't quite really, I don't think he'd been to a lot of like North American weddings where it's like, it's supposed to be formal down the album. To me, I loved that. I thought it was hilarious. And I've got one funny picture of that, but uh, no spitting. That was a good thing. He didn't spit on me. We, I mean, ours was small. We didn't really have like, you know, basically um, once we were done, because everyone was there, it was just kind of like, whatever. I mean, I, I, I made people laugh at my, cause I'm a funny guy. <laughs> so like, uh, we obviously did our own vows. And as you know, what I wrote in mine, but like yeah, the, the what the, the, the celebrant guy had done is he printed each of our vows out and then kind of had it like in large text. And, you know, Mallory wrote what she wrote. And then like, obviously, I'm me, so I'm going to write longer. And because it was in large text, it was literally like got to a point where I get there and go, yeah, we have to turn the page now. And then everyone was sort of like, going like oh, and I'm like, come on, guys, sit down. Like, you know, this is going to be another 10 hours. But, you know, it's me here we're talking. You know, I, I had everybody, you know, eating out of the palm of my hands because I was hilarious. Um, <laughs> but, I mean, clearly you were watching it live. You know what it was like. But, um, yeah, people were laughing at the wedding for different reasons. But anyway. But, yeah. <laughs> um, funny story about things going wrong during the ceremony. Uh, everything went off without a hitch for ours, except for two things. One, uh, my niece, which you would have met my brother's oldest daughter. Um, you probably met all of them. You wouldn't be able to tell the difference. They're all, they're all. Was that hamsters? <laughs> they had guinea pigs. Yeah. Guinea pigs. <laughs> I realized I just said they're all young and blonde. And I'm like, no, not in that way, Ben. Uh, <laughs> I met your nephews yeah. who still are liking our post, by the way. Thank you. My nephews. Yeah. Oh, they, they love the show. They listen all the time, but uh, yeah, my niece was the flower girl. And, you go through the run through and I'm like, you're going to dump a little flower here, walk further, dump a little flower there. So she gets about halfway down the aisle and she just stops in her tracks and she looks up and looks at my brother who's the best man. She goes, I'm all out of flowers. And he's like, everybody kind of laughs. Right. And she still has this look on her face. Like, like, what am I supposed to do? And then he's like, <laughs> keep walking, keep walking. <laughs> She's like, okay, go. Um, and then my groomsman, the, the guy with the Italian family, one of my groomsmen's, we were given strict instructions. Don't lock your knees. Like, you know, you're going to be standing up there for a long time, lock your knees. You know, you're going to run into trouble. He had done that, but also, I don't know whether he was tired or something. He basically started to faint in the middle of the ceremony. So I just heard this commotion behind me and I look back and I see my brother-in-law, who's like my, my nephew's dad, who's like six foot five, literally with my other groomsmen in, in his arms. I'm like, what happens? And this is in the middle of interrupting the ceremony. It, it keeps going on like no, he's playing. I just hear people gasp in the audience, but he actually started to faint because just because he locked his knees and he was standing up there a little while. Um, and then, of course, because I had been as sick as I'd ever been in my life, uh, the other funny moment was um, uh, I had just gotten my voice, started to get my voice back the day before the wedding. And my whole stress was, am I going to be able to speak here? And uh, the first time I think that uh, uh, the, whatever the first part of the vows is, do you call in, take Jamie, whatever. I basically yelled, <laughs> I do. And I was trying I was trying to just be like, you know, I got to get these words out of mouth so people can hear it. I'm like, I do. <laughs> It was like the the Wonder Woman. I'm a spy. <laughs> so again, you heard laughter with that. But uh, yeah, that, those are a couple of, couple more funny stories there. There we go. Uh, moving on back to back to my big fat Greek weddings commercial break here. Um, I like uh, uh, the the parents here. This is the first time you see that that point Nevadal's made where it's like you're only seeing the in laws from her point of view until you get the wedding. The parents are having fun with this where they they have the whole ceremony in Greek. And like, do you understand anything they're saying? And dad makes it, it's all Greek to me. 
Uh, and then again, you see them in the reception and they're having fun and dancing and all that. Um, and actually, uh, all the dancing you see in the reception, Nia Berdalis' sister, the one who owned the restaurant, uh, she, I guess, was a dancer or something like that in real life before she owned the restaurant. She did all the choreography for the movie. And, and you can see, if you freeze frame, you can see during this reception, every member of her actual family in both the ceremony and the reception. Um, she basically flew her family out there to be the extras in the wedding scene. Uh, and then Ian Gomez got to be the best man for his own wedding. That's good. Uh, but uh, <laughs> when they're on the way to the reception, there's the funny line here where she's kind of joking about the, the makeup and as, Oh, I look like a drag queen. That was her idea. So now we know Connie and Carla is a sequel to my big Mac <laughs> wedding where she actually becomes a drag queen. And he goes, yeah. Yeah, like, did your aunts do that? Uh, <laughs> he, he has a line about drag queens should take a few tips from those ladies. Uh, and then she talks about the zit. I woke up with the worst zit today. Goes, oh, you did too. So did I like, they're, Oh, they're bonding. He goes, wait, but I don't see yours. He goes, Oh, I put some Windex on it. And <laughs> just walks out of the car. <laughs> Probably like the last like uh, great punchline on Windex here in the movie. Uh, during the reception, we get uh, one thing which you're not going to get if you didn't watch that thing you do. But the song that's playing here, like the ballad that's playing uh, with lyrics and everything is a song called All My Only Dreams. And that song is, um, I believe Tom Hanks actually co-wrote the song as well. That's one of the songs uh, in that thing you do that the band has. The plot of that thing you do is, is a band as a one hit wonder in the 60s, like during the, the Beatles era. And the B-side to their hit single, That Thing You Do, is this ballad called All My Only Dreams that the singer is obsessed with and thinks everybody should show the song with respect, but they don't. So Tom Hanks actually put uh, That Thing You Do song is the uh, the song here during the reception. Um, we get like the dancing scene. This is basically just the wrap up of the movie with uh, everybody dancing. And uh, you get the, the in-law here where they're having fun and they're He's taking his wife out to dance, the mom, and he's like, let's go, Harry. He actually calls her Harry once here. Uh, and then he ever does his final narration here. He goes, you know, my family, they're big and they're loud, but they're still family, essentially. Uh, they'll always be there. This was originally supposed to be the end of the movie, and they actually thought about not including the last part. Uh, and uh, the last scene, though, I, I think it really works because of the final shot. Because I, I, I watched this, I'm like, do we need to see them like six years in the future with the daughter and all that? But then you get the joke because the dad in his speech where he gives – the line about, you know, our family name means orange. And I did some research and the, the Greek origin of Miller is apple. It's like, you know, uh, so in the end, we're, we're, we're uh, all fruit. Like that's basically his punch. And it gets, gets a Ben style laugh. You're like, ah, 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 ah. he tries hard. He's hilarious. Comedic genius. Um, it's more, it looks I, funny. I, I just, I love the dad's reaction. Like he gives them a house. Like that's the wedding mm. gift. They bought us a house. And the dad's reaction, like there's a little bit of sadness and the, the actor when he's doing this, which isn't so much sad. It's more just like, it's the way I think every parent would be when their children get married. It's 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 the way that I'm sure Jamie's going to be when Casper goes off to grade one in two weeks because she's stressing about that. Wow. Like, it's not so much a thing for me, but um, it's anytime you graduate. You don't you know, give I, a shit about your children. No, but for me, I'm like, whatever. Uh, but like I was at one of my nephew's uh, graduations, actually, the one who likes all our posts. If you're listening to this right now, Patrick, thanks for listening to my Big Fat Greek Wedding. I enjoyed your graduation. And we get um, it. You <laughs> like what we post on the Oz Network. Why do you do it within like two seconds of us posting? You literally live on Instagram. Like it's like, uh, you know. Well, he's graduated from high school now. He's got nothing better to do. Uh, but yeah, at his grad. <laughs> Uh, I don't think so. Um, a boyfriend? I mean, him a, a friend? Maybe, <laughs> maybe. <laughs> maybe we can introduce him to Noah. Maybe they'll get along. I'm just, I'm just asking what it's like to have a friend, Patrick. <laughs> um, be my friend. 
but yeah, like his graduation, my sister was the same thing. She was getting teared up. I'm like, I don't get this really. Like, sure, you're proud of them maybe, but like it's kids going off to college and kids moving out for the first time. I remember my mom, when I first moved in my first apartment, she was like, oh, I'm not going to cry. I'm like, why would you cry? But like, that's what I see in the dad here. It's like, I'm happy. <laughs> no emotion. Oh, whatever. It's, but like the dad, it's like, I'm happy, but at the same time, I'm sad because it's like, you're losing the kid. You no longer are their responsibility. Uh, but then you get that final great moment. Like you get the daughter who we're going to see in my big factory wedding too. Uh, and uh, they're walking the daughter to Greek school. So she gets a final moment to be proud of you being Greek. And they walk past and they're literally next door to the other family. So they bought them the house next door. So she'll never escape her family. So um, I like that final moment at the end. Even if like the wedding stuff, it does feel rushed. I kind of feel like that, like Father of the Bride. It's not really the point of the movie. The point is the stress of the wedding, the stress of a family. So as rushed as the ending is, and as much as it's not traditional romantic comedy, I've really grown to love it. Yeah, I mean... I tuned out a lot of this movie um, just because, again, it's just, I don't know. May- maybe it is something where it's like, it's just standard. You know what you're going to get. And it's, it's again, it's not bad, but it's just, it gets to a point where it's like, well, without the conflict, it's just a wedding documentary. It's like, okay, cool. People are getting married. And if I'm being honest, weddings aren't exactly something that I'm super positive <laughs> on anymore so it's kind of it's tricky for me to watch weddings so a lot of the time i'm just like cool what's the football score right now um but like yeah the ending's fine like i mean having just watched the sequel like i mean it's it's kind of nice that for once a sequel kind of follows on from something and doesn't just make it obsolete within two seconds of the opening scene but at the same time (laughs) the sequel kind of also does in a weird way make this movie obsolete because within five seconds it's like oh i'm sad in my life again it's like okay what was the point of the whole movie then if that's what you do in the sequel um we're not here to talk about that um yeah like it's well put together like everyone's having fun (laughs) um they're having a nice time um but, like, the one thing I'll say, like, I didn't really mention, like, the narration kind of, like, it's sort of used sporadically in a weird way. Like, I feel like you need to have, like, a a bigger speech at the end of, like, I don't know, I came full circle and here I am. I have no idea. Um, but I think that's what would make it too typical, which, again, like, romantic comedies and horror movies, everyone's the same. So what I like is, like Father of the Bride, it's maybe not so much a romance film. We're getting something different. Did you, do you ever see Father of the Bride? No, I don't think so. Um, oh, that's not the. No, why am I thinking Steve of Steve um, Martin? That's yeah, Steve no, Martin. No, no, and no, I, I, I know what it is. I just, I, I, for some reason, I was thinking of two men and a baby, or three men and oh, a baby. Oh, three, three men called. and a baby. Yeah. Um, which, yeah, I don't know. Can I say a random thing about that? Tom Selleck, great man. Um, I run. We obviously know I run that that account, the Die Another Day Daily. Daily, yeah. And I get on Instagram and I follow the hashtag die another day, which, you know, 90% of the time it's some person going, I love this movie, blah, 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 blah. But the other day it came up with this big picture of Tom Selleck. And <laughs> the, the, the account was Tom Selleck official. And then it was like a subtitle that said, it was like just a nice smiley picture of Tom Selleck. And it was like, have a good day, people, with all these hashtags. And one of the hashtags was die another day. And I'm like... <laughs> What? And then I clicked on it. It obviously wasn't Tom Selleck official. It was just some person had started an account. But, like, of all the hashtags you could have, I'm thinking, like, was Tom Selleck in Die Another Day? Like, did I miss him? <laughs> did he play the wave that Bond surfed on in Iceland? I don't know. But, um, look, this this movie's harmless. This movie is fine. Mm. It's, it's, it's not bad. I'm not going to bin this movie. But it's just, it's not, I don't know, I maybe had a, 
different picture in my head of what this movie was and how it was. And it's kind of like what I had with panic room last week. Sure. Um, I mean, it's, it's not a movie that I'm probably going to ever go out of my way to watch again. And it's not saying it's a bad movie. It's just, I have no redeeming watchability. I got my fix of, of my big thing. Mm. It's, it's like a Marvel. It's like an MCU movie. It's like you go into it, you kind of get what you expect. Well, maybe this is, you don't get completely what you expect, but it's just kind of like, cool. I saw Shang-Chi. Shang-Chi. <laughs> That's enough for me. Probably will never watch it again. It's like the Oz Network. You see it there. Cool. Yeah. That exists. Don't need to pay attention to it anymore. <laughs> I'm going to go download is that one. You always plug movies that shouldn't be made or how it was oh, made. How did, this, or... how did this get made? Yeah. Yeah. Again, gets more fucking airtime on this show than the actual <laughs> network. Um, all right. So a couple of things just before we wrap up here, um, the two subtitle lines that you didn't get. So the first one, when they're at the breakfast table uh, where it's like, this is what you say, thank you or whatever. He says, nice boobs to which the mom actually like, I agree. They are nice. <laughs> Polite <laughs> response. And then you have the second time when they're. See, Noah at, should have uh, said that. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Noah's going to learn this phrase. But then the second one when they have like the family's meeting, the 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 lamb on the front lawn roasting scene, um, that one where he's trying to get him to say say this. It, it means everybody go in the house. Everybody will love it. I'm not falling for that again. So then you have Joey Fatone come up and confirm, yes, that is what it means. And it turns out he says, "I have three testicles." For which everybody laughs, and he's like, "I'm going to kill you guys." So nice boobs, and I have three testicles. Um, those are your two of my uh, pickup lines I often use on Tinder. <laughs> yep. <laughs> um, going through the success of this movie, let's start critically. Uh, so this movie got a very good critical response. Uh, what is it on Rotten Tomatoes? Seventy-six percent, which is I think right around what maybe a little bit above what Science was. This might be our highest for all the Rotten Tomatoes. So I think about a boy in Science were maybe in the lower seventies. I, I remember. Can confirm that, that with you, Colin, in just a moment. You confirm that. Um, so, uh, some reviews here, though it sometimes feels like a television sitcom. Hmm, we're going to get there in a minute. Um, my Big <laughs> Fat Greek Wedding is good hearted, lovable, and delightfully eccentric with a sharp script and lead performance from Nia Vardalis. Uh, movie critically would even go on to be nominated for many awards. Uh, Nia Vardalis was nominated for Best Actress for the Golden Globes, it was nominated for Best Picture for Musical and Comedy Golden Globes. Uh, Neil Verdalis was nominated for a Breakthrough Female Performance MTV Movie Awards. It won the People's Choice Award for Favorite Comedy, uh, an Academy Award nominated Best Original Screenplay, Neil Verdalis. Now, coolest thing I got to see at the, the family restaurant, aside from all the behind the scenes pictures of like Ian Gomez and the rest of the family on the set, John Corbett with the, the real life mom or whatever, um, is uh, all the Academy Award stuff because Neil Verdalis' family went to the Oscars. Like, this is what I was saying. Like every, everybody, if you were watching even entertainment tonight at the time, like you knew the family cause they were in all the publicity. Uh, so they got pictures, not only from them at the Academy Awards, but you even see the ticket stubs. So official Oscar ceremony ticket stubs that uh, the family members had. And even the official Oscar poster, which Nia Verdell signed. Uh, and uh, also they have, um, I guess it's the official like uh, letter you receive, which shows your categories, which they group the adapted and original screenplays together. So I actually did get to see the official Oscar letter that shows your category that had both this in the original screenplay category and about a boy in the adapted screenplay category. So nice. I got to see some Oscars memorabilia last week for two of our anniversary month movies. Have you seen an Oscar before in person? No, never actually seen a statue. 
I uh, I think it was one of the Hollywood tours I did. I think it might have been the Paramount ones. They had actually it was, they did because they had the Titanic. They had the Oscar, the Best Picture Oscar for Titanic. Your your favorite. Um, so and it's funny because like you see them and like yeah they're nice, but like also they you know don't, aren't as gold and shiny after a while. They're kind of a bit worn and a bit you know. Mm-hmm. It's like when you go to the Sydney Opera House, this beautiful building. If you stare it up close, it's like can somebody wash that? It's a bit dirty. <laughs> Uh, did you find the other ratings for? Yes, I did. I mean, Panic Colin. room was lower. So my big fat Greek wedding. What did you say it has? Seventy six. Uh, Panic room seventy five. Uh, Signs has seventy five, and about a boy has. Didn't they have like ninety? Yeah, ninety three. So uh, oh wow! So about a boy highest. is definitely our highest. Second highest was Panic Room. So there you go. Uh, Bobby regretting. Sorry. Um, I'm going to read a couple of one star reviews here. Because again, this movie is very well liked. But uh, uh, I, I, <laughs> I do that. I'll skim through some of these. But this first one from Phila Fromno uh, is titled Torturous. Uh, I find it unfathomable that this film was the breakout hit of last year. My only guess is that it drove people to the theater who were excited that it was low on curse words and sex, which is fine, but I wish that they could have added a bit more humor or drama. Um, There has been a lot of crowing about the crass stereotypes in this film, to which I can only respond, what stereotypes? These characters are drawn so flimsily that they don't even reach the level of stereotypes. Um, Okay, so first of all, are they stereotypes when this is her culture? I doubt Philofromno is Greek, so does he know that this isn't true? Like, We've basically said she confirmed all these stories are real things. And this movie was a hit because people identified with it. And then to to the second part we hear where he uh, talks about um, the flimsy, flimsily drawn characters. Like, sure, you don't get subplots outside of the brother wanting to go to art school. But like, again, these are based on real people and the real people were they're on set with the actors. And this movie is nothing but praise for it. The second one here also is really funny. Uh, Don the fish, I think doing the fish. Sorry. He's doing a fish. He's, this is what Noah's going to move on to when he, when he strikes out with boys and girls, he's going to be doing the fish. Um, big fat waste of time. This film is nothing new and nothing special. The family could have been the same Jewish or Italian family. That's been in thousands of other films. Again, isn't that the point? (laughs) This is across all cultures, but to say it could have been the same Jewish or Italian family. That's the exact argument that Nia Vidalis was making why she didn't want yeah. to sell the rights. Not be right. We've seen a million other movies. We're seeing it as a Greek family. Name another Greek family that's similar to another Greek movie. The dialogue Mario was flat. The jokes Luigi. were lame. Exactly. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers. Uh, uh, all of this clashing cultures. Old world versus new world guilt is as old as the film itself. Woody Allen has done the same thing numerous times and much better. So sorry it's not Woody it's Allen. like, I mean... We live in a day and age where there's nothing original anymore in Hollywood. But, I mean, like, if you're going to be that nitpicky about stuff sometimes, like, as you've mentioned it a bunch of times, all romantic comedies are the same, all horror movies are the same, all action movies are the same, all porn films are the same. Like, I mean, like, mm-hmm. we live in a day and age. Like, I remember being in English class where we had to, like, basically study the fact that Star Wars and Lord of the Rings are exactly the same film. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you, you live on things and that's comfort. It's like, why do... We eat hamburgers all the time because they're same and comfortable. Um, that's a really weird analysis. It's kind of like ER, but without the medicalness <laughs> in it. But like, 
Um, I don't know where I'm going with it. Like, I mean, I, I, I don't agree, like, that this is a, a stereotype film, like, because when you it's written and starring the person that this life is based upon, like, if this was written by me on the yeah. standard Greek film, like, I'm not going to get it and I'm going to probably base this on stereotypes. Like, it's <clears> not up to me to write. This is where, like, you know, some of the wokeness that we've got today that, yeah, like, if you're going to do a film about black culture, have it written by black people, Jewish culture, Asian people. Like that's, I agree with that. Don't have it written by a white person. Um, but yeah, like I think I don't agree with this being a, a stereotype because like, as I said at the beginning, like this is from what I've experienced of Greek culture and Greek people, this is very true to its, it's, it's very true. And it's like, not it's, mean in any way. It's, it's, in, not it's mean. endearing is what it is. It's not mean at all. Like, I mean, how is this mean? I can't imagine mm-hmm. a Greek person being like, oh, let's say, oh, former dab. That's, that's French, right? <laughs> uh, now that's racist. Um, but yeah, I don't know where I'm going with that. I like this one. So the one at the very bottom uh, by Mike R22. Has everyone lost their minds? Horrible, horrible, horrible. No wonder no one in Canada would finance this script. I guess it somehow appealed to Tom Hanks' worldview. Perhaps someone should try my big fat Mick wedding or my big fat Indian wedding or my big fat gay wedding. Rather than try a TV show, the real franchise value here seems to be dumb humour around racial and social stereotypes. How is it like racial wrong? Like uh, Greek isn't a race. Uh, and also, like, it's not like, it's not like, uh but you know, yeah. also, this is obviously written by a Canadian who had some hang up. Like, Canadian. oh, nobody in Canada, we wouldn't do this. Um, this became a trend in Canada because of the popularity of this movie. For years afterwards, you would get tons of Canadian movies. That were the, probably the more, most famous one is a movie that came out only a year after this that was totally capitalized on success called Mambo Italiano, which was basically the exact same premise but with an Italian family. You had another one which actually won the, uh, the, the genie, I can't remember if genie or Gemini, whatever the Canadian Oscar is, called Crazy, which was. Jeannie Bouchard, yes, uh, which was um, essentially this movie Crazy was My Big Fat Gay Wedding. Like, So within a few years, Canada was producing My Big Fat Italian, Italian Wedding, My Big Fat Gay Wedding because of this movie. So, yes, it had it's some the, It's the wedding that. cinematic universe, the WCU. Yeah. You and it, coming full circle, the new Father of the Bride movie is uh, My Big Fat what is it, Cuban Wedding or something like that. It's Andy Garcia's in it. But, uh, yeah, cool. they're basically just changing that um plot keywords that really aren't that good i mean it's what you expect father-daughter relationship cousin-cousin relationship Turkophobia. Um, yeah what the only one i really want to go through here uh is uh, gonna be the most appropriate which is bunt cake month this is oh. better have the replacements uh my big fat greek wedding things heard and seen everything everything and the nine kittens of christmas with is that the one with Brandon? Brandon Routh in the nine kittens of christmas and bunt cake month i don't even see the replacements on here that's a disgrace what about grammatical no. grammatical error in title month? Um, <laughs> what is the crazy, grammatical error in title? I think it's something to do with like the. I actually don't know. <laughs> I don't know grammar. Uh, <laughs> Asking the wrong guy. <laughs> crazy stupid love, grown ups, my big fat Greek wedding, and step brothers. Um, okay. Uh, box office. This thing was beyond enormous. Like this is almost my fascination with doing this in the first place. So, <laughs> Sorry, plot keywords: racism, uh, racism month. Uh, Where's the racism? Elvis, Elvis. 
Uh, the Sopranos, American Horror Story, and Triple R, Rise, Raw, Revolt. Um, okay. Sorry to interrupt. All right. Um, so this movie, it came out in limited release. Uh, its first weekend, April 19th, uh, opened in 108 theaters. And uh, per screen average was uh, over 5000 so $597,000. This was the same weekend that The Scorpion King opened number one. And Murder by Numbers with Sandra Bullock was number two. So my Big Fat Creek Wedding debuted 20th place in its opening weekend. Now, it very slowly expands. You see it go from 20th place to 16th, 16th, 11th, 10th. So it, in its fifth weekend, it cracks the top 10, still only in limited release, less than 300 theaters. 11th, 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 12th, 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 14th, 13th. Now we're at the end of the beginning of the summer. Here. I guess we're at the end of June. Um, all of a sudden, it jumps up closer to 500 theaters. And it's climbing, it's climbing. It's over 500 theaters. It's in the top 10. We're into early August now. So this movie's been out for how many months? Like two, three, four months? Uh, early August, this thing expands to 650 theaters. It's number nine. Then it goes number eight at the box office. Six, four, jumps into the top five, August 23rd, which if we do the math, opening April, so May, June, July, August, four months into its release, it cracks the top five. Um and then it basically stays there for all of August, September, and October. So most movies we go through, they'll have like a, even something like Signs where like five, six weeks later, it was the, still, it was back to the number one spot. This movie spent five or six weeks in the top 10 when it had been out for over 20 weeks already. Uh, highest it reaches is second place at the box office. It spent four consecutive weeks at number two, making over $10 million each of those weeks. Uh, continued to stay in the top five, uh, dropped out of the top 10, came back into the top 10. It only dropped out of the top 10 the week of November 27th. So we are now close to a year after this movie's release and it finally drops out of the top 10. Its final week in theaters was April 11th to 13th where it was in 146th place one year after it was released, still playing in theaters. Um, Obviously, it made a lot of money, ended up finishing fifth place at the box office the entire year for a movie that never made more than $10 million, never hit number one, fifth highest grossing film of the year, behind only Spider-Man, Lord of the Rings Two Towers, Attack of the Clones, Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, just ahead of Signs, Austin Powers, Gold Member, Men in Black 2, Ice Age, Chicago, Cash If You Can, Die Another Day, Scooby-Doo, <laughs> Lilo and Stitch, Triple X, Santa Claus 2, Minor Report. This, I, I think the only other things we could compare this movie to was uh, the Blair Witch Project, obviously, right? And um, I mean, the Full Monty would be another one that like, it just got bigger and bigger, but neither of those movies were at this level. Well, I'm, I'm talking about for a small movie. Like this is an independent movie of $5 million that was never meant to show in more than a few cities. And it becomes the fifth highest grossing film. I believe for a time, it was like the second highest grossing comedy of all time behind only Home Alone. Uh, and it did have, there was a record of, uh, it was originally held by American Graffiti, which is, Basically, what is the biggest moneymaker of all time is not Titanic because you got to think Titanic cost $200 million to make. So the biz, big, the way of factoring the biggest moneymaker is how much more did it make percentage-wise based on what the budget was. And I know George Lucas' American Graffiti held that record for like 20 years until the Full Monty broke it, and then the Blair Witch Project broke it, and then my big fact, Greek Wedding broke it. I think Parallel Activity technically broke it later on, but a $5 million movie making $250 million just domestically – like, nothing had ever happened like that before. Like, this movie, you couldn't escape it. Well, Kill Phil, funnily enough, was released in 2004. <laughs> it's gradually growing in... Uh, the cinemas keep growing and growing. So, it's, That's right. you know, it's it, you 18 know, that, that, years. 
that $27 my Big Pack Greek wedding made in his final weekend, my Kill Phil's creeping up on that mark. 27 bucks um, is coming. I really hope that Nia Vidalis, like, signed one of those agreements where she got, like, a percentage of the box office. Like, I mean... Oh, let's hope so. You know, But I Tom mean, Hanks would take care of her unless, you know, she got too close to Tom Rita. Tom Hanks would if take she, care of If she started anyone. pushing Rita around, then, yeah, he's cutting her off. I mean, Tom Hanks would take care of anyone but except for <laughs> those people who, like, pushed into... Imagine those people who filmed that video. It's like, oh, Tom Hanks, the nicest man in America. <laughs> Back the fuck off! Whoa! And they're like, so, afterwards, they're all like, well, I'm very sorry, Mr. Hanks. <laughs> My apologies. <laughs> I mean, that's the one person you never think is going to do that. Also, yeah. uh, given that we're bringing back Will Smith, I liked his, uh, I think it was today, he posted a thing of like, like it was like a meme of like these monkeys like going off at each other and his, the subtitle was like me trying to get back on social media or something <laughs> like that because <laughs> like, you know, people keep pushing him off it. Um, yeah, I don't think Nia Vidalis made this movie and thought that she was going to make $80 million more than a James Bond film. Yeah. Um, which, and like, Dying of the Day wasn't exactly a failure. It was, was the, the highest grossing the James Bond movie of all time. So, you know, that was back when James Bond movies didn't really crack $100 million that much. So, yeah, I mean, that's insane. That really is absolutely insane to think that you can make that type of profit off a $5 million movie. Uh, I mean, the percent, the opening of this movie made 0.2% of. <laughs> the opening of this film, which, mm. I mean, that's just absolutely ridiculous uh, to think that. So, yeah, I mean, that's... I really do hope she has a percentage of that because yeah. she's probably... No wonder she keeps pumping out TV series and other movies and John Corbin because she's <laughs> rich, very rich. Um, so after this, obviously, they rushed a TV show, and I remember that th- this was announced when the movie was still, like, in the top ten of the box office. We're making a big Fat Creek wedding TV show, which was, of course, my Big Fat Greek Life. Uh, fascinating thing about this is this show uh, debuted in, what is it, January, February of 2003, when this movie was still playing in theaters. So they mm-hmm. had the TV show on the air while this is still in theaters. Uh, this is pre, I guess this would have been on the air before the Academy Awards even aired that year. So she's nominated for an Oscar for a movie and she's already got the TV spinoff that she's in. The entire cast comes back with the exception of John Corbett, which he has explained was because he was associated with another TV project at the time, which he was, but uh, it could have also been because he didn't want to do a sitcom, my big fat Greek wedding. Um, I remember being disappointed when the show came out because it was a traditional sitcom. I was expecting a TV version of my big fat Greek wedding. I was expecting something along the lines of parenthood, you know, uh, or arrested development even, and not, we got a laugh track and we got a crowd and filmed them from a live studio audience uh, with cheesy jokes and stuff. So I watched the first like two or three episodes of this and gave up as did most people. Cause it was canceled after seven weeks. Uh, funny enough, this move, this show was canceled the last week that my big fat Greek wedding was still playing in theaters. So she had a canceled TV show. that was a sequel while the movie was still in theaters. Uh, but uh, I actually did go back and rewatch this about a year or two ago. Cause they have it on like the CTV app here for free. And it's actually better than I remembered. It's, I think if I hadn't had that expectation, I think a lot of people hadn't had that expectation that it was going to be the show, uh, a version of the movie that it was just a sitcom. There's a lot to enjoy. Only thing that really changed, like literally the entire cast comes back, except for John Corbett. Um, So they recast him and they actually renamed both her character and John Corbett's characters. They are Nia and Thomas. Otherwise, everybody is playing the exact same character they played in the movie. Uh, and of course, as we mentioned, my Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 came out, uh, uh, was it 12 years later, 2014? Made more money than I think it deserved to make. I mean, I don't mind the movie. I think it's okay. But 
I mentioned to you off air. I remember seeing that when it first came out and you know, we rewatched it last year and I remember nothing about it a year from rewatching it the second time. I still remember very little about it. Um, but, uh, it's still nice that you have all these people coming back and that they're having fun doing it and that she can make a living and now make my big fat Creek wedding three. I mean, it really does seem like she just then goes on to star in like, doesn't change anything. Like, I mean, I hate Valentine's well, Day, should... a romantic comedy with her and uh, John Corbett. John then Corbett. The, yeah. What's this my other one? Ruins. She which just looks like my big fat Greek wedding. It's just yeah. her in Greece. But uh, like, see, we should helicopter talk about mom. that though. Okay. Yeah. Like we should talk about, because really what happened to I me, mean, she was like on top of the world. Like everybody was talking about her. She could have done anything she wanted. In fact, because she wrote and starred in this movie, she was just given carte blanche, make whatever you want next. She makes Connie and Carla, which uh, bombs, like, like really bombs. It's, it's, it's not a bad movie. You've got Tony Collette in there too. So we could do a David Canada Cotton. versus Australia thing. Right. Um, so it, it, it's actually a very funny movie uh, and it has this massive cult following, but it just bombed. It didn't make any money. I think it, it didn't even open the top 10 or something. So because I think she was already older in her career, like she was what, like 40 years old when she made it and her second movie bombed, I guess she just wasn't given that creative freedom anymore. She did continue writing though. Cause she co-wrote with Tom Hanks, the second movie he ever directed, Larry Crown, which I also thought kind of sucked, but there was some decent stuff about it. Uh, but yeah, she just, I guess, made a living off of these rom-coms with John Corbett afterwards. And uh, really, I, I'm going to say the coolest thing about Neil Dallas is that she's never Brian Cranston, really... sorry to interrupt again. He's also in Larry Crown. Jesus, he's in everything. <laughs> When's Brian Cranston month coming? Uh, but like Neil Dallas, like, she's, she's just like a really cool person because she's never been that tied to, I want to be an actress. I'll make what I want to make. I'll write something I want to write. I'll make another My Big Factory Wedding. She's kind of made a second career for herself um, uh, with, uh, I guess, as a mother kind of writing this book because she, uh, I think they adopted her and Ian Goldman has adopted a daughter because they were trying for years and they couldn't get pregnant. And she she really promoted that. And one of the coolest things about her is, again, she's still recognizable. She can still make movies, but like you will constantly see her coming back to Winnipeg just to visit people. And not one of these things like, hey, I'm here for the weekend. Like, I remember it was um, her dad died. So the real life father died. And that was when COVID struck. So she wasn't able to come back. Um, so she missed her own father's funeral. But then when the restrictions are lifted, the first thing she did was she came back to Winnipeg. And I remember, you know, seeing her post on Instagram, I'm like, oh, cool. She's around the corner from that place there. You know, I, I know that house. I could go there and knock on the door if I wanted. But it was like two months where she was posting every single day about, well, I'm still here in Winnipeg. And, you know, obviously her sister owning the restaurant. Um, it wasn't that time, but there was another time she came back probably last year, like last fall or something like that. And there's somebody who runs an Instagram fan account for my big factory writing and Nia Vardalis, who uh, is from Winnipeg and basically visits that restaurant all the time. And this one time Nia Vardalis just happened to be at the restaurant visiting her sister. And she came out, she's like, oh, this girl who runs your Instagram account, next time she's in the restaurant, tell me and I'll come out and I'll surprise her. And so there's this cool video that the staff of the restaurant took of Nia Vardalis surprising just this massive fan. So yeah, she's she's just a, a cool person all around. Obviously she's done a lot of like books and stuff like that. I'm excited they're making a third movie, even though I'm sure my expectations are going to be low on it. But uh, good job, Nia Vardalis. We're proud of you. I'm looking at her Instagram. Um, I don't know if she is keto, but she's sharing keto stuff on Keto Day. <laughs> there's a picture of her sharing tribute to the late, great Bob Saget, where there's a picture of Bob Saget and Tom Jones with Neva Dallas photobombing them. So, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, she seems like a nice woman, and I'm glad that she is one. You're a good woman. Ben's a good man. Yeah, she, I mean, she, uh, she'd be good to get on the show. I think she would, you know. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm, you know, I, I have a feeling you're going to rent this movie. You said you're not going to bin it, but I have a feeling you're not going to buy it. But uh, maybe you'll surprise yeah. me. I'm, I'm, I'm going to guess rent. Uh, yeah, I, I'm going to rent it. Uh, it's, uh, it's harmless. It's there. But again, that's I've I've had my fix this decade for my big fat Greek wedding. So maybe on the twentieth <laughs> anniversary, the thirtieth anniversary. I don't know, but I don't know. Like it's just it's it's uh, yeah. I'm fine. I'm good. I watched it. Like cool for 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 all movies that we covered this month. I mean, this was never going to be my number one. It's never going to be my number two. I mean, it's basically battling out with Panic Room for right now for me. But I I would put this higher than Panic Room. Like I said. I waited 20 years to watch Panic Room another time and I watched it and I enjoyed it, but I'm like, I don't know if, when I'll watch it again. Kind of like you're saying with this, uh, you know, I also, like I was saying last week with Panic Room, I'm like, I expect, I remembered a different movie than I actually got this time. And you're saying the same thing with my Big Factory Wedding, but I would buy this. It wouldn't be like the most enthusiastic buy ever. Cause again, it's, it's, it's a harmless movie. It's entertaining, but it's not, you know, reinventing the wheel. Uh, it's not something that I'm going to watch all the time, but I, every time I watch it, I enjoy it. So I'll still buy it. Um, which, Brings us to the end of anniversary month of 2002 films. Um, I want to get our final rankings, but I just, I'm just i shaking my head at the fact that we've gone three and a half fucking hours on my big fat Greek wedding. <laughs> we could have watched this movie twice. We've gone over three hours on everything. We, I think we've gone over three hours no, on Panic everything Room, I don't this think month. We did. I think Panic Room, we just snuck it was under close. three hours. It was yeah. like two hours 55. But um, how the fuck? Like, I, I feel, what movie can I think it's of? It's our weddings. Know. Our weddings ruined uh, it. I think, I think this episode's gone longer than I was married for. So. <laughs> Maybe. Um, but yeah, I mean, with, with the 2002 movies, I mean, this is such a big year. We could do another one of these. We, we won't. Well, if we do, we'll have to wait another five years to do it. Ten years. But uh, we, we won't do it. But uh, uh, we're going to move on from anniversary month. What ranking? And, uh, rank what rank these. Are you, yeah. you going to rank Oh, these? that's right. So, I mean, I'm going to put signs number one, about a boy, easily number two. Then further down the list, I'll put my Big Fat Greek Wedding, and then I'm going to Panic Room last. But this is probably the first anniversary month where I could say, like, I genuinely probably enjoyed all four of these movies. I don't think there was one bad one in here. Yeah, I, I, I can barely even remember what we just did this month. I can't remember our anniversary months. But, um, <laughs> oh, Dirty Dancing, shit, I remember we did that, didn't we? <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I might be up there as most enjoyable. But, uh, no, my final rankings would be easily about a boy, uh, Panic Room signs, and then this. So, uh, but I mean, Battle Boy, so- uh, sorry, Panic Room signs are on par. But I, as I said last week, I put Panic Room just above it. Mm-hmm. Battle Boy strongly on top. I mean, that again, what made 11, 12 of my best movies of all time list. So, um, but uh, yeah, this this is firmly large. It's the only one I rented. I bought all other three. So, yeah. Uh, and if you pay for us on Patreon, you would already know what we're doing next month. Uh, but we're, we teased it. We're just going to say it now. We're doing Bad Movie Month next, uh, which is something we definitely missed last year. But uh, we've got a good slate of bad movies this time. Oh. In fact, I say we got a good slate of terrible movies. The only thing I'm sad about, we didn't put Freddy Got Fingered in there. I think we forgot that. But uh, uh, do you Let's have the see. order? Did we decide on? I know we decided on. I don't think, we've, I don't think we decided the order. We decided on what we were. Did we decide what okay. we were doing first? I don't know. I, I think. Yeah, well, let's see. We're, so we're going to be doing Mariah Carey's Glitter because we always try to do the the singers the making movies. Ones. From Justin to Kelly uh, next year, clearly. That'll be next year, obviously. But uh, we're going to do Movie 43 because Ben recommends it. <laughs> I, I, uh, I I like Movie 43. I saw it at the cinemas. The only one of these I saw at the cinemas. Oh, no, I saw the Love Guru at the cinemas. Yeah, then we have the Love Guru. And what's our fourth one? Uh, Cat. Cats. That's right. Cats. Oh, excited about that. So what? Did so we you're decide doing glitter. You're doing glitter and cats. I'm doing love guru movies. Well, I guess I've got to be one of the ones I'm doing because you, you hosted yeah. this week. So, 
let's do movie 43 first because I right, feel movie like it split up pretty quickly. Um, and we're, we're, we're committing. Haha, <laughs> people love. We did, what year did we do it where we committed to a, an hour per episode? That was I know Christmas. We did it for a couple of Christmas, the Santa with muscles, and there was another one we did during the Christmas month. So we, okay, I, I know we've done it before. We are committing right now. Actually, did we also not do it for the, the actual Disney live movie? actions. Disney no, live did, actions. What was that one year where we did the movies that actually suck month? Like we, like, because some of our oh, bad movie remember. months we've bought before, like Batman and Robin yeah. and that sort of stuff. But there was one we did a few years ago where it was like, like we did the Lion King live action and we did movies that we hate month, I think it was. Um, oh, no, we didn't. Yeah, anyway, we are committing the bad movie month in 2022 we have an hour limit. And I reckon we need to be firm on this and the fact that even yeah. if we get to like the 55-minute mark and we're only like a third of the way through the film, we just go, oh, fuck it, they're cats, they sing memories, the end. Yeah, um, it's the challenge of the host. You have to get it done in one hour. Yeah, so we'll start with movie 43. What would your preference be of Glitter and Cats to get over and done with the next week? Uh, let's do cat second because uh, I'm intrigued oh, about Judy Dench. <laughs> um, which I will say, actually, one thing about Glitter that I completely forgot about is a person who's in it, Tia Tahada, Sergeant Cruz from Third oh. Watch, is in that movie. And, and you interviewed her. Did you talk no, to her? No, we didn't. It? No, I've, I've, sadly, we didn't get her on the show. I've talked to her a couple of times on um, on email and we've just never been able to get her, get her on the show. But uh, she's probably my second or third favourite character in all of Third Watch and I'll defend her to the day I die. And she's one of these actresses who is brilliant and I wish she had become more of a thing. But, yeah, she's in Glitter. So I don't know if that destroyed her career. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, so I, I, and the, I will defend the Love Guru. I think the Love Guru gets shit for... I don't know. It's it's. I and I, again, I, I think like, come on, Colin. This is literally a movie where the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup. So like, I mean, I don't get Justin Timberlake's in that. There we go. Justin Timberlake's in Love Guru. Uh, so like, how are you not liking a film in which the Toronto Maple Leafs win the Stanley Cup? <laughs> Spoiler alert. I, there's there's positives to even the worst movies out there. Um, John Oliver's the in it. it's a parody Stephen Colbert's on it. Like I always forget, you've got like two of my favorite talk show hosts are in this movie as well. Uh, I'll, I'll say if there's any recommendation for this. When I told Jamie what we're doing for bad movie, I mentioned Love Guru. She goes, Love Guru. Yeah, that one was okay. <laughs> so her saying that was okay is probably the second most positive review ever for the Love Guru. I just I feel like I'm jumping ahead, but I just feel bad. Like it probably just I feel like it just came at the wrong time because like I mean the Love Guru is just Austin Powers, but with like. Indian stereo. Like, I mean, it's, it's yeah. this is not my big fat ruin. There are definitely probably some offensive stereotypes in that that don't hold up. But I mean, if you like Mike Myers and you like Mike Myers' style of comedy, then you'll like The Love Guru. So I don't understand mm. why it gets the hate it gets when it is essentially Austin Powers, but just with a guy called The Love Guru and ice hockey. So yeah. I don't like Jessica. Well, we got. We, we got to get through movie 43 first. So Which uh, we're going to be Hugh Jackman has testicles on his chin. <laughs> That's Spoilers. enough right there. Like it's hilarious. Like again, I saw it at the movies. I, I remember leaving it going like, oh, okay, that was sure. And then I, I, I only took it like a year or two later where it was like, oh, this gets a lot of hate. I was like, well, was it that bad? <laughs> I, it's, it's, it's very, it's kind of like a scary movie, like a parody film, which again, if you like that sort of dumb humor, you'll get a kick out of it. There's definitely some stuff in it. We're like, okay. But like, I still am going to be baffled to talk about this in an hour next week, how they were to get, like, this has got a huge fucking cast. Hugh Jackman and Kate mm-hmm. Winslet go on a date together and Hugh, ja- how do they talk Hugh Jackman 
into doing a movie where he wears testicles on his <laughs> chin. I don't understand it to this day how they did it, but it's it's I, it's an odd movie. I am looking forward to lots of testicles. Um, and on that note, I will say, my name is Colin, and I have three testicles on my chin. Uh, my name is Ben, and. I've written like five lines. Uh, You're starting to look old. Thanks for downloading this episode of the Oz Network. Make sure you never miss an episode by subscribing to the podcast via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, or by copying our RSS feed into your preferred podcast provider. And while you're there, please drop us a rating and leave us some feedback. You can also be sure to stay up to date with all the latest episodes and happenings from the show, as well as finding out how you can get involved in upcoming episodes by following our social media pages on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, as well as getting everything you need under one roof at theoznetwork.net. Thanks again for listening, and we'll speak to you next time. like exclusive stuff? Yes, sir. Do you like having access to your favourite podcast hosts in a way like never before? Yeah, absolutely. Do you wish you had access to our old Survivor Oz episodes that you can't find anywhere else online? Oh, yeah! If you answered yes to one, two or all of those questions, then get excited because the Oz Network is now on Patreon! That's right, your favourite podcast has jumped on the Patreon bandwagon to enable a better listening experience for you, our listener. For more details, simply head to www.patreon.com forward slash oznetwork where you can sign up for as little as $3 a month. It'll be the best decision you make since that last bad one you made.